But Joseph has a rant, and it's kind of been stewing in him for like two, three weeks. Uh, and uh, we know what it's going to be about. So, uh, Joseph, the floor is yours. Well, actually, you're going to have to give me a minute so I can review what was actually said on that podcast. Then I'll get back to you because it's been a while since I heard this. Piss poor preparation, dude. Piss poor preparation. Nitro is the glory. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast with your host tonight, Keenan White, aka Lefty the Great. And if you are unlucky, the Finnish village idiot, JQ. This is the RC Podcast with no name, but plenty of content. So sit back, relax and get ready for some serious bench racing. Yes, indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 90, Noventa, of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Keena White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host, my side, Biatch. Captain Aho himself, RoboQ, BeakerQ, Rupert, you name it. He has many, 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 many nicknames. Joseph J. Quaygrain. What's up, JQ? How are you? I'm just fine. How about that? <laughs> you got a new mic. You're getting all serious there. Like, I like this. I like this. Um, you know, you're starting to take things a little bit more serious here. Got yourself a new expensive mic, setting up your studio, looking all sharp, getting ready for something big, I take it. YouTube videos. A new career that doesn't pay any money. <laughs> well, it depends what you do. In RC, it, uh, you have to cater to the bashers to make... Bashers in scale to make money. There's there's yeah, some good YouTubers out there. I'm just not interested in. Actually, you know what I th- I see that's missing is there's a lot of content on YouTube actually for RC, but it's mainly bashers or very and very much entry level. This is how body clips work. This is how you set your ride height. Like that kind of super basic stuff. But then if you want more advanced stuff, it's not really available. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to start making some videos, which yes, they cater to beginners too. Beginners can watch them and understand and follow along. But if you're already in it, if you're racing and you want to improve, that's kind of the the main focus of the videos. That's who they are for. So more advanced information and uh, advice. Yeah. Maybe some entertainment too. Who knows? Yeah, I, I've been following you. Um, you know, we've been discussing this for a few weeks now, and you're all excited. Uh, got your camera all set up. It looks really good. Um, I can't wait to see the finished product as well. So it should be good. But you know what, Joseph? Let's talk about that in a bit. First, we have to say thank yous and shout outs to people. So first off, I want to say thank you to all of the No Name RC podcast listeners from around the world or the hashtag NNRC squad. Thank you to you guys. Without you guys listening, sharing, uh, supporting the podcast, none of this is possible. So I appreciate all the love. Please, guys, share this podcast. Let's help it go viral. If you ain't, follow us on Instagram. Check us on Instagram, on Twitter, and uh, give us our Facebook page. Uh, give our Facebook page a like. We're almost up to 3,000 likes. Let's get that like 125 away. So let's uh, boost that up. Uh, so 
yeah, just give us a like and share the podcast. It helps us, please. And leave reviews. That's what I've been meaning to say. If you go to like Apple Podcasts or Podbean or something, leave us a review. If you didn't like the podcast, that's fine. Say you didn't like it. If you liked it, leave us a review. That helps us out a lot. Um, so whatever platform that you listen to this podcast on, leave us a review. Shout out to all of our my the patrons of the podcast on Patreon. Uh, we greatly appreciate your support. Uh, we are having a little hiccup right there. So hopefully we get that sorted out here today. Uh, and uh, yeah, without you guys, man, none of this is possible too. Uh, I, I actually am waiting to get this hiccup sorted out. And then I have um, something planned for the patrons on the So, on the so what did tiers. you do? You went against what the community guidelines on Patreon. I don't know what it what happened. That's I'm waiting. You know, unfortunately, it's not in my email, so I'm waiting to find out what happened there. It's weird, isn't it? Well, I have done not nothing. With you, you've done something wrong. No, I haven't. Clearly. I just I made a post the other day saying they violated the community guidelines. I don't know what I done uh, with the community guideline standards. They, I just made a post the other day saying that there will be no main podcast this week, and then. I went to check it uh, yesterday, and it's like you are, your account is suspended. It's like why? So hopefully we get an answer from them here soon. So, like I said, it's not in my email, but I have done nothing wrong, um, you know. But who knows? Who knows? Somebody might have reported it. I don't know why. Who knows? Who knows, man? And a lot of hate, a lot of hate going on out there right now. So we'll see. Uh, so thank you to our patrons on Patreon. I greatly appreciate you guys' support. If you guys wish to be a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the NNRC podcast. I believe that's the address. I keep getting it wrong, but it's always in the written description of this podcast. Shout out to all of the awesome companies that support us and advertise of us. We greatly appreciate your support. They are RCMX Online, Techno RC, Beach RC, JQ Racing, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, www.manscape.com cut through the jungle and find your manhood rob's oil for all of your amsoil needs shout out to jq threads wally buds of course rcgp and um <clears throat> yeah just shout out to those companies that support us uh, uh appreciate all the support if you are a company that you know you want to advertise on the podcast you think this is a great platform to advertise uh shoot us a message dm us on uh Facebook or shoot us an email at the no name rcpc at gmail.com and we will figure something out for you. All right, Joseph. So <clears throat> we took a week off. Uh, you needed a mic. I needed a break from you. I think we needed a break from each other. Uh, what have you been up to? What have I? I can't remember. I can barely remember yesterday. You've been stuck in your little your little hobby hole there for a bit. But I must admit, your studio looks good. I've got to get me some LED lights now because yours look badass. Yeah, I guess we had the Finnish Nationals since yeah, we've we, spoken. Yeah, I don't think we... Did we talk about that? No, not yet. No, Other because you was in a pissy mood. mainly been just home. Yeah, that was last rain. weekend, right? Was that the same weekend as Wicked Weekend, I believe? Yes. So we had Wicked Weekend and the Finnish Nationals, and we didn't cover either of them. So we'll talk about that in a minute because we do have to do the Manscaped News and re race recap. But I guess, yeah, let's talk about, if you want to talk about the Finnish Nationals, 
and how you blew out and mentally screwed yourself, then let's talk you about it. You just said that we'd do it later on. Well, I changed my mind, okay? I'm not ready to talk about the nationalist now. Get all <laughs> yeah, your bullshit still, out of the way, and then we can it's, it, it's still give a, the it's people still a source, some substance. <laughs> There's too much rambling it's, in the beginning. No one likes this bullshit, I'm sure. Yeah, well, nobody likes your bullshit attitude. Yeah, so just get all the rambling out of the way, and then we can actually talk about something and maybe it, give some give the people some value. You're the only one rambling right now. Wow, did we wake up on the salty side of the bed today? See, Must have. Just rambling. <laughs> salty. Um. Yeah, not much going on in the RC world. We do have... Um, when this part, we're going to kind of switch it up and go back to releasing, trying to release podcasts on Wednesdays. And uh, this Wednesday, <clears throat> when this podcast will release, we will be doing a Facebook Live, uh, YouTube Live, call-in hotline with Joseph, myself, Joseph, and Toby Hampson from 46RC and tobymeister.com. He's going to give us a little recap on the Mugen Challenge that happened this past weekend, which looked like it was a great race. So we won't really talk about that in this race. Uh, I mean, in this podcast today, this podcast, but we will be doing a live. We will be doing call-ins and, and Facebook questions. Like Joseph doesn't have Facebook anymore, so this is like his Facebook live. So tune in to that uh, Wednesday, 3 p.m., or when this podcast is released, it'll be today at 3 p.m. EST. We're doing it so, Joseph, uh, we could get a little bit of the European guys in. I know it's a little bit early for the USA, but tune in. If you can't call in, tune in and ask your questions via Facebook, and um, we'll get to them. But... I think it's time. Joseph is not in a very talkative mood, as you can tell. He wants to talk about his uh, his Finnish nationals. So let's uh, go into the Manscaped RC news. And this part of the podcast is brought to you by www.manscaped.com. Thank you to everybody that's gone out and got themselves a lawnmower 3.0. And you use the promo code NNRC in all caps to save 20% off your order. I'm enjoying my lawnmower 3.0. Joseph's lawnmower 3.0 is on the slow boat to Finland. And uh, yeah, check it out. It's designed to not nick your balls. If you ever, 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 ever went down and did some manscaping in the area, neither reason area of your body, you know that nicking your balls or any part of that body, body, that area in your body is definitely not fun. But the manscaped, a lawnmower 3.0 eliminates that so with their new uh trimmer system motors and blades you can you know it just leaves your balls nick free so as i like to say cut through the jungle and find your manhood use the lawnmower 3.0 go to www.manscape.com use the promo code nnrc in all caps i'm probably even saying that wrong it's probably not even nnrc it's probably something else. But, yeah, save 20%. Everything you want to find, links to the uh, website and everything are here. Sorry, it is promo code no name in all caps. Save 20% off your order and free shipping. And this applies to international orders as well. You can order this from Manscaped Europe, I believe. So, check them out. If you have the balls enough, post up those pictures and tag us in your pictures of, of your new lawnmower kit. All right, Joseph. So now we're getting into the meat and potatoes of what you like to talk about. Uh, 
you maybe we'll uns, you know desalty you know unsalty you a little bit. So let's talk about what's going on in RC a little bit. You had to finish nationals. We had the wicked weekend, the same weekend. We also had Cheyenne showdown, which Tebow went to, which was actually the bigger race of Wicked Weekend, and 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 uh, that. So we, we'll start with your Finnish nationals because you was really pumped about this, and Just you start done really well. Jesus, but you you know what. I had all the list planned, and you just turned everything around. Yeah. Just all right. So let's start with Wicked Weekend. No, Wicked Weekend. Did you watch? Well, you didn't even follow Wicked Weekend because, um, there really wasn't no no live. JB was like the only person I knew that was doing some live video, and it was okay. But it, you know, it's uh, you know, it is what it is. JB was just doing it from his phone. So <clears throat> Wicked Weekend for the first time ever went outdoors. They went to SMB. And oh man, it just got plagued with races that outdoor races, what outdoor races happen. That's why we could, uh, the race time at event entertainment events are successful because they're indoors, but very low. And not that entries make a difference, but very low entry count, only 137 participants, 257 entries. That's very low. This race got 600 entries last year, but it was indoor at a different uh, location. Uh, but they suffered from rain uh rain slowed them down low entries uh but there was some there was some good racing i did enjoy the track did you did you even get to see the track at all joseph i haven't seen anything i think bobby more than a good track i was talking to mike hill and jb they were there uh it was pretty good smb is a, a great facility i like it <clears throat> i've had the pleasure of racing there i did have issues with my time with timing but it was it was still fun to race there uh, just, yeah, just low entries, man. <clears throat> That's not good because, well, I mean, it's great for the racers. We've been preaching low entries for a long time, but for the race time crew in SMB, um, you know that this is this is a business for them. So the you know low entries means less money, and I don't think we'll see Wicked Weekend outdoors ever again. But I think due to COVID, they just couldn't have it in Georgia where they usually have it. Rain was the name of the game. No, this is the Cav winning Nitro Buggy. Our boy finally won a big, decent sized race. I would say this is a big race because this had, um, it had all the major players. Second and third. Bringing it up right now. Second was Dakota Fend. Third was Ryan Mayfield. Cole Ogden fourth. Spencer Rifkin fifth. Spencer Heckett sixth. You know, I thought. That was a real legit win. Yes. This was a big win. This wasn't just some, and, and it was very close. Ryan was uh, 60, 32, 30 minutes, two seconds, and Dakota was uh, three seconds behind him. So, and then Mayfield and Cole Ogden, it came down to the end too. They were just uh, just about a, just over a second apart. So, yeah, and then Rifkin was seven seconds, six seconds behind, seven seconds behind. So, <clears throat> this was a this was a good race, man. Uh, Cole fourth should have been a top three should win. He ha- he has a lot of time at this track. I would say this is his home track per se. One of his home tracks. So he should have been, should have been up there, but you know, it is what it is. Cav man, Cav went out there and put the S works on top. I say that's pretty good. He needed that. He needed that. He needed that confidence booster. Wouldn't you say? If you say so, yeah. Come on. That's your boy. 
you, this is a decent, this is a high quality race. There were some quality, quality um, competitors here, and he did good. He won. And that's what you say. Wow. You didn't even say, congratulations, Killer Kev. You, uh, you, you won Wicked Weekend. I know that helps you. I don't your, think uh, he listens to this. I don't think so either, but somebody will go and tell him. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Good stuff. Uh, I thought the Phenom was going to fulfill the uh, the prophecy and sweep this. He did. He won Troggy. He won E-Buggy. And he was so fast in, in Nitro Buggy. But he ended up second. Not by far. Not by, he didn't lose by much, man. Wow. Almost. He finished the race, though, Joseph. That's good. That's promising. I'm telling you, Fend is going to. Did he finish all three classes? Yes. He won Nitro Truggy and won E-Buggy. That's amazing. He almost that, fulfilled. That's probably a first time ever in the history of his racing career. <laughs> he finished all three of his races. He didn't defend himself, man. And he like he should have won this, but it looks like just was a close race to the end. Impressive, impressive. But I don't think we'll ever see this race ever again. Uh, outdoors, it's just not worth it to the race time entertainment. I can see that. And people didn't go because of that. They want to go indoors. And the Wicked Weekend facility where they have it in Georgia is really nice. It's open. It's not inside of a, it's How in, many it's entries over a roof did you say they had now? They had 137 drivers and 257 entries altogether. Okay. So is there a good video of this race somewhere? Unfortunately oh, no. not. JB took some video, but it's just like standing up on the driver's stand, um, you know, following whoever he can follow. Yeah. They actually had a racer about a month ago. The SOS series had a one-day racer. Now, that has 10 scale hey, and a whole bunch wait, of different. Let me, let me just interject with something here. Okay. So this race happened. There's no, no video, really. I mean RC really. I I mean I heard Cab One. I don't really know anything about the race. Haven't seen pictures. Haven't seen video really. This kind of race is the kind of race that people in the industry think is really good for them. Like this is worth spending money on this race because at the race they are able to connect with the people at the race support them, help them, you know, show their faces, shake hands, kiss babies, whatever. But the rest of the world doesn't really know what's going on. Just keep that in mind. Like this, this is great. This is good. This is a good investment of money. This kind of race. Just keep that in mind for my rent. I know. I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. Um, yeah, it's un it's a shame. But uh, the, I think one, a couple of the things that I, I was I, I was told about this is people are a little bit salty uh, at, at race time right now. Um, PMB, they decided to do, only do two qualifiers. That pissed people off. I guess it was Jimmy Babcock. He did it like JBR style, two qualifiers and your mains. So they did at this race because of the little entry. They let people just open practice all day Thursday, all day Friday. I believe they did qualifying Friday, right? They were trying to get this race done by Saturday, which I think is a bit cheesy. Let people come down and enjoy their their weekend. 
um, they didn't give people longer mains, man. I just don't get it. Like, it rain came Saturday, so they had to push the the like the A finals to to Sunday. Some low and some Bs. Like, you had they were out of there at two thirty. Okay, yes, it's great. People got out of there at two thirty early s- s- Sunday, right? Okay, great. But man, give give them an extra fifteen minutes. Like, give the pros forty five minutes. Give these open guys forty minutes or whatever. You know, thirty minute mains. Uh, I think they could have done that. Nick still could have been out there, out of there at like six on a Sunday. And I remember Greg was like, "What? No, forty-five minute mains? Why is that?" You know, and he was making off. And I'm just like, man. Uh, basically, from what I was told, it's like they just kind of wanted to get out of there Saturday. Um, but, but man, give people longer mains, man. You, people are still a bit, a little bit salty. Well, from what I'm hearing and reading online. Um, people telling me they're still a bit salty about only getting two qualifiers at PNB. So, well, they have AMS coming up here soon. No, Southern Nationals, because now Race Time Entertainment owns Southern Nationals. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on in that race too, because it has to be capped. So, yeah, I don't know. Should have gave them longer mains. I think had time. Hey, you know what? Less entries. Once they have the money, they don't care about the race. We've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if your last qualifier is at 2 a.m. Last qualifier out of two is at 2 a.m. And then your main is at 6 a.m. And it's only six minutes long. That doesn't matter. They don't care. It's not about the racer. These races are not about the racer. I don't know why we don't understand this already. Like everyone should just accept that. I, I I know I understand that these races, these promoters are here to to put to make money. You know that's 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 the point of putting on these races to make money and provide something for the racers. But I think in a situation like this, where you have extra time, not that many entries, give give the people a little bit longer. Like give them you know give them long main. So if that guy who traveled and put up with the rain and all that that crap. Instead of him having just a 10 minute man, he has a 15 minute man or that's you know, not a 20 the mindset. Man. That is not the mindset of the organizers. Maximize the number of entries, maximize income, get the race done with and go home. It's not about the enjoyment of people there. It's not about providing them with pit space and tents and air compressors and comfortable environment and fun racing and long mains. It's not about that. I get that. <clears throat> I get that. Are we going to be salty about this, the whole podcast? Let's move on. Maybe. Congratulations to Killer Cav. I'm glad he won. Unfortunately, Fenn didn't feel the prophecy, fulfill my prophecy of sweeping and winning Nitro Buggy. He almost did. He almost did. Surprised he wasn't at this race in, uh, at the Mugen Challenge. The other big race that took place this, uh, this weekend, this same weekend, was the Cheyenne Show. Well, it, was, it was bigger in entries but uh wally went to it um tebow went there and it sounds like they just had a great time uh shelby parker what's up shelby did a good job bumping up from the b main jq drive i think it's the only jq driver there uh he bumped up from the b main and finished seventh in uh in the a main which is really good man i like shelby shelby's you know it's just one of those those guys you get on the team and he doesn't ask for much help he just puts his head down uses the guide uses his own information and, and work, works on the car and makes it work for himself so um 
He's doing a good job of that. So this is held up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I don't really know much about Wyoming racing, but it gets a lot of people from, like, it got people from California, Colorado, all those areas, New Mexico, Texas. And Tebow went up there and won it. And I believe this had more entries than Wicked Weekend. So kudos to the organizers of, and not that we judge races on number of entries, because it doesn't matter how many entries you have to make a race good. I'm just saying that it had more entries. <clears throat> and this weekend, are we gonna go? Are we gonna talk about the Finnish Nationals now, or do we want to talk about the international uh, buggy race that happened this weekend? And well, how can let's talk about the buggy race and then talk about the national? Okay, we'll we'll go forward in time to go back in time. So here's something I didn't even know. So we had the second annual international buggy challenge, which was held at the Quinta des La Tulipas track in Barcelos, Portugal. Have you been to Barcelos, Joseph? Oh, no. No? Okay. Well, I didn't know that this was Yao Figueiredo's track. I didn't know that. So I was talking to him this week. I didn't even, I forgot that the race was even going on. But uh, yeah, this is his track. I believe he runs it. So he gets a lot of practice on there. But they ran e-buggy, nitro buggy, and they ran nitro truggy. I was shocked to see that they ran truggy. And man, Kanas. Kanas wins nitro buggy. We have... uh. Canas wins Nitro Buggy here. I have my, I bought, have all this up saved. Where is it? Canas wins Nitro Buggy. Badier in second. Barkan Killick in fourth. Yao uh, fourth, sorry. Renault Savoya fifth. Miguel Matias sixth. The Wiley Wiley veteran comes in sixth. Bruno Coelho seventh. And then Ricardo Montero, eighth, and Burak Kilic, ninth. That I don't really we don't really know any of the other guys. Doras, Carlos Doras, Duras, that's about it. But man, Canas, is is he is he finally out of his shell, kicking down doors and saying, forget this. I'm not a fanboy anymore. I'm a champion. Cause he's been besting Robert at almost every race they go to. Yeah, it's gonna I mean yeah, he's really good. He was already good last year. Didn't he get second in uh, RCGP also? So yeah, yeah, he's he's still improving, and these other guys have kind of peaked. So it's gonna be rough for Robert these coming years in Spain. I think. I really do. It's it's unfortunate, man. Uh, not unfortunate. Sorry. What am I talking about? Um, yeah, I think. This is the we was we was talking about this maybe what a year and a half ago and how we who's gonna is Kanas going to like take it to Robert and and take it away from him and 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 I think he's doing that remember, he just kind of said I, I remember I said it was a mistake for him to switch the to, yeah to works but yeah I was wrong about that he was able to <laughs> still keep on improving and b basically be number one at S works well I, I believe okay. he's succeeded in that. He is definitely their number one driver. Yeah, I mean now they in America they have Calvin. He just won a race, but if we look overall, that who's who's racing more eight scale, who's sort of making a name for himself, it's Canas. And in Europe they also have Boots, but Canas seems to be you know doing better than Boots most of the time. So yeah, he is 
he's becoming he's definitely oh, he to be reckoned with really at any race oh man i i got the pleasure of really watching him at rcgp and he's so punched like yes he can be out of control but he was he's kind of silently fast like he's there and you're like wow where did he come from and he's just there like with those guys he was one of him and he was one of the guys who i thought was more competitive than Ongaro in USA with uh when Ko and um David were just super like just a notch above everybody else. So I thought that was super cool. Yeah, and, he's uh, fast hey on man. Euro style tracks and the US style tracks. So any kind of track he can he can be really fast. So. Yeah. Impressive. I hope he's practicing his English. I'd really like to uh get him on the park. And he's still young. He's only nineteen, maybe not even nineteen yet. So so he won that uh, uh, Badier. Not saying that Badier is done, but yeah, it's 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 a new breed of young guys coming up. Or Berkan. I mean, Berkan is the younger of the Kilich's bro- Kilich brothers, and this is I've seen him best his older brother a few times this year. Yeah, they they have they're gonna have a big rivalry here in the coming years if they both both keep. I going. know. It's going to be pretty cool to see two brothers that, I mean, the only other two brothers that we've seen do this are like the Francis brothers and then we had the Baldo brothers. But I think Burkan and and Burak are going to be like on a whole different level like against uh, each other. Igon, Igon brothers, Yannick and Burak. Igon brothers. The, who else do we have? Um, but Yannick was always faster, wasn't he? Well, yeah. Jerome was usually faster, but for a short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> and then Yannick would, and, you know, maybe most of the time do better at the races. Isn't there another brother? Uh, Sartels, are they brothers? I They're I some, related somehow, but I don't think they're brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, and then the Skidmore brothers, but I think uh, I think William William is faster than of the Johnny and and, and Will. It's going to be interesting to see, man. Like, what, maybe these two are going to get in a scrap one day, fight each other. Ah, I got something on the pits, like brotherly love. But Burkan is uh, putting in work, man. The Mugen, they seem to be gelling with the Mugen. He seems to be gelling with the Mugen more than Borak at the moment. So, Yao in fifth. Savoya, your good buddy. No ball, Savoya, the shark. Yeah, he, ah, I think not- he really needs balls. I mean, he's pretty much, I'll call it right here, he's done. He's done. If he's done, then I what mean, are you? I, he's done like he's like he's done like uh, uh, Martin Byers done. I'm gonna start beating. Why don't we explain that to people? What you mean by by Martin Byers is done? Well, I mean he went to the worlds and didn't race. He was just pitting for Bruno. So, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Kyosha will have some young gun soon, and Savoya can start pitting for him. I, I've seen I've seen on social media Savoy's been practicing all of this, you know, getting ready and then nothing. Just I think Savoya's gonna give you a karate too fast, kick. Too fast. Uh Robert's still too fast. Kana's too fast. It yeah, it's over. He has a Kyosho now, been practicing. It's done. No more. I think Hot I take. think uh Savoy I think Savoy is gonna punch you out. 
Uh, Miguel Matias, dude. Wow. This dude, like, goes away, doesn't take RC series, and still beats, like, almost all the fast guys in Portugal, except y'all. Impressive, dude. I like I like Miguel. I like him. After after interviewing him, you could go check that out. Uh, I did interview Miguel Matias a, a few months ago, not a few episodes ago. It was a great talk. I like him even more. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Like, this guy just... It, He's been practicing a bit, but not like these. Like, this is not his real job. Like, he should not be coming in six. He should not be coming in front of Bruno Coelho. Yeah, I wonder what Bruno was doing. He seemed to be a bit off the pace the whole weekend. Maybe just haven't run, hasn't run eight to go. I don't know. Also at this race, uh, you brought it to my attention. Uh, Robert was running what I assume... What I can only assume is, uh, while it's testing out some new parts from MSE brand, is MSE, who is MSE, Joseph? Is that Mugen Europe? Mugen Seiki Europe? Maybe. Okay. So, so, yeah, we had some carbon fiber top plates and stuff like that. But you, this one you pointed out, which it looks, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I'm probably wrong. This looks like an adjustable chassis brace, I want to say. Yeah, like a carbon chassis brace. Um, it's yeah. bolted to the chassis behind the center diff between the radio tray and the engine. So center line and it kind of, it it's like a whale's tail goes outwards mm -hmm. behind the engine, both sides. What the heck is that noise? That's my uh, <laughs> washing machine. Uh. It's doing its uh, thing. That's 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 pretty loud. I'm just well, let's wait a minute and be done. So I just remember that when I when I made the white edition LV, I added these carbon plates under the gearbox to raise the gearbox, and I made some different ones for the rear. And one of them on the rear was the carbon plate under the gearbox just extended all the way to. The, where the rear brace attaches to the chassis and then it was sandwiched between the rear brace and the chassis so it's just a longer than normal carbon uh, gearbox riser but the crazy thing was that even though you have the rear brace from the rear gearbox to the chassis it forms a triangle there you are you're only adding the carbon from the gearbox to that brace so it's already braced. You're just adding that carbon piece. That actually affected the forward bite of the car. I couldn't believe it. I tried it back to back a few times. So without that long carbon brace, the car had more forward bite, more forward drive, more grip when accelerating on a loose surface. And then when I added that when I replaced the carbon gearbox spacer with the long one that went all the way to the rear brace, I had less forward bite. It's crazy. I couldn't believe it. Mm. So. Well, this looks like it has like holes, like it has holes out to the side. So I guess you can adjust the tension of this, I, I'm assuming. Well, if it has holes out to the side, yeah, if you add those, then like the right. you adjust the torsional flex of the chassis also. So. Wow, that's great. I mean, it's so simple, but it, it can make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, it could definitely make a difference. Interesting. 
Wow. Little small things like that make oh wow. impressive, impressive. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, those little small things aren't helping him beat uh, Kanas. <laughs> So. No, 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 not, not at the moment, unfortunately. I think Kanas has just been racing a bit more, too, to be honest. Um, what? Oh, is he still running those six-mic tires? Six-mic tires. Uh, I believe so. I can't really tell. Let's see. Let's see if I can see his shirt. It's hard to tell. I think he is. From his shirt. Oh, he won Truggy, too. So they ran Truggy in Portugal, and he won that. Looks like yeah. a good event. I want to go to Portugal, man. Really, I do. Looks like a beautiful country. I don't want to go there. And, um, Portugal but, is uh, you know. one of my favorite countries, except the people there, or well, maybe in some areas, but people in like service jobs and like people in customs or DHL or at the store or like just in the bank, like, they're so rude. I couldn't believe it. Like, People think Finland is rude, but there in Portugal, people are like actively rude. In Finland, people are rude because mm -hmm. they just don't say hello or please or thank you or something like that. But in Portugal, they are actively rude. You know, you know, like you <laughs> call the HL about something and they'll just hang up in your face. Like that's like normal behavior. Like what? <laughs> like literally. You give them the tracking number and they look for it and something and then they'll just hang up on you. I don't know, dude. I thought Never this been was there. just a one-off case, but I've been in Portugal decent amount. Well, you, you, know, you know Salty also. Joe's. So, yeah. it's And I've also verified this with some other people and they say the same thing. So I don't know if it's something in the water or what, but yeah, Portugal is super nice and yes, super nice people also, but and you have to deal with someone on a professional level. It's just normal to be an asshole if you have a job like that. Uh, Don't you, you would fit in perfectly there, apparently. Yeah, but it's just, it's weird. Uh, so I know we're going to hear Salty Joe's opinion on this. So. Why, what's that? Um, about you talking about Portuguese, Portugal. Uh, also, just real quick, uh, looks like David Ranafog finally got his 16th Swedish national title he won it in Furuland Furuland is that the track where the, that's the track where they had the um, 2004 the Euros was. a few oh, okay not Eskis oh right 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 that's uh the girls track uh, Paulson oh what's her name Jessica, Jessica Paulson, Paulson her home track yeah Yeah. with the M shaped hill Chicane Hill oh, that yeah. track's so great M for Michael Michael <laughs> everyone's favorite RC driver. He's more popular than me, actually. He's what? He's more popular than me. You know, at the world's warm-up, uh, Jeremy Kortz uh, stuffed him in a trash in a trash can, or tried to. Really? Yeah. I Greg did say that him and Kortz got in a fight. What did they get in a fight over? You remember? I can't remember. It was something something stupid. I can't remember the reason anymore. Well, you know what's so funny? Remember they came to DNC 2019 and they were driving Kyosho and they just did not pit with the Kyosho team. They pit way, like in the Kyosho. I think Zach was there and they had like the Kyosho pit was big and they pit over somewhere by themselves. Like. I think that was because they were running parts they weren't supposed to run or something. Oh, okay. It's like Boots was running uh, 
MP right. ran an right, MP9 right, right. shock tower or something like not even that <laughs> drastic and off the team. Um, but she's kind of not. She's not kind of. She's she switched to Agama. Um, well, we can't really judge, but COVID. She's still doing good on her track, but um, they actually have a very good struggle going on there in in Sweet in Sweden. Because you have a lot of fast young guys. You have Hampersberg, her. Uh, there's another young, fast guy, young, 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 younger driver. And uh, I was talking to uh, Andreas Finnegal. He's a he's a supporter of the podcast, so he messages me and tells me about the Swedish races. So he was telling me that Hampus, you know, that Jessica won and all this stuff. And but I think she's just maybe she needs a little bit more time. But I don't think she's doing as good as she. Was doing with the Kyosho. Mind you, she ran Kyosho forever. And um, I think she struggled a bit since she's jumped on the Agama. Uh, you know? I don't know because I can't really remember how I had any big race with the Agama. So I don't know how she's done. I mean, this was a home track. So obviously, expectation is <clears> that she does well. She got second. She beat Hampus. So that's good. Like If you just look at that result, yeah, that's really good. One lap behind David and a few seconds ahead of Hampus. So... That's a win for her, in my opinion. Yes. So it's not like the car but our is home bad track. or anything. But yeah, so I haven't seen her on other tracks. So I I, I can't really say compared to the Kyosho how how she is. But yeah, she's um maybe maybe the best female RC racer. Who else is there? I think I she might so. be the best. Yeah. She I, I would like to see her on really the Drake good, race. Yeah, how did they compare at DNC? I don't know, like lap times and that. Kind of I stuff. can't but remember. Well, they didn't. They they ran. She ran pro and Ronda ran open. Yeah. So I don't know. So, but yeah, on that topic, since we're on it, and I said like Michael is more popular than me. The problem is that the the father Michael Paulson isn't very well liked in Sweden, and the reason is that he's not he's not like honest or fair in racing terms you know so you know if if you want to do things right you follow the rules and you're open and uh you win because you're better on the track and then people respect you and everything's fine but what's been going on in sweden always is there's always some sort of drama like the track is closed or only they get on only he gets to practice other people don't get to practice or it's really expensive or, or always trying to manipulate the rules or systems or something to get an advantage somehow you know there's always that and then there's always now what is annoying people in sweden is that uh, maybe there's nothing wrong with uh, jessica herself but because of the father you know always if they don't win there's always some reason there's always an excuse it's never it's never them it's never that someone else is better there's always something that's wrong you know there's always someone to blame or something to argue about so that's kind of what's going on and that's that's a bit of a problem over there so there's a lot of that kind of drama over there and people wanting you know david to win and humpus to beat jessica and that kind of stuff so yeah, then uh, complete outsiders are always supporting uh, Right, because you know, they don't because know what's going on. Or, you know, mm -hmm. and it's unusual and yeah, go power, you know, I hope she wins. But then the people who sort of know the family and know the people, they're like, oh, fuck. 
Well, I always say, I've heard that before as well. Uh, I'd like, I'd love to see, um, I know we shouldn't separate them, females and and males, but I love to see an all-female main at one of these bigger races. And I honestly, I think right now, it's, it's good. We have a lot more females racing, you know, so that's great to see. But I think, man, I would love to see her, Rhonda Drake, and I'm going to give Katie, man, Katie down there, and she's a Race Like a Girl podcast. She's down there in uh, Southie. She's Ray, her and her husband, Dave, are racing every week. I think Katie has improved a lot, too. I like to see her race. And there's a lot of other girls. There's that uh, girl, Roxbury, um, Seth and Dalian's girlfriend races. Um, what's that girl? Diana, the, the younger girl that lives in California. She just went to TLR. She races a lot. I like to see these girls come together and race, but I think... Uh, I like to see Jessica and 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 Rhonda go at it. I mean, I'm not gonna take Rhonda can drive, like you know what I mean. Rhonda can wheel. Let's not take that away from her. And she's a little older now, but that she still gets a lot of practice. But I would like to see. I think Rhonda's more let it loose, wild, like driving, more punched. And Jessica, from from what I've seen, like watching her race at the Euros and stuff like that, on she's very calculated, like a robot. She doesn't make any mistakes. Breaks right here every lap, you know, and then goes. Well, she does make mistakes, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how good she can get. I, I think that Marlene Carlson is still the best girl driver that we've had. You know, she yes made multiple Euros mains and EOS mains, and she was, so she was really fast, but she quit. So I'm curious to see how good Jessica can be. And... RC is actually a sport that there's no reason why a woman couldn't be just as good as a man. Faster. Absolutely no reason for that. There's no sort of gender difference or biological difference that means that uh, a man would be better. There there isn't because it's not physical. The RC is just Mm -hmm. sort of mental and hand-eye coordination and then dedication to practicing and racing. So it's, there's no reason for it. So it's, I'm curious to see how good she good she can be what do the listeners think what do you guys think do you think ronda drake or jessica paulson who's gonna win if you guys follow both of them i know everybody knows ronda drake but uh yeah and i agree with mylan uh she was on the road to be i think the first female pro ever so too bad i don't even know what she's doing posting up her dad's posting up i didn't even i'm not even on the instagram anymore just got a little creepy posting up pictures of her working out all the time Stuff like that, but uh, whatever that whatever that young girl decides to do in life, she will be successful. Um, she just has. I tend to find that people who can do who are successful in one thing tend to be able to be successful in many other things as well, as long as they put their brains to it. So, um, yeah, congratulations to the Viking David Runnefalk. It's good to see him racing. We need to get him on the podcast and just have a talk with him. It's been a while. I like David. I like him a lot. He's my my favorite driver. Um, let's talk about your race, buddy. Because you was super prepared for this. Yeah, you was so, excited. Um, yeah. So instead of having a four race series, we had just one race finish nationals, and it was in Vasa, so four and a half hours from my house. Uh, the track is really good, and we all went there for a practice day. Like all the fastest guys in Finland were there at the same time. So 
we were all pretty much the same pace, like same kind of lap times. And so it was going to be a good race. I knew it was going to be close. So what happened in the race was I qualified second and then uh, I had a bit of an engine tune issue in the semifinal, still finished second in the semifinal. So I started third. Then in the main, um, I knew I had, so Johanna Hartanen, he is this, used to be this super young kid who was giving people gray hairs in 10 scale on a world stage sort of level, you know, EOS and these kind of races. Now he's what, 17, I think, and really fast TQ Euros in 10 scale, podium Euros. I think he finished fifth at the Worlds, the last Worlds in two wheel. So obviously really good. He hasn't been that fast in eight scale, except now last year and this year. So he was, he, he TQ'd and he started first in the main and I knew that he'd be, it would be really hard to beat him. But I had one thing going for me was that I had one less pit stop than him. And I figured, okay, so if I can just hang on, if I can get in the lead somehow, if I can race him, can gain that pit stop, you know, mistakes can happen, incidents can happen, maybe I have a chance. So that was my mindset going into the main. Then uh, the main starts and I actually, after the first few laps, I was decent. I was in second place. The owner had a bit of a lead going into the first pit stop. Then this is where everything started going downhill. So I didn't have a pit guy. I had two people who could be my pit guy and or who have normally been my pit guy and neither of them could go to the race. So I already knew I had an issue. And then the JQ uh, guy made the other JQ guy whose dad could have been my pit guy who normally could be my pit guy. He made the main. So <laughs> I didn't have him either as a pit guy. So then I had someone who wasn't really that experienced and I was a bit worried about it. So the lap I was going to come in, oh, we had, we had headsets and he was, you know, I was just telling him basically like I'm coming in this lap, <laughs> you know, and then I crashed. So the big lead I had made up on third place, like seven seconds or so, I lost all of it. So now I was fighting. Wait, did you second. have headphones on? Yeah, I had a headset on. Okay. So uh, I come you in the pits. Your shit. I come in the pits. I come in the pit second. I lose a position, drop to third. So pits was a bit slower, two seconds slower than the other guy. Go out, uh, overtake the guy, retake second, second pit stop, same thing. Come in second place, I lose time, drop to third. So again, the same thing. Third pit stop, I come in and uh, there's a, a mistake because he forgot to put fuel in the pit gun, in the, in the gun, fuel in the gun. So he filled up with no fuel, like, oh shit, there's no fuel in the gun to get the bottle. I lost, you know, tons of time I dropped to fifth place. So at this point, I'm like mentally just done. And I ended up finishing fifth. So anyway, but that's not really the point. I just told that so I can tell you something else because this race was like a microcosm of RC racing in general and the difference between different drivers and people who are successful and people who aren't because there were many, many different things that happened. So first of all, going into a race like that, you, you need to be prepared. And this is even, this is what even many really good drivers who have 
decent results, what they lack compared to the really, really top guys. It's the preparation. So preparing your, your car and your setup and your engines and knowing your runtime. And uh, for this race, like I had a few different engines and I picked the one with the best runtime, made sure the tune was good, good, changed the bearings, you know. I even during the race, I actually changed the Conrad, you know, just to be safe. So I knew my engine program was good. You know, I knew the setup on my car. I had on that same track, I had tried a, a couple of different setup changes and I knew how it affects the car, exactly how it affects the car, how it affects my lap time. So I was super prepared. So because I was prepared, I was confident going into the race. Now, we, there's, there's uh, four, four really fast guys in Finland now. There's Jona, there's Becco, Max, and Ari, and then me. So in, in qualifying, any one of us could TQ around. It's really close. But in qualifying, because of the preparation I had done, I was really confident. So I was just going for it. I was driving very close to my best lap and I wasn't nervous. I wasn't, my hands weren't shaking. I wasn't worried. I wasn't looking like, where's the other cars? Oh, he's catching me. Uh, I'm going to get frazzled. No, I was just going because I was confident in my engine, my tires, my, well, everyone had the same tires. We ran control tires, but how the tires work on the car, my setup, because I had done my homework and I was prepared. I wasn't worried about other other drivers, other cars, other people, just my own driving and hitting my lines perfectly and doing as well as I could. But even so, I still qualified second. You want to beat me. So then when we look at some of the other drivers, what was going on is, okay, so they didn't match the fastest lap time or they didn't qualify as high as they thought. And then they just start changing crazy stuff. Like Jona was running, I think because he didn't have the new associated parts in time or something, or he hasn't run it much. He was running much of the old car still, you know, the wider rear pivot and different rear arm and that, that kind of stuff. So the other associated guys, Max and Pekko and these guys, they were looking at, oh, well, Jona's going fast with those parts. So maybe, maybe that's why he's fast. So we're going to change over. So they, from their car, they changed over to the older parts and this, like they were all over the place. This is what normally happens. This is what many people tend to do. They aren't on the pace. Uh, so they look outwards, like what are other people doing? Oh, they're doing something different. Let's do that. So because they weren't fully prepared, they weren't confident in what they were doing. They didn't know exactly what they were doing. So they looked outwards and started doing drastic changes. Well, it turns out that wasn't so good and they did even worse. And then they changed back eventually and they were all over the shop. And that's what a lot of people do. So they don't prepare and then they look what other people are doing and are heavily influenced by that and tend to go backwards. What people should do, I think, is is uh, focus on what they have and maximize the performance with what they have, the equipment they have, the car they have. That's a much better way to achieve success. Then two more points. So in the main, 
I, I, th I believe, I believe that I could have finished second in that main, even with the problems that happened in the pits, I could have finished second, but I didn't because I blew out mentally. I just, it just annoyed me so much that I kept losing time and positions in the pits. And then after the big issue, then I, I was just done. Like I didn't mentally, uh, I didn't mentally like, um, what's the word? I didn't consciously give up like, ah, oh, fuck this. And just, I didn't do that, but it frustrated me to the point where I, I started making some mistakes and I wasn't doing my best laps anymore. So I wasn't fully focused being smooth and hitting my lines and just doing perfect laps. I didn't do that. I just, so basically I was done because of that. Now, if I had been able to just keep, keep my cool and just keep driving as well as I possibly could, even with those issues, I still think I would have finished second. For example, if we look at uh, Australia worlds, David Ronnefalk was in a position where he could potentially become the first ever back-to-back -back winner of the worlds. He was fast throughout qualifying. He had some issues. He broke, flamed out, whatever. Still qualified dec decent, I think. Made the main. First lap in the main, he was in the mix towards the front. And his clutch started slipping. It slipped so much that he cased the triple, crashed. Then he came in the pits. Adrian held the car down and he gave it gas. Burned the oil or grease that had come out of the bearings and made the clutch slip. Burned that off. Then he was on his way again. So he was way behind everyone in last place. So that must have been really frustrating, frustrating for him because he basically knew he lost the win, like he's not going to win. And he still managed for 60 minutes to drive the best he could, not mentally blow out, just keep focused, drive as well as he could. And I, didn't he get fourth? Do you remember? Fourth, yes. Yeah. I believe it was fourth. Yeah. And that's that's what champions are able to do. So even when things don't go well, even when they are frustrated, they are still able to just put that behind them and focus on the task at hand. If I had been able to do that in that moment, like I said, I think I would have finished second. I was faster than the guy who fin finished second now. But I couldn't. Even though I didn't make a decision like, fuck this, I'm just going to blow up now. It's not like that. It's, it's a tiny shift in mentality that happens. So, yeah. So that's just something to consider, like keep in <coughs> mind. Like, well, for, it sounds like you've thought of, about this no, a lot. Yeah. So a lot of drivers are, are better than most of their results are. And, and it is because of something like this, just blowing out or not concentrating or not preparing. So. A lot of people always ask how, how to be better and how to do this and how to get sponsored. And most of the time people aren't focusing on, on, uh, the biggest re reasons that they aren't better. And the biggest reason they aren't better is themselves, how they think, what they think about. I literally just, I said their, this a few weeks ago to you. Their focus on what they are doing what's right in front of them. That's, that's kind of most important. 
And then the last thing I'm going to say about this race, which was also evident. So it's this race was like crazy because there were so many things just coming together in one. And the last race is how, how evident or how important talent is. So the thing that separates Jona from Beck or, or Max or Ari or me is none of these things that I have mentioned, really, in my opinion. The thing that separates him is from, from, uh, from the rest of us is talent. Because he doesn't practice or drive more 8-scale than others. His engine wasn't perfectly tuned before them. And they had even had some issues, you know, with tuning the engine and this, and probably worried that is this thing even going to run? The thing is that the very best drivers have the talent to adapt to the situation. So when things aren't perfect, like for me in qualifying, those first qualifying runs, everything was perfect. My engine was tuned perfectly. My car was handling perfectly. I had practiced this. I knew what to expect. So I did well. But for someone like that, even when the engine's a bit off and the car isn't doing exactly what you want, they can still adapt their driving to still get the lap time and still be consistent and still do well. This race, for example, the, the difference between Jorn and me and some of the other guys, it was just like two tenths a lap. That was it. It's not a massive difference, tiny difference, but it builds up. So yeah, those are like the <clears throat> yeah, things, I mean, things, all the different things. It goes things back that, to my saying, Yeah, uh, we kind of talked about this on the rant the other day, um, how you mentally mind screw yourself all the time, which I've seen happen many times. And I, I can picture exactly what happened to you in this incident. Like I know, I'm not even there, but I know exactly what happened. Um, it's correct, man. I mean, you have to be mentally strong, even even when you have the talent, you could be mentally screwed and just screw yourself. Like, so you have to be mentally strong to also and talented to drive that car when it isn't the best. And that's what makes guys like Yuna, Yuna good and and whatnot. So, and then there's different levels of talent, and then you just have people yeah. that work hard and who are mentally stable. Yeah, I think I think also can do it. when you have when you have those. Uh, few drivers in the world who are, they have the talent and they are mentally strong. Then the difference between them will be the first things I mentioned, which was the preparation and the, and the focus on what's in front of them, what they are doing, what they can affect and not looking outwards at other people. Yeah. So, so it's like this. The talented, the very talented drivers, there are many of them. Uh, the ones that consistently win are the talented drivers who are also mentally strong. So like David, like Yona, things aren't going perfect, still able to just do the same lap time every time and do the best they can and win the race. Uh, then out of those drivers, the guys with, with talent and who are mentally strong, the ones who do the most winning, winning are the ones who then also have a program, 
around them or people or if they do it themselves who focus on what they have in front of them. This is the car I'm running. This is the engine I'm running. These are the tires. Let's maximize the performance of this. So they aren't jumping around, switching this and that and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. No, they're maximizing the performance of what they have. It's the best way to be consistently successful. And then occasionally you have people who do all the right things, are mentally strong and don't have the talent and occasionally you see them win or do really well. They can't do it consistently, but when everything falls in place, they are capable of doing it. So the, the difference between a driver like that who occasionally does really well and then can't do it for a while and then again at some random race again does well that's because they don't have the talent to adapt they need to make everything perfect for them and then when they succeed in that then they do well then a few races they don't succeed in that they can't get there then a race comes along where everything's perfect again boom they're there again does that make sense yes yeah yes i understand that um mental man the mental game is a big big in life period um you can have all the talent in the world and you can work hard all you want but if you're mentally not strong uh you're gonna just you're not gonna be successful mental exercise and mental stability is just as good as is just as important as physical so um yeah and i uh, this is what separates them and uh, you know and, and i also say hard work beats talent and talent don't work hard so you know yeah but only part it's of the many, time yeah that's true too but if you put if you're somewhat talented slightly less talented than somebody putting in hard work and mentally strong you're probably going to beat that person so, but that sometimes some people are just exceptionally talented and it's even hard to do, do that um well, you, you definitely went into deep thought on that. It was a long drive uh, home. Wow. <laughs> I know. It was funny because Scott was like, I want to email Joseph. I was like, nah, might maybe hold off for a day or two. Let him uh, let him mentally re regroup and decompress. Cause well, I, know I mean, honestly, I wasn't really that pissed off because I would have finished second anyway, so not win. Like, I think if I knew I would have won, if I had just, you know, not had issues, then yeah, that would have been a different story. But now, yeah, it didn't really bother me. Yeah. All good, man. Um, on to the next race, I guess. Hopefully, which hopefully you get to travel here soon. Um, I don't know what the restrictions are there in, in Finland. But um, yeah, the year is almost over. It's freaking almost September. So, you know, we're almost in the last few months of of. 2020 anyway uh mugen challenge was this weekend we're not going to go into that too much but ryan mayfield swept that truggy buggy and uh nitro buggy e-buggy sorry truggy and nitro buggy and it was a damn damn close race between him and cole ogden we'll we'll be talking about that more on the live with toby hampson he was there filming it uh, i have posted links to that race uh what he filmed thank you to toby he only had one camera and he and he did a good job i would say and he was racing um, in other news, I know we, we kind of rambling on about a lot of things, but I just wanted to bring up a few things before we move on, Joseph. Um, 
One, I see Hong Nor. I didn't even know Hong Nor about Hong Nor is like that IGT8 car. It is the base of that car. Hong Nor is once distributors in America, United Kingdom, and Austria. I don't know how that's going to go over. We have enough car brands on the market. And I see that Associated has released the B74.1. Um, so I guess it's the second version of their four-wheel drive car that they just released last year. Well, two years. What was it, Worlds? Was it Worlds last year? You have a B74, right, Joseph? Yeah. So have you have you looked at what they're doing to this car at all? Recently, no. Okay, so this is what they're saying. The engineering continues. The team associated B74.1 platform introduces the use of two separate chassis configurations. The B741 is the buggy of choice for high grip or turf track surfaces. If it's next generation Octolock, two pad, high load, high capacity center slip, slipper clutch, and up and optimized carpet setup. The B74.1D includes a center differential with 200,000 CST silicone fluid and an optimized dirt kit setup. I'm sure there's other things involved, but I I thought the gear diffs were for for carpet and and ball diffs for dirt. Am I wrong? Aren't they talking about the... Well, I wasn't listening to what you I'm, were saying, but... That was a full They're talking drive, about the center diff? Yeah. Not the front and rear. Front and rear is gear diffs in both. Well, the it includes... A, the, the B74D, 1D, includes uh, a center differential of 200,000 CST silicone fluid and optimized dirt kit setup. Yeah. So they're going, they're not using slipper clutch. They're using slipper clutch on carpet. I guess to give for the carpet because it's so high grip, they need some give. And but I could have sworn you ran. The, in the middle. You want the snappiest acceleration you can get. You don't need a diff. You want as much drive as you can get. So you run a slipper, solid axle in a slipper. Okay. Yeah. And then on dirt, Makes sense. you run the diff. So. Smooths out the acceleration a bit, and also the diff, you know, bleeds bleeds some of the drive to the front wheels when you accelerate, so it's a bit smoother to accelerate. Okay, cool deals, cool deal, cool deal. Well, you know what, Joseph? I think it's time to pay some bills real quick and uh, go into the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A. Are you tired of running laps against a clock? Are you tired of qualifying all weekend for a short little... <clears throat> well, you better start packing because your summer is about to sizzle. Scale Racing Sports and BeachRC.com present the newest off-road indoor arena racing event on the East Coast, the Summer Sizzler. Summer Sizzler. If you run 1/8 scale nitro, 1/8 scale e-cars, or 1/5 scale gas, grab a buddy, pack that shit up, and let's go racing. At the Summer Sizzler, we race heads up all the time. A full day of practice, three 10-minute qualifying races, plus a last chance qualifier. 
30-minute main events for all adult classes and really cool trophies. Whether you're new to racing or a seasoned pro, register now at rcsignup.com or on-site. Trackside Hobby Shop support from Beach Hobbies, free parking, free camping, free indoor pit area, and the largest driver stand and pit road you've ever seen. For more information, follow, like, and share us on Facebook at Scale Racing Sports. The Summer Sizzler, Labor Day weekend, September 4th, 5th, and 6th, Apex Arena, Withville, Virginia. The Summer Sizzler. Grip it. And rip it. And rip it. Yes, indeed. The Summer Sizzler is coming up. Beach RC is a sponsor of that race as well. So if you guys have nothing to do on the Labor Day weekend, head up to the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia to the Apex Center and enjoy some indoor RC racing with scale racing sports and the Summer Sizzler. Signups are available on rcsignup.com. Sounds like an interesting format. So, Joseph, are you ready for the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A? Yeah, as ready as I will be. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. All righty, it is time for the Beach RC Bench Racing Q&A. I really like this name of this segment, um, mainly because I came up with it and you didn't. And you're, are you typing away now? Yeah. Or just are you just trying to irritate me by clicking your mouse? I can do that too. Come a little closer to the mic. You're kind of far away, actually. So, all right, Joseph, we do have a few questions from Instagram as well as private messages and Facebook questions. Thank you to BeachRC for bringing this part of the podcast to us. We greatly appreciate it. If you guys can use our affiliate link, which is in the written description of the podcast, it greatly helps us out, helps track influence on uh, BeachRC. And Brent and Lucas are doing good things, man. Good things. And check them out, man. Helping up a, a, a actual brick and mortar hobby shop with a track and a great online service. So check out Beach RC and you get free candy. Unless your name JB and then you don't get any free candy. So our first question comes from Joe Bain. He wants to know how many pro or top, dri- top drivers run modified engines versus stock and is there a big difference between the two? We're talking nitro. Yes. Yeah. So these days, there's no need to modify an engine. You can just get a standard engine, and it's good enough for the job. Uh, sometimes, team drivers of certain brands will run quote-unquote modified engines, but what that means is that they're just developing something new. So they're trying a different carb needle or different 
uh, piston or head button or cylinder or whatever they are trying different parts and maybe eventually those will then become a new version of an engine but it's not like you buy an engine from the shop and then the top drivers are running that engine but someone modifies them slightly like that's not really a thing it's not really mm -hmm. it's not needed let's put it that way it used to be back in the day it, yeah like people used, used to, to be, do it maybe, back in the day not really anymore could there be some benefit to that yeah i think so maybe maybe someone is really into like os engines for example and they figure out how to get the maximum amount of runtime like with a certain fuel uh they perfect everything for that fuel to maxim maximize runtime and they might do some magic on the engines and i i could see that yes but i don't know those people so if, if you know those people let me know but yeah um I remember back in the day, JP Mods was and Paris. Uh, Raw was it Raw Paris? Was it Ron Paris for for Onroad? I think in Onroad it makes a big difference because in Onroad they're trying to squeeze out as much runtime and power as possible. Um, but in Offroad, man, I think maybe somebody wants a smooth. But in Offroad, you can do so many things to to an engine. Like I would rather have too much power and take it away through clutch or diff or even through radio you know well the one thing that but I, I like to have it there is one thing actually that i think is missing is why don't manufacturers offer different uh, low speed needles because the needle makes a big difference to the power band of the engine and how it feels so i wonder why they don't test out different needles and offer different ones for customers that would be a good that's a good change it really changes the feel mm -hmm. of an engine. So I'm kind of surprised that no one does that. Maybe with higher end motors. Um, yeah, why not? And you can just save different needles going to, to different car, car carbs or cars. Oh, let me try this needle. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I would think people would Interesting. like to tinker with that. Interesting concept. But yeah, I think the engines are like, man, a stock stock like oh like a regular os speed is just good enough man like we don't need more power in rc we need to figure out how to get the power to the ground better you know in our and what we do so uh i think the, a lot of it's going to come down to radio input here because these no prep guys and their electric stuff what they're doing with their no prep esc and 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 radio tuning is God, I'm going to have to filter into RC at some point. And it is, I think, uh, Andrew Rizzo, Rizzo uh, he's really good at this, um, programming the Fataba radios. He actually tried to start a group, and uh, he's been showing people what to do with their radios, I think, uh, with their KOs and their Fatabas. So he's really good at programming radios to give better performance. So it's something that we don't really focus on, but now that I've seen the no-prep guys are doing it, uh, I'm sure there's some guys in Offroad that are doing it. So, thank you, Joe Bain. Uh, he's up there, uh, I want to say, was Minnesota, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Got his own little track up there. He's enjoying. He's a JQ driver, too. KB Wolf, Instagram questions. He asks, hamburgers or hot dogs? Hamburgers for me all day. Yeah, How about you, hamburgers. Yeah, I like a hamburger with some caramelized onions, cheese, 
some Swiss cheese or some blue cheese and some bacon and avocado and tomato and uh, making me hungry. He wants to know, how does tow and camber affect the car? Thanks, guys, for all the help with these questions. All right, Joseph, give us a quick synopsis of tow and camber. Camber, I've covered so many times. It's ridiculous. If you just go on YouTube and search for uh, the quay grain camber, you'll find them because I've uploaded the a great Facebook mm -hmm. lives to YouTube now. And there's a blog also. I'm pretty sure there's a blog on Canva. So yeah, but anyway, how the hell am I gonna make this short and sweet? Less Canva. Just look. Mm -hmm. So standing up the tires more is more grip. And more forward bite, more side bite, just more grip. The downside is when you corner, the outside tire on the rear especially will want to go further positive. So in the corner, you'll end up starting to lose grip at some point. So it's not the, that's why you have to add some camber. You want the tire to be in the correct angle it, while you are cornering, navigating the track. So you add a bit of camber. On the front, normally the best setting on eight scale off-road is about zero to Maybe zero to one degree camber. That's the smoothest steering. Go either side of that, like go less or go positive or go more negative. The steering will have will hook at some point. It won't be as smooth. So zero to one on the front. On the rear, depends a bit on the car, but most cars I would say probably the best setting is about one or two degrees. So not too much. Just one or two degrees bit more than on the front that will give you the most grip and the best way to set camber is to either have someone in the pits say driving and then they just reduce the rear camber a bit and you see how it changes okay reduce more reduce until it gets worse then start adding rear camber again it's going to improve 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 and then at some point it gets worse so then again, when it starts getting worse, go back. So find the best setting for the rear camber, then do the same on the front. And then that's just purely based on you driving and feeling how the car feels. Another good way to adjust camber is to do it by temperature. So you measure with your temp gun that you use on your engine. You drive, you come in on a few different spots around the tire, measure the inside, the inside uh, tread, and then uh, outside tread so still on the tread surface of the tire just sort of that in inside towards the inside and towards the outside so you want to match those temperatures if the outside is warmer clearly warmer than the inside then you add camber if the outside is cooler than the inside then you reduce camber and if you do it this way, then you might end up with different, slightly different camber left to right. That's fine. Just trust me. Do it this way, and it can have ridiculous consequences. I remember in Italy, we did it this way. Max was in the pits measuring the temperatures and adjusting camber. I improved my best lap, no joke. We had already been there, I think, two or three days at this track. So we had kind of maxed out. We tried this ridiculous thing. 
I want to say my best lap improved something like 0.8 seconds. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. I remember you telling yeah, us the so story too. That's Camber. What was the other one? Toll. Jesus Christ. Front. You want to run some toe out. Always. Always some toe out. So looking from above, the front of the tires are pointing outward slightly. So just about two degrees. So when you run toe out, what that does is it smooths out initial steering. So the car will actually be smoother and easier to drive. So let's say you, uh, you're you on a fast track and you're going to a long sweeper. That the car will just track nicely through that sweeper. It won't want to sort of oversteer and you have to correct or it won't want to push and you have to turn more like it. Just nice smooth arc through the corner. Now the reason for this is that if you think about it, when you tow the tires out, so let's say you're looking from above, you tow the tires out a bit, then you turn left, for example. When you turn left, the right, the weight of the car is going to transfer to the right, onto the right front tire. So that tire will be the dominant gripping tire in this situation. So when you have towed them out, that right tire is first pointing outwards a bit. You're turning left, but that front right tire is, is pointing slightly to the right. As you turn more, that uh, outside right tire goes straight. And only once you turn a bit more, then it starts turning left. Do you see what I mean here? So. Um, if you had no toe out, that outside tire would immediately start turning in the direction that you turned. But since it's towed out a bit, there's a slight delay. It's pointing the wrong way first, then straight, and then it starts turning. So this is why that initial response is uh, less, it's smoother. And this is also why uh, the car will track smoother in that corner, like you hit a bump or something or a patch of more grip or something because because of that toe up you have on the front it won't want to oversteer as much so it's going to turn smoother into and also through corners so that's the front always some toe out now you can experiment with more more or less and if you run too much that's not good either you lose too much steering and it's just not consistent the steering you have Rear toe in, or oh, yeah, so rear you always run toe in. Uh, toe in, in my opinion, is interesting because unlike many other setup options, you want to run the extreme. Either you want to run very little or you want to run a lot. Because if you run something in the middle, you aren't getting the best of either setting. So when I say a lot, I mean like three degrees. Basically three to three and a half degrees of towing on the rear. What that does is it locks in the rear end. So you have good rear grip at all times. The rear doesn't want to slide. It just wants to grip. When you accelerate, the rear wants to accelerate straight. You go in a corner. It does turn initially well into the corner, but in the corner, it doesn't want to slide. It just wants to grip the track. So three to three and a half degrees for the maximum rear grip and forward bite. But that's not always the fastest way around the track. So 
then if you need more steering, more rotation in corners, more corner speed, you have a fast track, fast flowing track, you need to sort of slide around some corners, connect the different sections of the track together, maintaining corner speed. The best way to do that is to reduce towing. But you don't reduce it to two and a half or two or something. No, you go extreme. So you go one and a half or one degree. So a very low amount. So between, let's say, actually you could even run a half degree. So like half degree to one and a half. That's the other extreme. That's what you run when you run uh, less towing. And what that does is the car will be, the rear will be looser, yes, but it's consistently loose. So you can still use this on even a slippery track because it's not going to grip, 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 and then lose lose everything and spin out it's going to have this sort of constant if you've ever watched rally on gravel it's going to have this constant uh small slide so as a driver that's more comfortable because you you can feel what the car is doing so you control it if you ever watch ongaro drive that's kind of his driving style because he tends to use very little rear towing so he's constantly sort of slightly sliding the car around and maintaining a lot of corner speed. You can especially see this if you watch the worlds from Australia. And actually towards the end of the race when his tires were going and the track was getting dusty and looser, you can see him make some real rookie looking mistakes where he just spins out in a corner. That's how loose his car was. Like most people would have just lost the race there, but he's so good that he kept it together. So yeah, so less towing, yes, your car is looser, but it's a sort of controllable uh, loose and very fast, even on a slippery track. So yeah, that's as short as I can make towing and camber. <laughs> you, you're super talkative today. That's good. I love it. People love this stuff. Yeah, I'm just, I've um, been watching so many YouTube videos and I'm so tired of the sort of the low hanging fruit of advice kind of stuff, you know? So I want to make, <laughs> yeah, I want to make an want effort to like, if stuff. someone asks me about camber or tow, then I'll give a proper answer where anyone that hears it can learn something, you know? So yeah, I even think. learned something just yeah. now. So good stuff. Great answer. Thank you, uh, KB Wolf for your question. The next question comes from Pixit Racing, my buddy, Connie Swenson, go check him out on Instagram and Facebook. Who is the driver with the most luck? It's easy to see when people have bad luck, like Ronald Falk at the last RCGP. But which driver comes out most of the time with good luck? Always having luck on their side. Who would you say is that, Joseph? Back in the day, there was a term in America called Pudge Luck. <laughs> this was back when Cavallari, yeah. Cavallari was called Pudge. And mm -hmm. it was because there were so many occasion especially at Reedy race where he would be in fourth just doing his thing and then something crazy would happen and he would be leading the next lap like they would just the, essentially he would get lucky because of things happening to other people he still did everything right and was you know put himself in a position to win but luck was also involved where you know <laughs> 
<laughs> random things would just happen to other people and he would be in the lead again. Or he would even crash or hit a marshal or another car or something and still get away with it somehow better off than he was before. You know, because other people are collected too and stuff. So yeah, that, yeah, he comes to mind. But if we think recently now, I don't know that there's someone like that. Can you think of someone? Okay. Yeah, nobody, nobody sticks out in my brain at the moment who has that type of luck. I would have to say, uh, I would say Ongaro at RCGP last year because he was not the fastest, like in the USA run. And then David's bad luck just happened to be his good luck. Oh, yeah, but that's I, just I would, one you know race, what? I'm going to say this. Huh? That's just one race. That's, uh, I, I, yeah. I haven't really seen him have, you know, especially good luck. I mean, one could say that Boots had good luck at his second Euros with Battier and um, David retiring early. Well, yes, but that's also but just yeah, one not, race. Yeah, not constant good luck. So, yeah, I don't know. Who do you guys think is, is lucky nowadays? Let us know. Send us a message. Thank you, Connie, for the question. Next up, we have Jacob Gonzalez RC. He says, okay, I have a question, something I struggled with at the track today. I ran at the new track that I've never been to. He went to Thunder Alley this weekend, and there's a washboard section that is pretty rough. For some reason, I just couldn't get the car to go relatively smooth over it, try different ride heights, oils, springs, and of course, different lines. Should I try to approach it flat, fast and clear the first couple of bumps or slow and try to speed up? I got it a couple of times hitting the same line that that was all that that I was all day. Hold on. Hitting the same line that I was all day, but just couldn't get a consistent result. I did see this washboard section and I'm a fan of washboard sections. Um, I'll be honest with you. I found for washboard sections, man, it is about throttle, man, like inputs of throttle. I mean, it's always about inputs of throttle, but. And those washboard sections, if if you can get like a rhythm, like a double, 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 a single, you know, like that, that's usually the best way. Kind of kind of like how Tebow was doing it at PMB. I just find like like going through their full chat, it's it's a lot, it's the luck of the draw. Like, you know what I mean? Like you don't know how it's gonna end. It could be good, it could be bad. And yeah, I, I found that seen... you should not. Yeah, I haven't seen this one, so I can't really comment. Well, and, and I've also found is that a lot of people try to to turn in these sections, even slightly, and that causes you to to just wash out. So find that line, and if you have to move over or something, it has to be gradual, man. Um, I did see some video of it. I, I don't know if it was the same as it was PNB. It more looked like a little shorter shorter version, but I would say to you, Jacob, man, you cannot set your car up for that one section. You just have to adjust your driving style. And and that line might change. You know, wherever everybody, the fast guys are going through, will be the best line because it eventually gets worn down and it gets smoother. So I would say look for that, man. I would but say going full thing. chat through it. Typically you can't set huh? typically you can't set your car up for something like that. If it, if your car is generally good, then that's as good as it's gonna get in some kind of unique section mm -hmm. like that. Just watch that the drivers who are getting through that section well watch them mm -hmm. watch 
listen how they are using their throttle or brake or what they are doing and watch where they are hitting it and at what speed and then try and mimic that yes that's the best thing best thing you can do try it out let us know how it goes joey carlson who's this freaking kid i posted up a picture from way back from that friend race you went in france way way back richard duckham for jq while driving on a smooth track will driving on a smooth track help your driving on a blown out sandy and loose track i mean a bit i guess just hand-eye coordination hitting your line correctly you know but marg it's marginal like the best practice for that is to run on a track like that you know it's that's why that's why I think off-road drivers can transition into on-road and still do decent, but then some on-road drivers go to off-road and they they are just nowhere because the driving is the same. Like from going from an off-road, slippery, bumpy, difficult track with jumps to an on-road track, you, you got the driving bit, you know? You know how to enter a corner, go through the corner, drive to the next corner, you know that. You can do that and that's all on road is really you know on road on road can teach corner speed like the guy said yeah that's true but that's all on road is there is no navigating bumps and jumps and off camber sections and you don't have to do anything different you just do the same thing over and over in on road but off road is diff different and in more difficult in that sense that you have to react to the track and the grip level and the bumps. And you can only learn that by doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think people who who practice and only race these smooth, groomed tracks, they struggle, man. They don't like going to these rough, outboard, dusty, loose tracks, man. They struggle big time. And I, I prefer the loose, big, uh, blown out tracks to the smooth tracks, honestly. Can you stop clicking your mouse, please? Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't think it, I, I think you need to practice on both. I see too many people that are so comfortable with these smooth tracks and their cars don't get dirty and, you know, they're just happy on that. And then when they get, they just, they're, they're so lost when they come to a blown out track. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, Craig Kinsey, he says, for lefty and JQ, choose one only. All right, are you ready, Joseph? Would you rather be? Would you rather run a successful one RC racing team, two RC track and hobby shop, three RC product company, four or possibly something else in the industry, RCGP, etc.? Please give a short explanation. Let's go ahead, Joseph. Let's make this question so it's equal money. It's successful. You're making money. You're making the same money. Mm -hmm. What was it? Yes. RC okay. brand, RC race team. Was an RC racing team, RC track and hobby shop, RC product company, or possibly something else in the industry, RCGP, etc. I definitely run a race team. Yeah, I know that's your 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 big your big thing. The only reason um, why I, the only reason I started RCGP was so one day when I retire from racing, I can run a race team. I can have an actual race team. I can have actual sponsors. I can have an actual budget. I can hire the best drivers, best mechanics, 
I can have someone uh, who's good on setup other than me also, or maybe it's good on engines or, you know, like have a good group of people with two really mm. good drivers. You travel around and you fucking dominate and kick everyone's ass. That's what I'd like to do. But as it is now in RC, how the hell do you do that? Like you don't. Just now they had some race in, uh, what was it? Wicked Weekend. No one fucking knows anything about the race. How do you sell that to a sponsor? Yeah, well, uh, the people who are really into it can go on Live RC and look at some numbers. It's re fucking ridiculous. Let's get our shit together so that instead of passionate people spending money to go racing and then wondering like uh, what the return is on the, on the investment and trying to run uh, an RC brand and selling toys and doing this and doing that to you know run a successful company and then throwing money at racing mainly just because they love it. Let's make it fucking real. Let's make it like other real sports, real racing, where you can have race teams, you can have sponsors, you can have a budget, you can go racing. You can maximize the performance of everything, the driver, the car, the engine, the tires, everything. That's fun. Let's do that. Back in the day, when this was not professional, people did it as a hobby, people would do that. They would maximize the performance of everything as a hobby. We're way past that now. People are getting paid to race. They're professional drivers. Everything's developed to a high level already. To go further, to develop more, for this to be fun for someone like me, then it needs to be professional. It's the only way to do it. Then you can spend the money okay. and do this shit. You know, it's funny. Uh, Homer Alman just said something about that her the other day. Um, I I uh, I gotta find it here, but I'll I have it right here. Um, he says, "Boom! I would like to discuss a new future for RC racing. Some old dudes retire because they do not think they have the skills to compete anymore." Most would like to stay involved in the hobby, but are tired of getting their asses kicked by kids. And not every every race has the old dudes classes. Here's where the new idea comes to play. You guys need to become car team own owners, just like NASCAR. You find a driver, secure a chassis, pay entry fees, give him a bag of chips and a small tent, teach wrenching skills, and then go racing for the trophies or sometimes cash and a turkey. It can be very rewarding seeing your car hard work in the victory lane. You would never find yourself in, in otherwise. It is caught on. That's, if this is caught on, securing true sponsorship just like real sports would start happening and companies could only sponsor the real fast guys. The companies could start living off what, what wins on Sunday, sells on Monday. Car or team owners are what this sport is missing and that is what needs to take, needs to take it to the next level. Boom, let's talk about it and the possibilities. I actually didn't comment on that. Was that Homer? He's kind of... Homer, that's Homer. Yeah, he's right. That's but that he order right. that things will happen is wrong. Like no one's gonna do it now because it doesn't make fucking sense. They just had this race. No one knows about it. What race is like? What? It doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone spend money and have someone go there and do all of this for nothing? Even outside the industry sponsors, nobody. Yeah, no, none like would. no one's gonna. It's not possible. It does not work right now. We have to change the way we do shit first, and then what he just explained is possible. Because then yeah. 
that you can find all kinds of look at other sports how it works look at go-karting or motocross or whatever you can get sponsors because the sponsors get something in return it's easy it's simple they can see exactly. what they get they go to a website they go to a youtube channel they go to social media they see okay this is the environment that i will be in this is what i will get in return yeah i'll give little johnny five thousand dollars or whatever it is like you can have privateer teams when you have built this uh environment for them to exist in before that exists it's not possible you can get lucky you can get someone like maximum with tons of money to throw around or infinity or something like that you can get lucky in that sense like get sponsored by one of those companies but it's not never going to happen on a consistent and sensible level and scale where like people who are doing business are making business decisions and one business decision is to put money towards someone's rc racing you know it's never going to happen to advertise in front of 130 yeah, if we don't change something yeah for 135 people to watch maybe it was more than 135 actual people there but you know what i mean for 200 people to see do you pay that's all the exposure you get it's about exposure these companies want exposure and we don't get it at all we don't have to be on espn we just have to get you know get people watching what we're doing um can i because he asked for my for mine i agree with you there too joseph by the way on everything you just said you know what it I, it's, I'm kind of mixed on this because I would really like to be a part of a successful race team. I mean, I like what we've done at JQ Racing. I obviously like to make more money. But as I've gotten into, into this more, I've found uh, that I think RC desperately, like if you, okay, remember I, I sent you that blog that Zach Ryan wrote the other day? Yeah. Uh, it's a great blog that I posted up on my on my post. It was a great blog by Zach Ryan. He's from Australia. He actually messaged me before this, and he was talking about it. And I think it's exactly true what he says, and their RC is me missing proper media. Yes, R Live RC does their thing. They have their they post up results. Neo Buggy's kind of meh. Circus RC is doing a good job, but there's no real unbiased media coverage. Well, I mean, you can listen to podcasts. That's about it. We do. I yeah, think we I, do a good job. I think like. I think I mentioned it also here, but, and I agree. It's a problem. Yes. That it's just because everyone, on people stopped advertising online because they didn't see the mm -hmm. value in it. They instead invested in their own media. So J Concepts, right? Take their own pictures, take their own video, write their own blog. Proline do the same. Mm -hmm. AK do the same. Um, Mugen does the same. Like all the different brands do their own thing instead of fine. supporting something like Neobuggy that would make right. a whole race blow up and like coverage of everything. Instead, well, everyone has what some it is, small they thing on their social media and just don't do the other thing at all. So that's a bit of a problem we have well, they, in the industry. Well, they save money and they can control that. You know what yeah. I mean? They can control that. So if they don't like what they say, they, they're not, never going to say anything bad. So right now, I guess we're the only like podcasts are the people that are the unbiased media, I guess you can say. But I think I would love to be working full time, which I kind of am now, but in the media side of RC blogs, websites, uh, this type of stuff that I'm doing now, 
And just like, man, I listened, I sent you that, that Steve Mathis uh, interview here the other day. And that's what I like to do because I think with that, you can, inf uh, you can, you can actually change things. You know what I mean? Because you can, you can show people like, I'm, like for me, I'm, I take great pleasure. I take great joy knowing that somebody now that maybe listens to this podcast knows a bit more that probably he didn't know much about European racing. Now he, he probably knows a little bit more about European racing and he's going to follow RC racing TV when they go to hearts or uh, the end of the month and stuff like that. And he learned that from the podcast. Cause that remember when I started the podcast, I was like, Joseph, I want to be entertaining, but I also want to talk about racing around the world and, and let people know about that. Like, you know, we all know the, the big names and, and what's going on in America and, and stuff like that, because that's the main market, but not met, not people know what's going on outside of that. So I think I want to be work in the media, but to a different level. I want to go to these races. I don't want to have to watch these races on online. I want to go there. I want to, I want to do pit walks like like Phil used to do, and uh, maybe have someone to come and help me out and film me. And then we do. Remember, I used to, I was just saying like how Phil Phil used to do this little qual up like oh Robert Battier qualifying such and such qual. I used to love those little clips, like you know. Um, but definitely go into these races, doing more coverage, doing live podcasts, all that type of stuff. I want to do more of this type of stuff. And I think that's how you can uh, start change in RC and change it to, because at the end of the day, it comes down to what the people say. If the people want, want it, then the manufacturers should listen. So, and I just think we need unbiased I mean, yes, we can be biased too. Like we obviously love RCGP. We sometimes we don't we don't really look at the negative side of things, or maybe we get angry at what other people say. And I'm trying to stop that and just look at what they say as well. But yeah, I think uh, we just have media in RC that just posts race results. They they choose like like I still don't understand why Live RC didn't post the video of of the dri of driven. I just don't get it. Like I don't understand why it was sent to them. No, it was. Circus RC posted it. Neo Buggy posted it. Why doesn't Live RC post it? I don't get it. What is? Why wouldn't it? It's news. It's a great video out in RC. Why don't you post it? You know that's silly. That's silly in my mind. That's that's as as people as as RC as, as RC enthusiasts, we should ask questions why. And it's not a dig at R Live RC because they actually are doing something that I like reading their articles and stuff. But they should they should show that. But who knows? Maybe because they don't like what we're doing or what? Who knows? I don't know. But yeah, I think I would do, do media full, man, full, like full one. Like I'll be traveling. I'll be going to these races, be taking my gear. I'll have somebody with me that can film with me and all that type of stuff. And I'll have my little spot where I can report and things. I want to go in deep. Like, you know, this was the plans. I know I didn't do it at DNC too good, but the plan was like PMB, then, you know, all this type of stuff. Then COVID hit. So now I'm in an office. But I hope I, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. And I think that can help change things in RC, just like having a professional race team and all that stuff. So that's what I would do. Sorry, Woo, we're going we're going long here this 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 morning. We got a few more questions to go. Wow, it's going to be a long podcast, Joseph. Do you agree with me there, or have anything to say about what I just said, or you just didn't listen to me? No, I heard it. I agree. All right, a couple more questions. Sam Cobley. A while ago, Beaker talked about the latest OS2103 motors and mentioned that he thought the supplied carbs weren't great. I can normally tune motors fairly well, but had unexplained cuts, cutouts with my 2103S. 
does he have any advice or insights into this? Yes, so the carb that comes with uh, uh, type S, it's sort of a restricted carb. So the, the through hole is smaller. It's, if you take the carb off that engine and you look into it from the underside, you can see that it sort of tapers inwards. So it's a, it's a small, it's a restricted hole there. And basically, so the way to fix this is you take that carb and you throw it in the trash and then you get a 21J <laughs> or the carb of the type R and you, you put that on there. Now, why OS put this carb on the type S? I do not know. It's horrible. 100% of the time, if an OS flames out, it's because they have that carb on. It's just terrible. The, Would this explain how, the, Max's problems with his, his OS when he had it? Well, it explained the initial problems, yes, because then he switched it and then it was better, but I guess maybe he still had problems after that. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I guess maybe they were trying to make it so you have less power, smoother power, more runtime, something like that, but it's just, just throw it in the trash, seriously. I don't know why. It doesn't work right. In my opinion, it doesn't work right. But it just doesn't. I can't tune it. I can't make it feel good. I can't make it run good. So, yeah. All right. There you go, Sam. Chuck it in the trash and get another one. <laughs> yeah. Corey Jordan, left tire salute. What's up, good buddy? He says, which brakes do you like the best? The stock brakes on the JQ has a JQ car. Carbon fiber brakes or brake calipers with pads and a metal disc. And why? Um, well, we have the fiber, what is it? Fiberglass, brake discs. Fiber. And just metal pads. They're okay, but I've, I've been testing actually some steel discs and uh, metal pads with sort of brake pad material on them. And that seems to be the way to go, to be honest. You just have more brake power, more consistent brake power. It, it's... Yeah, just seems to be better. You also have sort of different levels of braking. So it's not like off or on. It's more, you have di more progressive scale of available brake force, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. That's the way to go. Yeah, I would have to agree. I'm not a big fan of, um, I think I prefer steel. If brake pads just has a more progressive feeling, maybe not just grabbing like, like, you know, and then stop. Um, and, uh, they last longer, I think. So with less maintenance, what are you doing? man? you're like doing something, you're fidgeting or something, making all this clickety click noise. Shut up. So, ask two more questions, Joseph, and then we're done. Uh, it's been a long, long talk. Maybe we haven't talked for a week or so. Axel Owen, you guys are always talking about making a better distinction between amateur and pro. So why do the pros go to the local tracks and smoke everyone, then act like it's some accomplishment? If it's track time, take your transponder out. Please ask a few pros what their logic and thoughts are. He says, I grew up racing motocross, and you never saw Bubba, Emmett, Carmichael, or McGrath, or any of the others going to a semi-pro or amateur races, beating everyone by laps and holding a trophy like it was an actual race. Um, did you plant this question? 
No, I didn't. I didn't. Axel. Yeah, exactly. If we want to be pro, then let's be pro. If we want to be amateur, then let's not pay any fucking drivers and let's not be pro. This is like daily. My, my, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's not anxiety. It's just sort of my Pet anger peeve. and frustration at this situation. It, it's just getting worse daily, I think, at this point. I agree with this guy. What's the, like, how about we make a bit of a separation? We have pro drivers. They get paid. So let's have pro races. This is like, when I think about how things could be, the thing I see is, look, so we have pro races where the focus is on the pro drivers where they want to win the big against the other pro drivers. And then we have a support class of just, you know, hobby drivers who do it for fun, 40 plus guys and, you know, juniors and kids coming up and who want one day want to be a pro driver. We have races like that, right? Those are the pro races that have all the coverage and they try and be in front of people, you know, wherever the location is, try and have locations where you could have spectators and new people come in and invite to school and these kind of things. Like focus is like, wow, this is the pro scene. Then you have these other races like this one that just happened somewhere that no one knows about. That's fine. Those races are fine. But the focus of those races should be the people who pay the bills, the customers, the juniors, the kids, the 40 plus guys. That should be the focus of that event. Now in RC, we still have this thing where the focus is on the pros. Even at a race that should be for the Joes, should be for the amateurs, for the hobby people, for the people who pay the bills. This is a like a quote-unquote, club race. You know, even if it's a big race, the focus should still be on the customer. Yet, the RC industry still focuses on the pros, even in that, like, the pros get the better time slots to run, the pros get the longer mains. Everything's for the pros, even at that race. So little Johnny has to race at 6 a.m., a short main, because he sucks. Fuck little Johnny, right? The pros get to race at the good time and have a long main. So the focus is wrong. Let's have pro racing and then let's have the hobby level racing. Yeah, we can still have a pro class there. Let's make the focus on the other guys. Does that make sense? Do you see what I mean? Even the companies in RC, like imagine they took this approach also. They sent their pro guys to the pro race. They have their tents and bells and whistles and banners and everything and media and pictures. And the focus is like entirely on that. Like this is fucking Formula One. This is it. Then that other race, they support the customer and the focus is on that instead. <clears throat> yes, maybe they may send some pros there, but even they know the job they are doing there is to support their customers. It's a different approach. Mm -hmm. we, we sh I think we should be doing this in RC, but we're not. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's just a broken, like, people want pro guys to get to their race, so more people come to watch them. And it's nothing wrong with them racing. I just hate, I think it's, you know, man, like, one pro goes to race and he dominates everybody. But 
You know, um, it's funny because on on that note, on that note, um, actually Brian Phillips talks about it in this podcast. And I didn't look at it like this before. He said, sometimes that just makes people's day or race to know that they made a main with one of these, like Adam Drake and, and Bourne Horse and Ryan Lutzigo and they're at this race and someone can brag and say, yeah, I raced against those guys. Like I bragged that I raced against Kyle Busch back in 2004, you know, and he was 17 and no, he wasn't, he was just learning how to, you know, just, I raced against Kyle Busch in Monster Truck and I've told that story one time, you know, I raced against Kyle Busch one time, you know, and that's my, my claim to fame. Like, you know, I'm going to, if I ever see Kyle Busch and I ever meet him, like, Hey, you know what? I raced you 2004, the farm Monster Truck. You had an associated, I had a low seat. I beat you. Um, yeah, I didn't actually. I, yeah, I think that's fine. I, I don't but, think that's the but issue, I think, but the, right. the focus is the issue. Right. I don't think it's wrong that these guys go to this race, but they should go more on a support level, like you said, but it gives that person that, yeah, maybe, maybe they should. And, and you know what? It's funny because that guy, they even, they even the pro in, in this, but I do have Brian Phillips. He said, even that interview that that pro said, I'm just taking a spot away from somebody that should be on the podium for a race that doesn't really do anything. But I look at it both ways. I think we, we need them at these races. People want to race against them, but they should be doing a more of a support role, helping people out, pitting them, uh, having, you know, having fun, joking with them. And then when it's time to get serious, we get serious. So, Yeah, man. I am. Um, you know what? To be honest, to be honest, if we could achieve something like this, you know, I see the pro drivers would appreciate it too. Yes. Because imagine a situation where, <clears throat> Cavalieri doesn't want to go to some shitty race somewhere in the middle of nowhere, sit in a field and talk to locals. He doesn't. Let's face it. Let's face it. He wants to go to the world championships and win the worlds and go home. That's what he wants to do. And that's that's what essentially could and would happen, I think. Most of the top guys, the very best drivers, they their job is just to do that. Occasionally, maybe they go somewhere else and do this and do that, but mainly that's that would be their job. There would be other people like your uh, more open, approachable drivers who like to do that kind of stuff. They would be gone. They're still good. They're still like easily, you know, handed to any local guy because they're still top top drivers. But those are the guys who go to more of these other events and support the customers. Do you see what I mean? Yes, perfectly, perfectly, honestly. Um, it, it Change is never easy, man. It, it starts. But I th I'm starting to see more people question things, and that's good. So people are thinking now. That's good to see. That's good to see. All right, our last question. This came in last minute from Dax Simonelli up there in the Pacific Northwest with Cody Grams and his awesome Lermy track. One plus or two plus or zero offset hubs. When and why? I don't even know what that question means. Does well, it I mean think it's talking about like plus one hubs, plus two millimeter hubs, and zero millimeter. When would you use think the hex? Yes, the hex. So either stock or wider. Yes. Well, I'm struggling really to understand the physics behind this, to be honest. 
especially it would be good to really understand for the guidebook I'm writing. But basically, I know what happens. I know that when you put the wider hex on, it gives the car more grip, especially side bite. So you notice you have more side bite, you have more grip in corners. Front, wider hex typically, and more steering. Rear, wider hex, more rear grip. So when you put both front and rear steering stays about the same, you just have more grip overall. The downside is that it catches bumps a bit more. So if you're on an edgy track, I would, I would do it like this. I would always, I always run the plus one, so I always have more grip, cars faster. But if I'm on an edgy track and it's sort of catching bumps in corners and ruts and catching sideways, then if I put the stock narrower hex on, it slides over those more so you, because of less side bites so that's what I, how I would tune with the hexes all right well you know what Joseph thank you to everybody that sent in questions this was a long intro and talk that we had this is a podcast pretty much in itself what we just done but uh, we're gonna have a long podcast this week because we still have much more to go uh, thank you to everybody that sent in questions. Uh, thank you to BeachRC. Thank you to Manscaped.com. Remember, go use the uh, affiliate link for BeachRC. Use the Manscaped.com uh, no-name promo code. Every little bit helps. Check out the Summer Sizzler. Get signed up. It is time, Joseph, for the main interviews. So I am going to go to the, we're going to play that with, um, we got Bill Hagen and Brian Phillips. So it's two interviews, actually. So good old Bill, the ice cream man. He was so nervous when he did this. So, Good stuff, though. Good stuff. And, uh, Joseph, we will come back for the stories and the rant, okay? Okay. Techno RC. Techno RC. Techno RC is a premium manufacturer specializing in 8th and 10th scale high-performance off-road RC buggies and trucks. Visit www.technorc.com for a complete catalog of their products. Techno RC, excellence in engineering. Hashtag Techno Takeover. Joining me this week on the No Name RC podcast uh, is, you know, I got, I really enjoy talking to the older school RC guys, the the guys that, um, well, for me, made Nitro what it is. These are the guys I used to read about in the magazines and, and you know, be on the starting grid and see them talking and see their paint schemes uh, on, on just in RC car action. And this is my era of RC. I call it the attitude era, and it's made up of many different uh personalities and and fast drivers from this era we've had the on we've had richard saxon we've had gil losey on he, he was a little bit before that um jason um jason ash and chad bradley all these guys are the attitude era so at dnc 2008 well 2019 i saw this bearded guy and he he was just over there talking to the the whole time and and Joseph, and I was like, who is this guy? And then I said, Joseph, who is this? And he goes, man, that's Bill Hagen. And I was like, oh. And um, I had known him as the ice cream man. Um, <laughs> welcome, dude. Um, we've been talking thank about you. getting you on here for a long time, but thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just I'm just chilling. Um, it's hot as hell here in the DR, and <laughs> uh, you know, just trying to stay cool. But uh, yeah, if you guys don't know who Bill Hagen is, Gil Losey talked about him in a couple of episodes ago. He used to drive Chrono. He's one of the guys. One thing I always I really liked your paint job. I like that that primer gray. Yeah, what you used in it, and I from your just your paint job. I've always wanted primer gray in mine. So cool. I appreciate it. But yeah. what's up, Bill Hagen? Um, he's part of the Attitude Era. He's he's one of these guys with Quartz and Degani and. And Steve Dunn and all these guys and all the shenanigans were going on and the guys were breaking antennas and racing oh, like crazy. Gosh. You was right there along with them. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. Sweet. So let's yeah. let's talk, talk about you real quick. You you you're from California, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. Born Where did raised. you grow up in in SoCal? Yeah, SoCal, pretty much um, the the Valley, San Fernando Valley. Okay. Um, I, I guess, how old are you, dude? I don't even know your age. I'm sorry. You're asking for a personal question or whatever. 45. Okay, so you're not too much older than me. You're three years older than me. You and Greg are around the same age. He's a little younger, I believe. He um, is. Thanks for That's my age, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you come from the mecca of RC. The mecca of everything. I mean, everything cool comes out of California. You know, skateboarding, all that motocross, all that stuff comes from California. But RC is not, you know, when you think of California, you think of all the cool things that came out RC-wise. Sure. And um, you was right there to see all of that as well. I was, yeah, I was fortunate. So I guess I always like to know, how did you how did you get into RC? Um, <clears throat> it's probably in junior high. Um, I saw, I picked up an RC car magazine and I saw the team associated RC10, the gold pan. In that cool ad with all the dirt flying and have one so i picked one up and uh and started messing around a little bit and then started racing probably like around nine years old ten years old oh so you was racing so so you was racing in the 80s then early 80s or late 80s i would yeah i would say late yeah about late 80s uh mid to late 80s um there was a track uh it was here in the valley um, it was by the team center. It was called, God, I wish I could remember the name. Um, it's, it's horrible, but it was basically just a field and they put up a, a wood driver stand, like a wood uh, announcer's tower. And you basically were just driving around in a dirt field. And, uh, so that, that's where I started. I think race prep was involved with it. This was probably okay. their track that Degani mentioned, uh, in his okay. That's where we all used to race. So, and then of course, race prep, that's, that's where, you know, I raced as well. That's where I met Chad and, and Greg and, and became part of the crew. So that was around what, like 1990 ish. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah. 90, 91, 92 in those years through 95, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. How did you meet those guys? Or well, you just met them at that, that, yeah. that field and no well i met him at race prep at the at the the race prep that greg was talking about the actual store there um which was in northridge and uh yeah just racing together with uh courts and uh, greg degani and chad and uh, we just became friends and uh, and then we just started started racing more together yeah i i always like to ask this how did you meet greg when how like it's always some funny story how people meet greg 
Yeah, him and Chad messing with Steve, locking him in the back of the shop, or <laughs> uh, ordering 10 pizzas to the store, uh, to the hobby shop, and then the pizza shows up, and Steve's like, what the hell, you know? And all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff like that, locking him in the bathroom, you know? But oh my gosh I'm, um, sure I got, I'm sure i got involved or was uh recruited to get involved in some way and uh from then on it was you know we were best buds so <laughs> i could imagine um greg's always up to some shenanigans even to this always. day always always oh man he um he told the story how he mark pavitas let him use the van in uruguay and he stole like the secret tires that they had for everybody else yeah. they get to him <laughs> and all this type of stuff Oh God, yeah, he's too. Oh much. my gosh! So, yeah, you so you're so you're part of that whole crew, like electric. Um, yeah. And you guys moved to gas truck. Yeah. Was you I, did, I was the same as Greg. I started. I never drove like two wheel buggy. I'm driving that now, but I never drove two wheel buggy before. Mm -hmm. Mainly like electric truck, stock and mud truck with like the 27 turn motor, and then the you know 13 turns and 10 turns and all that good stuff, and then. Of course, we moved to gas truck. Yeah, that was the good days, man. How, how, like, I think people just don't understand how big gas truck was in these days. For, to me, it's still one of the best classes ever. That Nate skill. Yeah, I mean, it definitely teaches you throttle control, um, tire conservation too. Because I, I remember, yep. as you know, you had to make your tires last. Then we got the quick change. Uh, tire um, the GT2s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got my Adam Drake twos, they got it on them too, and I think that's so cool, yeah. And I gotta get a GT for my collection here at some point, but yeah, you was so you was running associated with Greg, and I any, was. yeah, was, yeah, who were some of your early influences, like guys you kind of looked up to and were um inspirational to you in these in this early time? Well, Joel Johnson. Um, Joel Johnson, like in my early, early years as a young, as a young boy, but as I got older and started racing more, Greg, Richard Saxton, Pavitas, um, they were huge influences on me, especially Greg and Richard. We, uh, we did a lot of traveling together before the O2 Worlds, uh, kind of in preparation for that race for your, mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I, I learned a lot racing with those two and it it kind of put me at the level that, that I reached. It wasn't super, super high like them, but you know, just riding the coattails and it, uh, it taught me a lot, uh, things that they use today. So yeah. and just preparation and the way they thought about stuff and approach things. And so I learned, I learned a ton from those two. Did you, um, drive a Kyosho uh, like all of those guys too, or I did, did I did. I had a Kyosho, I had a Kyosho, uh, and uh, it was funny, we went up to the first RC Pro race in Florida. And Greg and uh, Saxon were coming from Myrtle Beach from a race over there. They both won a class and brought this big check. Picked me up at the airport in Miami. We go down to this uh, first RC Pro race. And uh, so I ended up finishing second in both classes. Richard didn't make the main. We, had the, we made up a song I did called Don't Cry For Me, Saxton. <laughs> It was hilarious because Greg just, I mean, Saxton could not catch a break. He, it was gate starts, 20 lap races, kind of like Supercross, right? Mm -hmm. So they drop the gate, you, they pull the pipe, you race to the end of the straightaway. 
and that's how they started the race. And then they throw the pipe out, your first one to 20 laps. He was getting the worst starts, didn't make the main, so we were picking on him quite a bit. Yeah, I think that was the um, the watermelon, no the watermelon classic or something that Degani always talks about. Um, oh, yeah, that that was around the same time, different track, but that was around right. the same time. Yeah, that's where they were in South in South Carolina. I think they came down to pick you up. Had a van. For, that's just when. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Treads think, time, and Richard was doing treads. I think he did. Um, he did. He yeah. had treads in the back of the van. That's right. So I was driving a Kyosho at that race, and uh, I ended up finishing second in both mains to to Greg Degani. Jason Rona was there, and a few other people. It was a really fun race, and at that race, I got sponsored by a guy named Mike Patel. Do you know Mike Patel? I've, that name is very familiar. I believe he raced um, Revos. Revos, that's yeah. correct. That's correct. Yeah. So he was distributing Chrono out of a little Chevy box van. Uh, who he was connected with uh, Melanie in Quebec, GG Royale Distribution, which were mm-hmm. distributor for Chrono. And basically, he 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 put me on the team at that point, which uh, Greg kind of talked me into, and it may have may have been my demise a little because I was getting real fast with that Kyosho. I think he was getting. <laughs> But anyway, I started driving Chrono, and uh, you know, Chrono was a was a really good thing. I developed a great relationship uh, through Mike with Gigi Royale, and then with my results, uh, I sparked enough interest that I actually got noticed by uh, Giovanni and and the European guys. Yeah, because it was you and who else who was heading up the whole Chrono thing? It was an Italian guy, correct? Correct. Yeah, we had well, yeah, yeah. There was a David Tortorici. Mm-hmm. And David Tortorici, and then uh, in 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 the England parts, it was David Crompton. Yes, yes, it was yes. Crompton. That's what so it was. we show up in 04 to with with uh, uh, the race was uh, it was Euro warmups in Slough, England. Uh, have you been to that track in Slough or heard of? No, but I know it's badass. It is badass. So we show up and it's it's the warm up race. So we can actually race as Americans because it's not the official Euro. So we kind of went just to see, you know, what the competition was going to be like for the world to know for at Sweden. And um, yeah, that that was uh, JQ was there with us. Oh, yeah. This is the window story. The 200 pound window that we were yeah. from, from our bedroom that was about you know, 10 by 10 with a bathroom and a bed in it. It was like the smallest room I've ever seen. Yeah, you guys, um, yeah, tell that story about you guys unscrewed the window and removed because it wouldn't open or something like that. We, it opened like a quarter inch. We were all claustrophobic in there. You could barely walk in the room. And so we end up, Greg gets his tools out, of course. He's like, screw this. We start taking this thing apart. And I don't know how we didn't drop it down 10 stories, but we got this like 200 pound plate of glass out and uh we would remove it every day and as soon as we got back to the room and we put it in the corner we do our wrench and do our thing sleep and then in the morning we place it back in and and just rig it enough to hold but uh i mean it was necessary you couldn't even breathe in there it was insane i remember um joseph telling me that story and he was just like shocked because he'd never really oh it was just all shocking for him it was he was he was a youngster and he was on a ride and uh that he was definitely real young we, we had some good times with him man we used to have some fun 
Sweet. So let's track. Let's trace back to Chrono when you got put on the team. Um, yeah. Was you ever like a full, fully paid pro by Chrono, or how did that work out for you? I was not paid by Chrono uh, 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 Europe. Um, so my main deal was through GG Royale, and they mm-hmm. they were based out of Quebec, Canada. It was a lady named Melanie and her husband GG. And uh, so everything that I got was through them. Um, okay. Yeah, everything was through them, basically. So. Well, so you you wasn't like a fully paid pro or whatever. You were still working on the side or, or whatever, and just no, driving. I, I was racing. I was getting I was getting paid a little bit by side okay. here. Uh, I was getting a little bit of money from uh, from from GG Royale. Uh, so of course I had all my travel and everything was was covered and paid for and uh, expenses, rental cars, things like that. So you know you 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 can kind of work your various sponsors. Like I get travel from one, mm-hmm. get additional pay from another. I did work for Hardcore Racing at, at, during the times when I was traveling. I did work for RC Car Magazine. Um, so I, I worked in the RC industry along with uh, with racing for various companies and and a little bit of product development with like hardcore racing. So, what did you do for RC cars? RC car magazine. I was a, a ad exec. I was a sales sales rep for the magazine, just selling ad space. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Good days of magazines. I miss them. And yeah. RC cars was one of the better magazines. Yeah, too. yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, Bess was there. Stephen Bess uh, worked yeah. for a short time. So. Yeah, I got to get him on her. You better race him with him. Was he at the track last night? Uh, he, he, he was, and I mentioned it to him. Sweet. I'll contact him, get him yeah. on, and um, talk about that. So, yeah, you, you was just full out traveling. Um, Well, anytime you're traveling with Greg and and Chad and, and those guys, it's like that whole era like, was just... You guys are fighting tooth and nail because I remember Greg was saying, and we was talking before you came on earth, the Europeans were really ahead of you guys. Well, I mean, while well, Greg was the first, uh, first American champion, but. Yep. Oh, two. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, the, the European guys were kind of dominating eight scale. <clears throat> uh, and then you guys came along and elevated that whole, the whole level of eight scale to what it is, to what it is today. Yeah. Like people don't understand. It's not that long ago. We're talking what twenty years ago at that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, eighteen years ago. Yeah, less than that. Two thousand and two to two thousand and five. Two thousand six. Two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Americans uh, were were dominating uh, the worlds during those times. Yeah, but <clears throat> I'm not the Europeans, and but you, that's when the the you guys caused that switch. Like you guys came, you caught. Bradley, Ashton, um, yeah. Saxton, and that's you guys made that big switch, and that's when American like like okay, we're here on the eight scale, and yeah. that's when the American domination kind of. St- I mean, still like at the worlds, the Europeans have won a good bit lately too. But oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. So, tell us about uh, some of the early races. Like, did you do the first dirt race, DNC, and yep. all that type of stuff? Yeah, I was at I was at the original DNC. Yeah, absolutely. That was a lot of fun. Those tracks, those tracks were amazing. Um, it was funny. We used to build the tracks, and people would say, "Why do you put these big berms in? Nobody's going to use them." He goes, "Well, if you have to use the berm in order to clear the section, then you will use them." And he was just he was an innovator in designing tracks because there was no tracks like his. You mm-hmm. land the jump, full wood the berm. I mean, full wood the berm in order to even come close to 
clearing a section. So the tracks were a lot of fun. Uh, probably some of the best tracks uh, I've ever raced on in the U.S. This is Hemet, right? Yeah, old school this, Hemet. Was, this was old school Hemet, yeah. yeah. How much did you guys used to club race back in this this time? Um, quite a bit, actually. Um, I used to actually drive up to club race at Hemet um, on, on, on a fairly uh, um, regular occasion. Um, so I never minded driving. I enjoyed driving and traveling and going and going out and racing. So, um, yeah, I was club racing quite a bit. SVM was uh, was probably one of the biggest uh, spots for club racing uh, at the time. Was that uh, Dunn's track? No, that was, uh, I'm sorry, not SVM, Sun Valley. Um, it was a track that was owned by Carlton Spindle. Oh, right. Well, KZ, KZ Speedway. Right. Well, that's um, Sun Valley. Well, then it became Sun Valley, Sun Valley right? Yep. Sun Valley, KZ Speedway. Yeah. 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 I remember Carlton. I bought some multiplex uh, servers from him way back in the day. That's right. He's He's a character, too. Yeah, uh, the RC is full of characters, man. Back full, in those days, full of them. Funny, Greg used to call Carlton Big Gay L. <laughs> that was a, that was his nickname for Carlton. Was, oh my gosh! Yeah, he was big into fifth scale, if I remember correctly. He, he was, and, yeah, yeah, yes. You know, we raced the fifth scale worlds there, uh, Greg, Richard Saxon, and myself with three prototype uh, Chrono Radio Systemi cars. Really? How did you guys make out? We qual- all qualified in the semis. How I I actually really enjoy um, fifth scale on road. I think I I like the scale look of it. I like the new um, well not the new but the low C cars as well. I like the I love fifth scale. I just I don't know. Yeah, it's pr- it's pretty it appeals cool. To me. Yeah, it's it, expensive, but it appeals to me. Yeah, the sheer size of it is uh, is exciting. Sweet. So in this day, you know, like I said, you was running a car that, I mean, definitely the Chrono was not as popular as the Kyosho, the Mugens, or even the Offners back in this time. No. Um, how did you make out setup wise and learn how to set up your car and, and all this type of stuff when you didn't really have too many teammates to, to relay information like all the bigger teams? Well, learning, learning from Richard and Greg traveling Mm -hmm. those guys and just learning just it wasn't just that they were tuning a certain type of car it's just that they were tuning a car they just Mm -hmm. stood how everything worked so everything that applied in the theories of why the car did this and how we're going to correct it that it it could apply to pretty much any chassis okay as physics you know so um and, and they just um they just had a really good understanding of it so i learned all my wrenching skills and and my tuning skills from them um and yeah you know just trial and error testing things one thing at a time uh, making sure you have a good understanding of how things work uh, you know so yeah i i think that's a big thing for for people they have to it's something you have to learn and um you have to it's a lot of trial and error it is you have to try things for yourself and try small things at once uh yeah. one you know a couple of things at once don't go completely wild with it yeah and i think a lot of people do that too much or they i think a lot of people use setups for faster guys and think it's going to make them faster instead of finding their own setup that's right yeah so that's a common thing they follow other setups and yeah and then they just don't that it's okay to do that but you need to know where to go from there sometimes to uh you know make the car work for you so. mm-hmm. well who was um some of your rivals during this time like who did you you just want to beat all the time on the track 
Richard Saxon and I had a little bit of rival. Did a fun rival um, for a little while, a couple of the races. Did you play mind games with him like Greg did? Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh yeah. So we <laughs> we were at uh, Oklahoma City at the Nationals, and uh, so we're in the qualifier and. I was I was on a good run. I reeled in Saxton. I put aggressive pass on him. Uh, didn't mess him up or anything, but it was really aggressive. He was super upset, and uh, he ended up cutting the track and trying to take me out. Um, just literally pulled off, pulled out of his race, and just came after my car. He mi- he missed, but it was pretty funny. And then at the end of the race, we were talking about it, and Greg and I and him were were all standing together all three of us. And I told him, it's a kind of a famous saying between like Richard and myself. I, I told him, I said, people are getting faster. And uh, he didn't like that very much. I meant basically I was just telling him to get out of the way if I come up behind him. Well, he, like it, that's true. I mean, yeah. he was the king for the longest while. And then you had, you know, the coming in, you coming in, um, courts, Chad Bradley, Ashton. And we're not even talking about when, and well, Cavalier and got well, yeah, they caught their, their teeth on the gas truck as well, too. Yeah, Tebow <clears throat> and those guys. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I heard the stories from back in the day. It was rough racing with you guys, man. You guys used to race rough on the track, off the track. Um, can you talk about some of the wild times? Like, I, you know, I heard breaking antennas and uh, guys getting fist fights and all this type of stuff. Yeah, or, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all kinds of stuff going on up there. Um, of course, smack talking. Um, I've seen people walk up and shut off people's radios uh, while they're driving. I, I think I know we know somebody who's done that as well. Oh yeah, people think it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I've seen courts uh, do a little more with a radio than uh, than break the antenna. <laughs> I've seen them actually use it as uh, as like a uh, as, as like a like a like a tool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so my gosh! Swing it around a bit, you know. Throw. Courts was truly the bad boy of RC in this time, man. He's. It's hard to believe he was so. So like aggressive and like when you talk to him now, he's like just chilled, like coolest guy in the world. Like yeah, he is cool. So I love Quartz. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he's another one. He's a big bench racer, real serious, very aggressive, and uh, you could be as close as ever. But when you get on the track, it's uh, it's a little bit different. So temporary. A lot, you know. a lot of people um, consider. Uh, courts to be one of the most ta- naturally talented racers ever to agree. touch a control. I would agree with that. What made him so good? I think I think his pure determination and his focus and his his drive. I mean, he, it. I think he wanted to. I think he wanted to win more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, he just had an incredible focus uh, and, a, and a passion and. He took it very serious. Um, you know, he'd joke with you out, out off the track, but when he got on the track, it was all business. So, um, yeah, he's just, he, he definitely was a very, very talented driver. For sure. Yeah. I, you know, I'm in, we was talking about, I'm trying to get him on this podcast. He said he would, but he says he's busy, super busy him. right now. I'll bug him. So, um, he's like one of, he's like part of the missing key from this whole attitude era, you know? Um, well, and then I got to get Steve done on her. I'm sure he's got a whole bunch of wild stories to talk uh, about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, and another thing Greg used to tell me was, uh, like a lot of people don't give Greg, like a lot of people say, oh, Greg got lucky winning the first world championship. And yes, but lots of people got lucky winning a world championship. Of course. Um, but I don't think that takes away from the work that he put in before to, Not at all. to win it. And he always uh, said to me, you know, everybody else had the best stuff and they would have this person helping them. And I had to do everything that I could to win like, and, yeah. and, and do this and do that. And I he like, he says, I clawed my way and all these guys are getting factory stuff. I had to do what I had to do to win. Uh, what do you think made, made Greg stand out from these guys in this time as well? And not somebody that you kind of looked up to and became friends with and learned a lot from again. I mean, just very passionate. Uh, the guy was really Greg's really intelligent. I mean, he works on, you know, what he does now is he works on clocks and uh, does his clock repair. He's, he's just an incredible mechanic. Um, he, he's uh, just a well, well-rounded uh, uh, a driver and mechanic. Um, so he was always ahead of the, he was always ahead of the, the curve when it came to like, if we were in the pits and we're thinking about a main or what's going to happen next, he was always constantly thinking about, an advantage what can he do you know not just looking over his car making sure the screws are tight but thinking what can i do to find an advantage so he was always always thinking and uh, and applying um uh, ideas that uh, other people wouldn't even think of and many times it, it it was successful so i think he's just uh you know just incredible tenacity to to very that's a good word tenacity yeah absolutely. I, I don't know what else to say i mean he i mean he'd be in there he'd be worked up he'd be talking about it thinking and then it would just come to him and uh and it was you know it was cool cool to see and like i said a lot of that stuff inspired me and uh you know and uh and then i see him go out there and, and apply it and uh you know it's cool one particular time was a second sidewinder race the side sidewinder nitro explosion at hot rod hobbies so it was uh, myself, uh, Degani, and uh, Cavallari were like the top three guys at this race. And so we knew it was going to rain. We knew that rain was in the forecast. Rain was coming. Uh, race was going to go on. JQ was there. Um, and so Greg, again, we're sitting in the pits. I think Cav TQ'd. Greg was second. I was third. And we're trying to think of how what kind of advantage could we get on Cavallari? And so with the rain in mind, Greg says, listen, what we're gonna do is we're gonna add some additional spacers in our shocks so that we can bring our ride height up a bit. Because when the rain comes, we're gonna collect mud and the cars are gonna be weighed down. You're gonna be dragging chassis, hitting the face, you know, scraping the chassis on the face of the big jump. There's a big, big triple. Um, and unbelievably, we're in the race. Cavallari's leading. It's like a 30 to 40 minute race. Rain comes in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, starts pouring. Cavallari can't clear the triple. His car is just dra dragging in the mud. Greg and I are just driving around the track like it's not even raining because we have enough ride height to, to make up for it. We're still hitting the triple. Greg and I ended up reeling them in. JQ was standing over me driving with an umbrella and he was, you know, he was kind of talking me up. He's like, you're catching them, you're catching them. And uh, basically his idea led to us being able to 
drive the track as if there was no mud out there. And uh, we ended up finishing first and second and, and calves were up down to third. So that, that was the one and only time I, I ever beat Cavalry and uh, eight skill. So, <laughs> so it's speaking, mem- memorable for me. Speaking of Cavalry, Tebow Mayfield, yeah. what did you think when you saw these young guys coming in and the speed that they had? Well, in, like, what was your first impressions of them? Just on another level, like, you know, we, we would race together in the first couple first couple races and, you know, you're noticing that they're fast. And then all of a sudden I, I couldn't even stay on the same lap with them. Um, it happened that quickly, especially with Tebow. So we, you know, we used to race Tuesday night nationals at Hot Rods. That was like a really big thing for, for the gas truck era. I mean, you mm-hmm. they called it the Tuesday night Nats because you had... You had uh, Quartz, Dagani, Chad Bradley, Marty Cord, myself, um, uh, just just a really fast group of drivers, and uh, so that was uh, that was probably one of the funnest times um, for me, like the, the, the for for racing for gas truck. It was just uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Um, Hot Rods was was the spot to race gas truck. Yeah, and Tebow came down so, there, and he was really into gas truck. So the, the so yeah, that's where I was going. So Tebow shows up, you know, all of us are there, and uh, Tebow shows up, starts showing up, and um, you know he's doing pretty good. Him and his dad, him and Bruce, and they start coming around and asking questions, and you know we'd help him out a little bit. And uh, like I said before, you knew it. He was just. We couldn't even keep up with him. He was just on another level. And I don't, I don't mean just me. I mean other guys like, you know, Degani. And he, I just remember a couple of the first big races there at Hot Rods, um, some of the Nationals or the Hot Rod shootouts, he was just gone. And then Cavallari emerged as well. And it was basically the the Cavallari and Tebow show, uh, pretty much almost in every class for a long time, uh, watching those two just battle for the win usually a lap a lap ahead of most of the other people so did you guys used to give him some shit haze him and all that type of stuff and no not really he was really young uh mm-hmm. he was really young i mean we did as he started getting a little older a little more comfortable yeah you know we uh a little bit but uh he was really young when he first when he first popped up and uh you know his dad i guess was a motorcycle road race champion uh, so he was, I guess that's where the mechanic skills came in because he was obviously working on his cars and uh, he, he understood it pretty well. Um, Tebow, like, I'm really impressed with Tebow now because he's kind of reinvented himself. And he, like, two, three years ago, he was done with RC. He's like, I'm done with RC. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm retiring. And here he is. He came second at DNC. He he just won PMB. Yeah. And not like thinking about it, when I watch him drive, I can see it's very. You can hear it in his throttle response. The the gas truck, somewhat. You know what I mean? Like yeah. fe- feathering the thro- feathering the throttle and yeah. and and just like breaking before corners and all yeah. you know all that type of stuff and. It's it's good to see him. I mean, he's 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 excited about racing. He's doing well with techno. Um, Cav is one of my favorite drivers. He's kind of eh, right now, um, but then you have Mayfield right in the middle of him. Yeah. Who's? It's it's just amazing that these three guys are still it is. at like the top of etch- top echelon of racing. Yeah. What? So much year, so many years later. Yes. It's amazing. It, there's very few guys that can um, 
that can do it for that length of time and uh, stay at that level. So hats off to them. Those guys are very talented and uh, they're great to watch. So I want to know how you met Joseph. I like hearing stories how people met Joseph as well. Um, so he started coming down to to the U.S. I guess to race, and uh, um, he was staying at hostels and he was driving some little shit box that I don't know that he rented, and uh, he just started showing up at tracks, and uh, and uh, yeah, we that's that's how we became friends, and we started hanging out more, and um, yeah, and it just developed from there. I remember that Sidewinder race, I was so thankful for his help, like, you know, telling me what's going on in the race and standing over me with an umbrella. I let him, I invited him to stay at my house. Um, so I let him stay there for like, I don't know, a month or two. And uh, would you believe it, the asshole was calling his girlfriend from my house and had like a $100 phone bill. That sounds about about Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still to this, I never got the money. He says he gave it to somebody else, but. You know, but uh, anyway, that's, but that's, you know, Joseph is, is Joseph. I just, when people ask me about him, that's all I can say. Joseph is Joseph. I haven't met anybody else like him in my life. Um, Same here. I love him, but he's a pain in the ass. Oh, that most definitely. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I love him. And I, I you know, I, I'd go racing with him anytime and, uh, and hang out with him, go get a margarita at Los Toros when he's in town. So, but yeah, yeah. but he's a handful. I admire his tenacity when it comes to um, what he's done. And, you know, obviously he's, he's provided me opportunities to do things. And, yep. you know, I never would have thought I'd be talking to guys that, or, or becoming friends with guys that I used to read about in the magazines for some guy from Bermuda yeah. that used to just like, uh, like read about you guys. So, and I, I love talking to you guys and I love, you know, I, I really want to see you race in Nitro again. Um, I see you racing. It's going to happen. Hill. It's going to happen. I was even talking about it last night. Yeah. I'm missing it big time. There's nothing like a Nitro car. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely the glory. And um, yeah. there's a reason there's only been one person to win the World Championship twice. I think it's the hardest race to win. Agreed. Um, in RC. And it's just, I think if you can wheel an eight scale buggy like these guys do nowadays, you can drive anything. Yeah. And um, it's super impressive to see what these guys are doing. I remember back, like, can you, could you, like guys were scrubbing and whipping and doing all this type of stuff, Bill. You, that, back in, back in your day, I don't think if you turned the wheels, it was a big deal. You know, it, it was, I mean, one of the first guys I saw doing stuff like that was Chad, um, Chad Pavitas and a few guys, but you know, you'd have nothing, nothing crazy like today, but you'd have, a, you know, you'd have a jump that goes into a corner and you'd start to see them just turn the wheel just enough to land at about a 45 so that you can get around that corner uh, a little bit quicker. So, but it wasn't anything like what you see today. Uh, yeah. You know, it's amazing what these guys are doing. Yeah. And then the, the younger generations coming up and they're just going to, it's just going to be faster. Like it's just, it's nuts. Yeah. I can't wait to see what, what these young guys bring to RC in the next coming years. Yeah. <clears throat> David on David on is another one that watching him manipulate a car through the track is uh, pretty impressive. Oh yeah. His manipulation of the car is, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. What, what's a, what is it that appeals to his driving? What is it about his driving that appeals to you? It's just that he's able to throw that car in every different direction that he wants off bumps. Whether he hits a bump he didn't intend to hit, he's able to figure out some way to correct it through 
throttle or brake or throttle or a combination of both. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, razor sharp, razor sharp skills. And he's still young, dude. He's only 19. <sighs> yeah, he's, he's going to be amazing. Well, here's got a girlfriend now, so that might affect something. Yeah. Um, Girl, women weak in legs. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Like the old boxing saying. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your memorable performance. What's your most memorable performance that you you remember from back in the day? Uh, well, I probably have to say Slough. Slough England. Yeah. What was so What was so great about that? Well, that was, uh, you know, it was just Greg and I there. Uh, it was the, it was the warm ups, and uh, I ended up finishing fourth. Um, and uh, it was just a really difficult race. Um, the Agwans were there. Uh, they one of them TQ'd. He ended up TQing the worlds in Sweden. I don't know if you remember. And then he got TQ'd for. The, mm-hmm. uh, he won the race. So I mean, um, it kind of a, a lot of people kind of noticed me then. So the top chrono driver then was David Crompton. And uh, I ended up lapping him three times in the main. So, and the funny thing was, is they had a section there. Back in those days, there wasn't a lot of big jumps in in Europe. Uh, The tracks were, you know, more high speed, wide open. They've had some bumps and, you know, a few little jumps, but not like rhythm sections and stuff. So there was a section of the track where you come around a berm, there was a single, there was a gap and a tabletop, and then uh, uh, and, that, and that was it. So a lot of the guys were basically just jumping on top of the tabletop or rolling it and then jumping the tabletop. Well, Greg and I were the only ones going to the very back of the berm and just flooring it and just clearing the whole section, you know. Um, and um, so a lot of guys try, started trying it in the semis, and a few people broke. Uh, weren't able to do it and uh but anyhow it was uh it was a fun race uh there was a lot a lot of top competitors there on top european guys and you know, i just happened to do pretty well and it was fun i i had david crompton's dad come over and look at my car and uh you know it was kind of in awe that uh you know my chrono was it was doing but uh anyway so you know and meeting a lot of great people I, we stayed with craddock craddock picked us up at the airport, we were his guests. We got to stay at his house, and and then uh, we took his motor home up there, and uh, we ended up staying in a hotel room. Greg uh, and JQ and myself and Craddock stayed in their their uh, motor home at the track. And, uh, so sweet. Did you ever get to that indoor race in Holland? I absolutely yeah, two times. Yeah, that was all. yeah great. Um, that- yeah. Great. Was you there when Bobby Moore showed up in shorts or something? Too? Well, the funny story was, is I, I showed up in shorts, but I left Bobby Moore at the airport because he missed his first flight. <laughs> so he calls me up the first year. It was myself, Chad, Pavitas, and Greg Degani went together. Uh, and that's a race where Pavitas was leading and uh, my teammate Tortorici uh, literally passed him on the like, last turn or two and took the win uh, with the chrono car. So um, that was uh, that was the first year we went. Then the next year, um, I they they were some other races going on, but I wanted to go back. I liked uh, I liked being there. I liked the track. It was fun. I thought, let me go back one more time. So Bobby Moore says he wants to come with me. All right, no problem. 
So he's supposed to catch a flight. We're supposed to connect somewhere and then, uh, you know, somewhere so that we can fly in the Scheipel. And he misses his flight and he sends me a message like, oh, dude, you got to wait at the airport for like six hours, but I'll be there. I said, to, I, I said, bro, I ain't waiting at no airport, dude. I'll see you at the track, figure it out, you know? So, uh, yeah. So anyway, he ended up catching a ride with somebody at the airport that, you know, obviously if you're walking through the airport and you're an RC guy, you recognize each other because you're carrying all the same kind of shit. So he made friends with somebody and somebody, you know, drove him down to the track and uh, he finally got there like eight hours later. That was a good race. I remember seeing pictures of it on the starting grid and Super back cool. in that time, yeah, there wasn't many indoor races going on. Mm -hmm. So it was unique. Um, good times. Oh man, I just remember uh, Greg's told me some stories from there as well. I don't know if we probably can't tell them on the podcast, but um, just you guys had a blast, man. You guys were just crazy anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah, one year, one year, you know, the, the place was a girls, I think it was an all girls school and it was like an indoor horse arena. Mm -hmm. It was during like the school break. But on the last day, you would start to see some of the students show back up. So there's all these, you know, these young, these young uh, uh, girls from Holland, you know, all fairly attractive or whatnot. And I remember a couple of them were talking with Chad and, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a language barrier or whatnot, but I remember Chad telling one of the girls, he says, you know, I don't speak freaky deaky Dutch. <laughs> and, yeah, and we were dying. I got this on camera too. I got a bunch of videos from a lot of races. Greg's been trying to get me to have it mm -hmm. over to, um, to CD, but man, he, we were, we about died when he did that, you know, freaky deaky Dutch. Yeah. That was from, yeah, Austin, from Austin powers. You remember? Yeah. <laughs> Gold member. Yeah. So anyway, Oh my God. We were dying, bro. But uh, oh my gosh, that, that was a great race. That race was so well organized. You showed up, you go check in, they give you a packet, they give you all your race numbers for your race, all the heats you're going to be in, and the time that you'll be staging. So, so if, if race three is up and you're race four, they'll tell you at 12.05, you need to be in the staging area. And you could go to your hotel, you could go have lunch, you could go shop and show up. And be there at that time and your race would be up exactly at that time so organized so well done i mean nothing like that in the states like i was mm -hmm. before of what racing was like in europe it was like it was it was just great and that was a great experience tons of great people i met there uh and which i'm still friends with 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 some with a lot of them um but uh yeah i mean just uh just a great experience there but yeah, Bobby, yeah. Bobby, Bobby Moore and I were the only guys at the at the race wearing shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> and it was cold too. I was told. Oh yeah, really cold. There's a picture of snowing outside. Let me take pictures and shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. How many worlds did you attend? Three. Okay, so you went to Uruguay, Uruguay, um, Sweden, mm -hmm. and then I did the fifth scale worlds. Uh, okay, and uh, KZ. And uh, KZ Speedway, yeah. Uh, how many times did you travel to uh, Europe to race? <sighs> Dozens. Really? Yeah, just yeah, just different races. Um, you know, Greg and I would go. Holland was a couple of them. Slough, Sweden. Um, yeah, just uh, just some various races. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and and I was and we were all over the U.S. 
mm-hmm. you know, but like when I was with Mike Patel at first with Chrono, he would, he wanted me to be at every race in Texas or South Carolina. So he would pay for me to go to like the watermelon classics. And yeah. So yeah, probably about a dozen times, um, which I'm very fortunate to, to, mm-hmm. to do stuff like that. Um, you know, some of the best time other than my children, those are the best times in my life. What was your, what was your favorite track and race to attend back in the day? Well, does it have to be one that was like uh, often or just, just my favorite? No, it should be any, any race or track that you enjoyed. I enjoyed Slough a lot. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, I really enjoyed that track. It was, it was so different to me when, when we got there. You know, the Worlds in 02, the track was more like US. It was, it was huge, but there was some big jumps out there. But this track, you know, had like grass and, um, you know, different surfaces. And uh, I don't know, I just really enjoyed going there. That was probably one of my funnest, funnest places to race. Sounds like you really enjoyed uh, racing in Europe, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would love to get an eight scale nitro and, and uh, in a couple more races uh, before in my time uh, in Europe. So it's, it's on my bucket list. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So you're racing Chrono. How long did you race Chrono for? Oh, gosh. Um, pretty much to the end of my, uh, you know, the end of my, my, my racing career. Um, I'd have to say from probably about, probably about five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, roughly, um, I would say, yeah, somewhere early 2000s. I did drive Chrono at the Worlds in 02. Uh, I did drive Chrono at the Worlds in 04. So, and I retired in 05. So, so I would say about about five years. Why did you retire? What did you end up doing after you? Did you completely stop racing, or I what happened? Completely there? stop racing. Um, you know, it was just, it was hard enough to, to compete with these guys. Um, you know, I had my moments, but, uh, in order to stay, you know, to keep, keep the bills paid and keep things going. Um, if you weren't in the top three all the time, you know, it, uh, it's very difficult to, uh, to financially to, to continue to do it. So, you know, travel at that point and, and product is not enough because, you know, you gotta, you got bills to pay and things like that. So my wife wanted to start a family as well you know mm-hmm. she was at home a lot by herself while i traveled all this time she worked but uh, so we wanted to start a family and so that happened uh you know just four years after me walking away what did you do to fill that rc void uh after you retired i was sad honestly i i, I had my times uh, you know i worked um but you know a lot of the time I found myself to be missing RC a lot. Did you work in the industry or what type of work did you end up doing after, after that? No, I, uh, I was in the car business after that. Uh, I worked for Mercedes for like 10 years, uh, internet sales manager for them. So I started the car business and my dad was in it. Uh, so I started doing that and started making some money. How long did you, uh, take a break for? Cause you, you, you just recently started racing again, or so I I stopped and my very last race was a Sidewinder race at KZ Speedway. I remember the Sidewinder family, um, Matt, um, 
uh, came down and stayed with his wife at our home, my wife and I's place. And uh, that was my last race in 05, but KZ was a sidewinder race. And then, um, yeah, so then um, uh, I didn't start racing again until, so 2014, my dad passed away from uh, brain cancer. And, um, you know, I needed to, to find something to keep my mind going, you know, keep me from doing, you know, things I shouldn't be doing so that I don't want to do, but I had to keep busy. Um, so I decided my boys were getting ready to turn five. And um, so we, I started racing just uh, shortly after he passed on the 28th of November and 14. And I probably started racing January 15 again. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you start racing? 10 scale? 10 scale. 10 scale, 10 scale two wheel. And you know, the, I, it's funny because I never drove two wheel. And, um, but I guess I wanted a bit of a challenge in uh, two wheels. Two wheels pretty challenging. Um, so, yeah, I just started with a two wheel uh, B5M buggy at the time and uh, just started getting at it. So, yeah. How, how did your sons take to it? They did good. You know, I bought them a couple of RTR uh, associated uh, short course, those rear motor short course trucks and let them kind of get, get the basics in the front yard. I'd set up like a couple things and have them drive around. And then we started going to some of the tracks and, um, and then Don, the current owner of race prep, Don, he's, uh, he's one of my, one of my sponsors and one of my uh, best friends. Um, he supports me a lot and the boys in racing. And he's, he's saying, man, you got to put the boys in buggies. You got to put them in buggies. And I'm thinking it was going to be harder for them. But as soon as we put them in buggies, they've excelled and uh, advanced quite a bit. So I, I realized I was holding them back. But, uh, yeah, they're doing really good. They love it. Um, they're racing. My son's won, like, the Run With Your Brown Championship Series at uh, – at the at the Camarillo at the Roadrunners, um, he's currently winning it again. He's now racing sportsmen at Hot Rods, and so is the other one. They're both racing sportsmen now, and you know they're kind of mid pack, but they're really really starting to get it, um, and uh, it's pretty cool to watch. I'm pretty sure they'll be smoking me real soon. So, would you encourage them to pursue? uh racing in rc i I, if they chose to i one of them i definitely encourage it i mean school is the most important thing uh one of my boys is really really good at baseball uh Mm -hmm. he's very involved with baseball he's done some some travel team stuff Uh, he's a pitcher he's 10 uh and he's about 115 pounds almost five foot and he throws 60 plus miles an hour Okay. They actually moved him out of his division because they said he hits too hard and throws the ball too hard. So they moved him up to the older. You got to send him down here to the DR, man. Let him play with these guys. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, I'm, 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 I'm half Cuban. And okay. I know that. So my son, if you ask him why he's good, and this is of course, because my mom feeds it to him. But if you ask him, why are you so good at baseball? He goes, because I'm Cuban. Dude, it, it's something in Cuban and yeah, yeah, and, and her in Dominican Republic, absolutely, like absolutely, bro. Yeah, they just love baseball and they're they are so good at it. Like yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's like they're it's in their blood. It's in their blood. Yeah. yeah, you know who else is good in baseball? He's one of our drivers. Did you come to DNC this year? I didn't come this year. Okay. His young, uh, young black male is about 16 now. Yeah. Cody, he drives for us. Isn't he the one who just came out to visit with Greg? Yes. Yeah. I, saw, I, um, I, met, him, I met him at Hot Rods. Good kid. Yeah. He's really good in baseball. Yeah, and 
he's getting scouted already for for by colleges and stuff like that. And he's good at football too, but he's cool. I think he likes baseball the most. So um, yeah, I love baseball too. Me so. too. I have a nephew. My uh, my nephew. He's twenty nineteen. He's in his first year of college. He's already on the MLB uh, draft. He's got a couple offers. Uh, we my, my my cousin decided to hold back because, you know, again, education's important and there's no guarantees. So the offers weren't really, they were, weren't substantial enough. And uh, once you sign a contract, whether you play or you're not, you don't, you're not eligible for college ball no more. So anyways, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's real good at it too. So he kind of inspires my boy as well. So, you know, getting back to what we're talking about, school's real important. I want him to pursue baseball if that's what he want, wants to do. But I pretty much would support my boys as long as they do good in school and they act like young men. Uh, I support anything that they want to do that's, uh, you know, so. That's awesome. Yeah, so absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, what I know you, when you was in your break, did you keep in tune with RC at all or did you just like shut it off completely? Well, for a little while I did shut it off completely. I mean, I even got to the point where you know i knew about it i did I, I i knew it was there like i knew i missed it i knew i was kind of depressed that i wasn't racing and then i found myself about two years later my wife caught me on the computer like looking up my name <laughs> and looking up races that i'd been at and trying to find stuff and um and basically it was just because i missed you know i just missed it so much um mm -hmm. years i realize it you know for a little bit but yeah i definitely i would definitely easily say that you know there was a time i was you know slightly depressed from not racing anymore yeah. i i mean at dnc you, you spent a lot of time with us at our pits um and i can it was so cool it was for me what i really what i think i took from dnc was watching you and dagani and then ashton was there yeah and then you guys were you know barry baker was there and um it was like the old days Saxon would walk by. yeah it's just like the old days i mean it, yeah and you guys were all talking yeah. shit to each other yeah. like yeah. And, and i was just like this is what it was like yeah. back in the day i could imagine but like on a higher level because you guys were actually competing against yeah. each other and i just remember greg saying just drive a jq bill it's, it's just like the old days here in the pits i'm and, ready i mean no matter whatever car you drive you're always welcome to come pit with us because no I'm, um, I'm ready i'm ready i i actually want to drive a jq just to be a part of the part of the team and you guys and so maybe that's something we can uh, yeah of course do you do you have you are you in tune with like do you still follow rc now what the, um yeah are you when you look at rc now what do you miss like if you could bring something back from back in the day to what we are doing now what would you do gastra yeah that'd be great that people are pushing for it i know it, it it comes up now and then and people get excited about it and then it kind of you know you may get a class and then it kind of backs off but i i would love to see it gas truck again oh, that'd be yeah so fun yeah i have uh i have a truck that i raced do you remember the mac do you remember the maxis fuel international championships that were in uh, florida foggy creek foggy creek yeah yeah I, I won gas truck one year there um and so i have the gas truck that i won the race with um sitting at race prep right now and actually i've been contemplating pulling the motor out and Get, getting it freed up or getting a motor in there and uh and, and going again so what is it a gt it's a gt yeah first generation 
Action yeah. GT. It's funny because when I was working at the magazine, I, I was I was doing uh, some business with Associated, and they're like, "Oh, you're going out to the race? Oh, no problem. Let us send you some new stuff." So they sent me a brand new car and the whole thing, and then I I actually didn't end up racing. It's a funny story. You remember Regan LeBlanc? He was the teacher yes. for Kyosho. So Regan was with us a lot. We traveled because of courts and stuff. Even when Greg left, we were, you know we all still traveled together, courts and myself and Greg. So Regan and I were really close. He used to help me out with a lot of a lot of Kyosho parts to keep my chrono going, like clutches and clutch bells and things that don't didn't work on a chrono. So, but um, anyway, so I decided not to race. I wanted to concentrate on eight scale. And, uh, you know, I was in the show, I think I was like fifth or sixth and eight scale. And then on the last day, Regan says, why don't you just bump up? Why don't you just start racing and see, see what you can do? And I was like, you know what? Screw it. He's all pit you. So I bumped up from whatever the lowest main was. I don't know. It was probably like six, five, six mains back I had to go through. And you had guys like J.R. Mitch there. Rona was there. A uh, bunch of different people. And I ended up bumping up all the way to the main and I won the, and I won the main. So actually that was probably a pretty memorable race for me too. But, um, but yeah, I still have that truck as is right off the track. And uh, I'm hoping that I get an opportunity to, uh, to race it. Actually a vintage race, hopefully coming up that's being organized by Jesse Granite. Um, okay. And uh, it's supposed to be like two wheel buggies, electric. They're supposed to also have uh, probably like a, a, a nitro, 10 scale nitro class truck class so hoping to maybe do that so we'll see i've got five of them i'm looking at them right now so yeah i don't have a gt though i gotta get one for my i gotta forgot one and uh call don at, get one for my stable. call don at race prep he has a few of them tell him i said to help you out sweet i will um what do you think of rc now um it's it's changed quite a bit uh you know um but uh yeah, you didn't have all these sponsored races back in the day. No. You, even when you retired, it might have just started. I don't even think it started when you retired. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally different. Um, and, of course, the responsibilities for drivers have, have increased now with all the, uh, you know, with all the social media and, mm -hmm. you know, doing all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was, just, I was actually just talking about that with my wife the other night. It's quite a bit different. Like, in my time, there was a starting grid, you know. Mm -hmm. so I, I, I maintained the chrono. Uh, you was on there quite a lot. I had, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. answering questions and you know taking care of customers and helping them out and you know. So and and reading JQ fighting with everybody because that's where like people think uh, it's new. He was fighting with everybody in the starting grid uh, back in the day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Do you remember um like Homer melting on and fight like oh, yeah. fighting with everybody? Now, now, if I remember, Homer had a track somewhere. He still has it. He right. just had a big race. He had a nice size race there this year, right. uh, right. this past weekend, yeah. the tilt yard. I do remember the tilt yard. That's right. Yeah, I do remember. I didn't get involved with it or follow it too much. I heard about it, mm -hmm. who he is, and I do know the history of, like, uh, you know, the fighting back and forth. I think it started on the starting grid back then, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. He Man, he still – he built some great tracks, man. Yeah. And he was doing some good, like, 3D elevation and all that stuff back before you know, I mean, he's still racing on flat tracks, and yeah. he's still doing it, man. He's still out there doing it, and um, I'm sure it'd be. Fun. He's still Homer. He's still Homer. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be fun to go there and race the tracks. Yeah, he just had a nice size race there this past weekend. I'm I'm trying to get video of it because it looked pretty good. Um, 
And I remember from the grid, one of the things that always made me laugh was this Virgil's Walmart Walmart stories. I don't know if he had a, a thread and he would just, he was like an RC dude, probably retired, but he was working at Walmart and these stories he used to come up with were so hilarious. Oh my gosh. I don't remember. So funny. So funny. Yeah. What, well, what do you, what would you like to see? I always like to ask this and you're an old school guy and now you're back in it. Um, and I, 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 a lot of things still stay the same in RC, but what would you like to see? Like, how do we, how do we make RC bigger and better? going into the future here how do you think we should approach it i think a lot of it starts at the club race level um because you know let's face it if you're ever going to be anything in rc you got to start somewhere and club racing's like the is where you know people start and i think that there needs to be better rookie programs and stuff for uh, for the young kids um and classes that cater to them to to help you know spark interest um I don't think there's enough of that. Like Roadrunners does something that's really cool. Kids under 12 race free there. Women race free there. Um, so that's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, I think it just starts at the beginner level because uh, we are all a beginner at one time. And uh, um, I think if you can develop a better rookie race program uh, and cater to that, I think that in turn you'll you'll build more racers and 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 you'll you'll have more, a larger audience. I think so too. Um, club racing is important. I love the big race. Well, back in the day, we didn't have three thousand big races either. Um, it was just four at the most. I believe. Yeah. big race. Yeah. So schedules are crazy uh, now. Yeah, and these, some of these time. Yeah, it's not some of these guys like the guys who race ten scale. They're on the road three weekends of the month. Yeah, maybe four. Yeah. Um. So people have to. I, I try to. I try to explain it to people. So when they don't club race them, I said, well, because they're always going to a, a big race and everybody wants to have, everyone wants to be the next big race. And I love them. Don't get me wrong, but I try to tell people all the time. I, I try to tell people that they're fortunate to have multiple tracks to go to and to race at. And you guys, I mean, right there in California, uh, you have, like you say, have Tuesday night nationals that you went to that you could go to any Tuesday night, which I've been to. And it's just like, wow, like it's awesome to go to. You have OCRC, you have uh, the JBRL series, you have so much racing going on. Yeah. And um, that's just, I, I, people just have to club race too. I agree with you, man. I think club racing is the route, like, especially for getting new people in yep. and um, it has to start there. Yeah. A lot of friendships begin and you know, it's uh I love club racing. It's fun. Sweet. Yeah. Well, Bill, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, it's glad to, I'm glad to get to know you a little bit more. Yeah. I look forward to you. Uh, hopefully we can, you can be pitting with us and you can race in DNC next year. I, and um, I, I would love, um, if you want to race JQ, we'll get you hooked up That's because that, Greg would love it too. Cause then he would have a reason to go he, race. He bugs me all the time. So you want, yeah, but, so I could travel with him around the van. <laughs> so we could take the JQ van and hit a couple races together and help each other out. So yeah, I think yeah. it's a great thing, and I mean it's literally literally at the top of my list. So let me know. Sweet. Well, thank you for your time. Do you want to shout out or say thank you to anybody before we sign out here? Uh, you know, uh, sure. Yeah. No, I want to say thank you to you for having me on here. Um, I feel honored uh, to to be on here, and I appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank. 
Don at Race Prep uh, for all the support. Um, uh, Jimmy Babcock, you know, for all the hard work he puts in hot rods and for all the races and, uh, you know, just everybody in general in the RC industry that, uh, you know, do the right thing and, uh, and keep, keep, keep the sport going and keep it growing. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, man. And it was a great conversation. And, oh, you know what I meant to ask you before we sign out? And I've meant to ask you this earlier. Yeah. Your paint team, where did the gray come in? Because I don't see it much. So so Marty Korn used to paint a lot of bodies. You know, Marty, he had corn design. Mm-hmm. And his brother actually had, uh, you know, it's a color you have to mix. They don't make it. Uh, so, or at least back in the day, they didn't make it. So Mark actually had, um, his, his brother had this gray body. He used to race at race prep when we used to do two wheel mod there. And I got attached to the gray and, uh, then Marty just kind of let him do his magic with the blue flames and the white highlights and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's still, still what I run to this day. I'm, I'm running a, a, a one color right now, uh, just in between bodies, but yeah, it's still my paint scheme. And, uh, that's that's how it happened. Marty's brother. Sweet. Well, it, it my next paint team is definitely going to have gray in it um, <laughs> again, and I love it, man. But thanks for your time, ice cream man, or or what? What else did they used to call you? Polar bear and and uh, ice blue. Ice blue. <laughs> and um, I look <laughs> I look forward to seeing you at the races, her man, and hearing some more wild stories. And yep, I, got I, I appreciate more. your time. I got plenty more when you're ready. Sweet. Well, thanks, man. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, man. Take care. Hey, this is Steve Mattis from Pulp MX, and you are listening to something called the No Name RC Podcast. So you guys heard me talk about this race series in the Pacific Northwest and how good I think the RC scene is in the Pacific Northwest, and they have this series called the NCT, or the Northwest Championship Tour. I actually got to go... I don't know if it was actually a race for the NCT, but there was one of their their bigger races that they have up there called the Holiday Hangover. I went there in 2018 after uh, DNC, and I did not even know RC was this big in the Pacific Northwest. And since then, I've gotten to know different people from there, Colin Branch, Travis, um, I know Joe Scales, a bunch of other guys up there. I first kind of learned from some guys from Idaho, Tim Wallace and and his buddy, that's what I went up to see. So, uh, and I've been talking to Brian Phillips on and off for about uh, about two years about it. And we've been tr- like trying to get on the podcast just to talk about it a little bit because I think it's such an awesome thing that they have going up there. So I'd like to welcome Mr. Brian Phillips, who is in charge of the NCT. What's up, Brian? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, you guys had a race here recently. Congratulations, because it's uh, been a long time since you guys had a big race. Uh, we normally start in late April, early May, and sadly, we started this year in August or late July. So. Like, yeah, it's not like you guys have a long summer season at all anyway, so it's a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, wow. All I'm going to say is that was an old school track. Rough, loamy, big. Um, Dax Simonelli always sends me pictures of his track, uh, Cody Graham's track that he has, um, that they have, where's, where's Cody live in, um, does he live in Oregon? He lives in Vancouver. Okay. So Vancouver. Which is just about to Portland. It's as close okay. to Portland as you can get. All right. 
So I, I see that you guys like Lomi, um, rough, old school type tracks. And this track that you guys had this past week, uh, was it two weeks ago, I think it was? Uh, yes, two weeks ago. Okay. Which, uh, where was this and what track was that, actually? So this was, so the city of Burlington, um, due to budget cuts this year um, and, and COVID-19, basically closed down all the parks departments. And Burlington, which is the Nora group, um, usually holds an extremely good and very successful race at their at their normal track um but they they weren't able to this year because it's it's a city park and with the parks department being closed they they were told that they can't have hold any organized events so tony corliss and david adams um scotch deitch uh the guys from the group there got together and basically found a county and found a fairgrounds that would facilitate their needs, had great opportunities for camping and a huge track. And they hired Chad Dodd, um, who's become a, a very prolific um, track builder up in the Northwest, to come and help them design and build a old, like you said, an old school track. It was 300 by 150 or 160. Um, which tell I, I, you know, trust me, ten scale cars are look like micro machines going down the back straightaways. Oh man, I, I'm so. I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish. Three hundred by how big was it again? Three hundred by one fifty. Wow, that's big. That's the... it's it's huge, huge. Um, so that's where how we ended up there. Um, it, it I don't know if it's going to be a one off one year if they're going to plan on going back there again. You know, I know that their facility they currently have, I mean, they have LED lighting and they have uh, great dirt. They had, they, they expanded last year to where, you know, it's a typical 30 to 35 second lap time track. And um, that's very friendly to 10 scale and eight scale. And they get for like club races, they get C and D mains for eight scale last year when they were having them. And shoot, we ran their NCT last year and it was 398 entries, I think. Um, and we were able to get the whole show done. And I, I you know, I, I'm Keaton was very, very, he went there and he was, he kept coming up to the, uh, the tower going, there's no way you're getting this done. You're going to have to cut race time. This, this ain't going to happen. Everybody's going to be pissed off. And he left the race without cutting any time, anything going, um, on to Colin's podcast, the, the track walk Colin and Travis going, I can't believe he got it done. Like that was amazing. Like, cause we were done by daylight. Didn't even have to turn the lights on for the mains. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. And, and, and that wasn't, that had nothing to do with, I was the RD, had nothing to do with me, had everything to do with the racers. The racers were prepped, ready to go. We didn't have to wait for corner marshals. We didn't have to wait for anything. They were lined up on, cause Burlington's lucky enough to have a huge wide driver stand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an old, it's an old conics box. So we had okay. everybody lined up behind them, behind the old drivers and they were disciplined to stay quiet. They didn't jump around so they wouldn't disrupt anybody. And as the next group's going off, they're walking right up. And I mean, we waited no time in between and we could get races going and the nitro guys even in less than a minute and 30 seconds in between races. Well, that's good. How do you, how do you manage your turn marshalling? Do you dock people? Because that seems to be a pain in the ass at every race I go to. Uh, we don't have an issue with that in the Northwest. That's great. That's awesome. Um, Cause I think people understand that 
yes, I have had to dock people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the NCT's standard is it's you, if you miss your corner marshaling spot, you get docked your best run of the weekend. And the way that the previous director, Mike Dana, who was kind of the in between between Justin Wildy and I, um, had it approved and rewarded it, it's off your best run. It doesn't have to be in the class that you mm-hmm. didn't corner marshal for. So, like, let's say you have a TQ run in four mod and you don't corner marshal for two mod because you have, or eight scale because you have a bad run, the the dock would come off your TQ run in four mod. Okay. Which is strict, but fair. But that, man, look, you know, one of the one of the things, the biggest things is I, I detest it, calling for marshals, calling for marshals, and people having to go voluntary and people know they have to get their asses out there and, and, and marshal. And it just, it disrupts a, a program so much and costs so much time. I think once you start docking people, they learn. It's, you know, like my mom used to say, what you don't, what you, when you don't listen, you shall feel. So, right. Um, good stuff. How long has the NCT been around? How did the whole idea come about? And uh, yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's so this is, this is year 17 um, of the NCT. Um, how it came about was there's a guy named Mike Dana who um, has ran for Mugen Associated in TLR, I believe, um, in eight scale, um, was racing in a small track in Wenatchee. And Wenatchee had some, they had two-day races, but they weren't very big. Um, they didn't get a whole lot of people um, coming in to from all over the place. And then you'd have... The Hank Perry 240, which would, you know, typically get 190 to 220 entries. And that was in Spokane. And then you'd have the Columbia Cup in um, in, in Pasco, which at one time was really cool because it was held in a park right on the riverfront where the hydroplanes are raced. Um, so, you know, they would come in and do a temporary track. And, and Darren Shank, um, a really, really fast touring car racer, um, was the one who put that race on. Well, Tori Hadley and I and Mike Dana had lunch of all places at a pizza place in Auburn, Washington. And he came over and just said, look, guys, I trust you guys' input. What do you think? And he laid this whole program out to us. And it started off called the Eastern Washington Championship Series. And all it was was Pasco, Wenatchee, and Spokane three two-day races, and then you came back for the second half of the year, and it was three one-day races. And it boomed on us and got big the first year. And all of a sudden, these races that were small started getting, you know, they weren't huge. They were 240, 250, right around that range. And other tracks started contacting Mike going, hey, how do we get involved with this? Because they all of a sudden saw that the unity made it better. And so Mike, the next year, started the NCT. Um, They started, it's a host-driven series. So although I'm called the director, my job is to basically present uh, present ideas to the board. The board then votes for it. And there's three hosts. The three oldest hosts are the ones that, if it comes down to tiebreakers, they're three. If they all vote yes, it passes, no matter what. And then we have three other hosts now that are involved with the series that have expanded it to, you know, to Walla Walla, um, to, we were going to Canby, but now we're going to Albany, Oregon. Um, 
and uh, we were going to Potlatch, Idaho, but you know, given everything that's going on this year and a couple of things that happened, we're no longer going to Potlatch. Um, and that was for the Lewiston crew. Yeah, so didn't it, they it, canceled there recently? Pardon me? Wasn't there supposed to be a race? There wasn't Justin putting on a race and it got canceled or something? That was Justin was putting on a race in Boise, Idaho. That was just an independent race on his own. Um, was going to be called the Idaho State Championships. He had a huge turnout. He put in a ton of work getting it prepped. And they were literally building the track layout. And I think it's Alda County um, contacted them and said, sorry, we got to shut this down or delay. I don't. So he unfortunately, and the club there, unfortunately, had to pull the plug. And uh, it's uh, it's sad because, I mean, I don't know how many of your listeners have put on races or been promoters before, but it's extremely difficult and an extreme amount of work. Um, he got lucky when it happened. I mean, the guys who run the barn up in Canada, they already had their trophies, T-shirts, everything when they got the plug pulled on them. So they have, you know, a massive investment. Yeah, everybody thinks it's the rent, but it's all the little things, the A-main stickers the, that we do up here, the um, the trophies, the T-shirts, you know, tons of things that cost money. And then on top of that, you have to refund everybody their money. And, you know, PayPal, they keep their fee. Yep. You know, they don't yep. they don't refund that. So <laughs> every entry you lose money on too on top of that. So it becomes it, it man, it was just a, a poor, poor thing that's happened and it's been another, you know, hitch in our giddy up. And and if we haven't been able to one hundred percent say we can hold a race, we won't hold one. Okay. You know, that's why we're not going to Walla Walla this year and we're not going to Spokane because neither area, neither county can come back and say, yes, you absolutely can race. Well, um, the next race then? Next race is the 28th in Yakima. And okay. the county has approved us to race. And, uh, you know, we have some protocols we have to follow and we'll be good to go. Yakima is like the desert area, correct? If I'm if I'm thinking yes. Right. Yes, almost all of eastern Washington is the desert area. Okay. Yeah, I used to I know a guy from there. <clears throat> so when did you get involved in the NCT? Um I as the director are just involved. I, I was a racer for it originally. Um I was kind of on the back scenes with Mike and helping him out as he got it going because I started my own series that was an indoor um, in Western Washington, just an indoor wintertime only electric 10th scale series. And we would bounce ideas off of each other uh, regularly. Um, so behind the scenes, I was, I've been involved since day one. And then I took an eight year absence. And when Justin left the NCT, Mike started contacting me to get back into RD and races. Because I used to RD a lot of the NCT races. Mm -hmm. And I told him no. I didn't want anything to do with it. Then he called me back the next day. I told him, no, I didn't want anything to do with it. And then he called me again. I said, you know, no, I'm not getting back into RC racing. I left for a specific reason and I'm not going to do it again. And I, I have no qualms saying this. And I've told this to Darren Shank, who his race was. And, and I've told it to Justin too. I didn't want to run the first race back because Justin does such a good job of running races. He does. That no matter, no matter how good somebody came out and did it, it was going to be wrong and it was going to be bad. And that person would be getting, would get destroyed on the internet. And I just said, no, I wasn't interested in doing that. And sadly, the person who did the race got destroyed. And 
I haven't seen that person come back and announce a race again. It's Said, not even really, not even small club races. It's it's unfortunate that we do that. Um, because being an RD and taking time out to do this is not easy. And, no. Um, you have to make so many decisions, and you sacrifice your racing for this. And yes, I know we complain about RDs sometimes, too, most a lot of times too. But I mean, it it definitely takes a passion to do this. And Justin is great. Like I got to work with him at RCGP, and awesome dude. I mean, he sat on that scaffolding with no umbrella in the cold breeze, sun, and just he did not stop talking and. It was, I mean, just announcing and doing a great job of it. So, yeah, it's big yeah. shoes to fill. Yeah, no, oh, trust me, big, big shoes to fill. Um, no, so so I got back involved with it. I, I ended up announcing Spokane's race um, basically as a favor to a, a long-term friend of mine, Hal Hudson, who... I know Hal. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you know Hal at all, you know that if Hal calls and says he needs your help, you help him. Because you know that if he called you, if you called him and said... I need X, Y, and Z, he would give it to you. Mm -hmm. And so I agreed to do, I agreed to do the Hank. I apologized to him right off the get-go. I had never seen the software. Um, and I knew I was going to be rusty. Um, and uh, they gave me the opportunity. And then Mike had a falling out um, with the series over what, I have no idea. And so he left. So the read the series ran for half a year without anybody, you know, basically with Randy sides who you helped out this, this last winter. Oh, I didn't do it. I just ate a hot chip. I hope you've recovered from that though. I have to do a, um, I'm about to do another one. Probably her okay. young racer. So, yeah. So Randy sides kind of took it over for a little bit, but wanted nothing to do with it, but he made it stay afloat and he and I talked and I just, you know, I've had, I've seen it too much and I didn't even own our C car at the time. And, I just, you know, I don't want to see it die. So I announced three races that year. And last year I announced five out of the six. And this year I'm announcing three out of the four. And so I think we're going to only end up with four, maybe five. Okay. Um, yeah. If we do five, it'll be a double header, which, you know, has got its own logistical headaches um, on its own. And, you know, asking people to pay two race entries and too long, you know, go to a three-day full race format versus just a practice day and three races, you know, two days. So that's a, it's, it's a lot of logistics there. And you guys, you, you know, I, 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 as I told you before, I'm not a big fan of 10 scale and eight scale together. Right. But I, I totally understand why you guys do it because you have a short, um, a short summer. And not only that, but I also understand that most of the guys run in 10 scale or probably run in eight scale as well. So um, I would always find that people would complain, like the 10 scale guys don't want big jumps and then the eight scale guys are pissed off because they don't have, the jumps are too small, but it looks like you guys are doing a great job. I mean, if, like, if they ran on that track that I saw, I was like, I, I'm all for old school racing and all that type of stuff, but I don't know if I would like to drive a 10 scale car on that track, but they, I was, a, I was amazed at how well they handled though. I mean, these yeah. guys, James Johnson, who got second and two modified as an x-ray driver and you know the x-ray is not made or designed for bumpy rough tracks it's made for i mean it's made for high that's where worlds was last year right was it their track it was super high bite um 
And that's where, that's what those cars were designed for. And his car absorbed the bumps extremely well. He had, looks like lots of forward traction, but they were doing one minute lap times. I mean, that, I don't know how much of a rhythm you can get. And if you only see, you know, the, the, <laughs> the six pack five times. Wow. Just think about that's only five laps. Wow. That's a, but they did it and you guys pulled yeah. it off. Um, you also, your, your nitro class, is it? Because I know you was telling me you was thinking about doing all one class. Is it still is it one all, all one class or is it split up? So we do, we yeah. You that's how you and I started talking was hey, mm -hmm. what's the answer to sportsman classes and what's the answer to forty pluses and juniors and just you know trying to figure this out because sportsman is to me one of the most difficult classes to regulate because what ends up happening in the long run is you get a guy fast, you get a guy like Cody Grants who's fast. And he was, he came in and ran sportsman and got fast and won it and got, you know, got sponsored. But what happens if somebody gets sponsored the midway through the year? Do you tell them they can't run the series? Because mm -hmm. technically they're not, no longer a sportsman level driver. So as far as nitro goes, we have two classes. We run a nitro buggy and we run, a, uh, sorry, as we're talking about the nitro buggy class, eight scale buggy specifically, we run nitro buggy and we run 40 plus. Okay. So it's um, a one class then, no sportsman, no open. And of course you have nope. the 40 plus. And we have, we have 40 plus. We've tried a couple races with the juniors, mm -hmm. um, which I really like 16 and under. Okay. And it's, um, it's come with some, some mixed results. Um, there's not, sadly, RC doesn't have as much youth in it anymore. Nope. I know that's a problem we need to fix. I don't know how we're going to do it, but uh, we need to push these young people that are into RC and keep them in it. And, Make it cool for them, I guess. And the club, the club I'm working, not working for right now because our club is shut down, but the club I've been club racing at, which is uh, Tri-Cities RC Raceway, which is in Pasco, they have a brilliant idea. I mean, I think the number one problem right now is you see these eight-scale cars and everybody wants one. Well, they're two grand. Yep. And you, the dad sees that and goes to mom and says, hey, I'd like to get my kids involved with this. And they go, well, how much? And let's, let's, they go in the hobby shop and they go, nope, and turn around and walk away. The club in pasco has a box stock slash class perfect and it's getting bigger and bigger each weekend you can go race for and they don't even allow the brushless one it's box stock brushed and you have to run the kit tires and you have to run a traxxas body you can't even go get a j concepts body that's perfect that's a gateway or what we need i agree with you 100 leave it completely stock Tire yep. everything. Uh, we tried to do actually. I'll never forget. We had a big race here, and my buddy was doing the same thing with stock slashes her. And I'll tell you what, I had so much fun racing that stock. He he said, oh, "You can use just use one and just race with everybody." Racing yeah. that stock slash against everybody else with stock slashes, just trying to, you know, rub in hitting them and you know just having fun. And um, I think slash is a is a gate is a great gateway, and it was a great way, gateway until we us rc racers took it and destroyed it and um but i would like to see it come back and i think it'd be great and just leave it like that and they can get into it if they like it then they can go further they can maybe get an e-buggy or a two-wheel drive buggy or whatever you know right so i like that um you so you guys run the two nitro classes e-buggy you have split up though i believe e-buggy is sportsman and open and uh we're dabbling into the 40 plus range with e-buggy because mm -hmm. you know the demographic is 
they're they're I mean, okay, so we can we can open up Pandora's box when it comes to the tenth scale stuff. We've talked about it. We are not getting huge tenth scale turnouts anymore. Okay. Um and, and you know, we had five mod trucks. Um Justin at his races has offered them, but and that but as recently as the Idaho race, he told people, you know, I need X amount in order to run it. And he pulled the plug on them because they only had, you know, six or seven signed up and he pulled the plug and which makes sense as a if we're limiting these races to x amount of entries you know we got 20 guys that want to run an eight scale and we got six guys that want to run a two-wheel modified buggy why would we run them um can i stand behind them on that decision that that's a good decision that that as promoters and keeping the hobby going need to make mm -hmm. um four wheel the four wheel classes though in 10 scale are huge really? and i think i think that's because how long have you RC raced, Keenan? I've been into racing for about 20 years, 20 plus years. Okay. So you remember what the old double X four and triple X days when you, you didn't even have to hit a pipe for the arms to come, you know, flying off of them. Yeah. They were fragile. Yeah. Every form of the, didn't matter whether it was a Yokomo, didn't matter whether it was a Losi an associated, uh, the BJ four, a Durango, any of them at the back in that time, they would break and they were hard to drive. The new ones, the the Technos, the TLRs, the Associated Cars, the X-Rays, they are. I mean, I have I borrowed, before I had an RC car again, I was announcing Burlington, I borrowed Woody Garwoods, which if you ever get a chance to watch Woody's older videos, they're awesome and great photographer. I borrowed his car and full throttled, ran his car. They had a big triple that if you went too far off to the right, and keep in mind I'm rusty, hadn't raced a car in eight years, I hit a pole head on, and I'm like, oh, God, I just destroyed his car. Cause I'm used to old four wheels, right? Like this whole, the, I'm going to come off and both arms are going to be off of it. And you know, on, on one side and no car sat down and drove away. It didn't even tweak the chassis, nothing. And I'm like, what happened? And Jesse Munn, who was the team manager for techno in the Northwest at the time goes, yeah, they're pretty strong now, aren't they? And I'm like, wow, sold. Yeah. And you I imagine it's just, it's on that type of surface, four wheel drives easier to, to drive for everybody. It's a lot more fun. I would, yeah. say, I would expect Mini Truggy to be kind of growing there too. We had nine at our club race last weekend. Okay. Which was awesome because they were questioning whether to even offer it. And like, hey, just offer it. We'll see how many people come. And they had nine of them, which was cool for a club race. But stadium trucks just dying. Unfortunately, and I like stadium truck, but it's just a dying class. In, um, it's even dying at the indoor tracks. I mean, it's... I it's it's the I, I keep hearing people say the chassis is too short and well for these high bike tracks nowadays and then you can't get a rear motor one for the type of tracks that you guys run on. And um but I mean you have to adapt and I mean but what is your biggest class? Is it e buggy or is it nitro? Ooh, that's a tough question. As a it depends on the track. I mean it depends on so Burlington, I think they had or H main in nitro buggy. I mean, they had like 80 of them last year. And then we've had some races where we get 25 or 30 of them. Okay. Um, e buggy. If you combine the sportsman and the open class, it's probably e buggy. Um, well, that's because, I, I would combine those two classes there because yeah. it's all e buggy. You know, e -buggy. I won't combine the 35 or, or the 40 plus classes. Um, into that because that's usually one person running the same car in two classes. Exactly. But it, it's either going to be nitro buggy or e buggy are going to be our two biggest classes. Wow, e buggy's um, it's paying the bills, man. It's definitely it 
in the bills. It's it's a shame that the E Nats doesn't get bigger entries. I think maybe this year, because it's if it happens, it will. Because we run having a few Nats, so it should be interesting to see. Okay. Um, and another thing I want to talk about is I keep hearing about the atmosphere at an NCT race. It's I I did. I've seen some live videos. Uh, you guys had like a. You know me, well, right now I'm taking a break from beer, but I mean, I like to have drinks and I like to talk, walk around and talk and have fun. And um, it, I, I hear it's very laid back. It, you, like, I think I even saw one video where you guys had um, a live band playing. Yeah. And it seems like people just seem to enjoy it and have fun. It's not just a race. It's like having fun uh, with people that just enjoy RC. Like a lot of people camp and... Um, you know, and stuff like that. I don't know if I'm going to camp. I'm not big into the outdoor type of life. But, um, yeah, it just looks like the vibe and the atmosphere there is exceptionally great. So when I took over the NCT, I called Colin and talked to Colin for a little while because he seemed to be, you know, just, I just, you pick people that seem to be dead on as far as the pulse and the atmosphere. And since I hadn't been around for a while. And he pretty much told me, he goes, the competition doesn't need to be fixed. The competition is fine. And the, he goes, I wish we raced more, but he understands why the format is three quals and mains. And, you know, it's a, it's a consistent plug-in series race that we can put in anywhere. Um, and people can quickly adapt and understand to it, uh, or understand and adapt. But he goes, he goes, it's, dude, it's lacking fun factor. And I said, okay, well, that's my goal then. So I took that as my goal. And I, when I met with the hosts, I go, we got to do different things. Burlington last year, they bought everybody Friday night. We had a taco party where we had burritos brought in and fresh chips and fresh sauls and everybody got together and drank beer and, you know, ate tacos together. Walla Walla, Chad, um, which was a joint effort between Justin Wildy and, and, and then Chad, our, our club manager, our club president, Chad got the band coming and, and the band showed up and they put together and man, people had a good time. I mean, Shoot, I mean, nobody could even complain about Eclip getting on there, and which I'm sure you've met Eclip at least once in your life. I have, um, I have had, I, I, I don't have issues with Eclip like everybody else seems to. I just know how to deal with him, and I don't have a problem with him too much. Yeah, well, you got Eclip in there, you know, banging on the drums for a little while and getting on video, and you've got just people just had a great time, and that was that's what's so horrible about what the COVID thing happened up here is because we had momentum going and having a good time in the Northwest. And unfortunately the brakes have been put on it and that's, a, it's sad, but I was able, I was glad we were able to get back up into the Northwest again and get up la or get up last weekend and, or two weeks ago in Linden and, and see how people smiling again and, you know, social distantly hanging out and having some beers with each other and having a good time and you could see the smiles and the laughs and like it was needed it was these these if if governors and commissioners listen to your guys's web your podcast at all they need to understand that and if they want to get rid of some of the social issues that are in our society right now they need to not be locked in their houses and we need to get out there and have fun with each other in ways that don't cause issues in ways that can be safe. And this is one of them. RC racing is one of them because you, no matter whether you're 12 years old or whether you're 50, it's fun and people get along. I That is the one common, I always say that the one common denominator that we have is RC. No matter yes. what 
background we come from. We all love this crazy, nerdy. I just think, I just like, I, I just, RC's been good to me in many different ways. And I've met people and opportunities have come my way just from people that I know in RC or it's always a great conversational piece. Like, oh, you race that. Because a lot of people don't know what we do, but you need to, I, I think if more, well, obviously I want more people to race, you know, the more people racing, the better it is for everybody. So right. if we could just like, if we could be like come together at these races and, and just be like that on a whole different level period in life, it would be great for everybody. Yeah. The So what? All right. So a few more questions before we sign out of her. I know Kenny Johnson and Kyle Johnson, they love coming up to, they do all the NCTs. They came up to this race recently. Um, I know Kyle is like one of the fastest guys that come up there. Who yep. is who is the fastest eight scale nitro racer in the PNW right now? Who? Um, that's a qual. That's a that's an interesting question. So we had we had the Winter Age up in Walla Walla last year, mm-hmm. and I loaned my car to a guy named Keith Hadley, and he TQ'd and was in the lead at like thirty eight minutes when he broke and hadn't, he hadn't raced an RC car in a couple of years. Um, not an eight scale, a couple carpet cars. Um, so Keith's really close to being the top guy. The most consistent guy right now that's up near the top is Cody Grams. Um, but he's, I think he's burning a gallon a week um, just on his home, his home practice track. And, you know, if you burn that much, you're going to get fast um, for all out. Just you want to see the most ballistic lap period. And you're gonna love hearing this, Austin Azur. I I keep hearing that, and I just like I I'm like Austin. Can we just back it down to ninety five percent and save that five percent? I wasn't complaining about that. I mean, just but if you're talking the most, just yeah. If, when I've he hangs on to it, you can't touch him. Like he could beat Kyle, I'm sure. If he if he hangs on to it for you know thirty minutes. Um, I know. And then I, I, I try to, t- I'm like, make sure your car is prepped, man. Everything. Go over it again. Oh, he, he's listening to you. I can tell you that. He's making, I mean, he'll send me pictures of tires that he's cutting just because he wants to get the perfect tire for that combination. And, you know, he's, he's, he's prepping his stuff really well. And his, he's, I mean, and I was going to say the next guy, and he's, he's beat this guy a couple of times. The next guy is my team manager, Taylor Wanders, is, consistent smooth and always near the top you know and i think between him and marcus anzavino at the last race they both had something for kyle and they both at times were just as fast as kyle taylor unfortunately he got flamed out twice during the main by corner marshals which hasn't happened in a long time um and uh you know kyle then of course, if you give Kyle breathing room, he's gone. Yeah, oh, I love it though. But that gives them guys something to chase, and that's that's right. the good thing about that. And there's definitely some talent coming out of there. And like you said, Cody's at he's got his personal track. Um, I, I've I see videos and um, pictures from his track, and it looks nice, man. I, I I love to have that as a real track right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely. Some, it's definitely something special you guys got up there. I talk about it a lot. I, I really want to get up there and hang out with those, with you guys and have fun. And uh, hopefully, hopefully next year it can happen. I'm hoping it could happen. Um, I really want to do it in the summertime, not in the winter, but um, we'll see what happens. So Kyle and Kenny tell me all the time that they love coming up here, that it's just way different. I've never been to a huge, you know, DNC or Silver State. 
what what makes those races a why are they so popular if they're negative and b like what is your experience at those races that we could you know probably improve our programs um and make them better well you the dnc i love going to it i don't ever want to race it okay um i love seeing it's the one race that besides the world where we can see the best of the best come to compete and even in open and sportsman the level is extremely it's extremely high joey does build some awesome tracks but as a as for runtime and stuff like that it's it's not a race for that it's it's an experience you should go if you if you're into rc make a pilgrimage to dnc do it you've done it if you want to come back to next year cool i enjoy going to that to do that but it does it's the vibe can be very serious and that is something that kind of got me at first because i was used to going to races on the east coast and the east coast is very similar to probably pnw like people just having fun drinking and i'm not saying this isn't happening at dnc but you know everybody's kind of having fun drinking beer you walk across someone stops hey come have a sandwich or have a have a, a beer or you you flew out of Alabama from bermuda or dominica you know just just like that people want to talk to you when i first went to dnc i got it was very cold for me like i said wow this isn't like the east coast but as people i got to know people and know more people and i got you know i, I so i have my friends or people that i know acquaintances that i know over there that i like to see and say what's up so it's gotten a little better but um yeah i just think it's just a more serious vibe and that's why like for me it's the racing i like to go to see the the best of the best race but what you guys have up there is great like and i think if it gets too serious then that you lose that atmosphere that you guys have worked hard to create yeah so i wouldn't chase dnc i would just keep doing what you're doing because i think it's great obviously the attendance of people think it's great people that go to it you know if you have to cut a few classes because of low attendance then so be it you know that's I had, i had dinner with a pro not too long ago and he he said because i was asking him because we have our race our club has our winter race the and uh i said how do i build it how do i get it to where you guys want to come because i don't necessarily want to like we can't afford to pay drivers to come up right like but how do i how do i get it to where you guys want to come and he's like oh you mean like a dnc type race and they go yeah and he goes trust me we don't want to go to those you know as he goes those aren't fun like those are work weekends we want to win but he goes those aren't fun it yeah. is serious just like you said it is serious head down find a tenth of a second you know find two tenths of a second a lap on huge tracks and because it's just way more fun to come to these smaller races you know and, and we're talking smaller like you know a 280 entry race versus a 600 to a thousand you know entry race and i'm like okay makes sense like i'm gonna quit chasing <laughs> any type of that um we've had we've had some luck in the northwest of not only just having guys like kyle come up alex yeah. miller's come up to two races which i don't know if you know alex and he's an associated guy from pennsylvania wicked oh, fast wicked smooth. okay um he's yeah. come up, drake comes up lutz was up there when i went up there that time um yep. i've been trying to get jq to go up there um but he, it, it would have to be summertime for him because he's from finland but doesn't do cold imagine that um but yeah, I, I would have to agree with him, man. Keep it fun because at the end of the day, keep it fun. Um, keep those young guys that are getting fast chasing 
like Kyle and, and Drake when they come up there and hopefully they can make a, a trip down to maybe one of these DNCs or one of these bigger races to see where they stand against these guys, you know, of just a higher level of competition on there. But man, if you're getting great attendance and people are enjoying themselves, I would just keep doing what you're doing and don't try to, you don't, you don't need another DNC. And I know you would like to get the big pros and all that stuff up there, but that's when everything changes. I heard Jeff even say that a bit too on track walk. So I think what you guys have got going is just right. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, the years and years and multiple directors have put in a ton of work to make sure that these hosts um, are successful in their races. And that that's our goal. Um, and uh, I appreciate the kind words and, you know, the times I've listened to, you know, the track walk, you've always said really good things about not the track walk. Sorry. The no name podcast. You guys have said really good things. We are just, you just brought up um, track walk. Keaton. So he was Keaton, on the track walk pretty regularly. So, yeah. um, Keaton's bounces around to all the podcasts. That's all right. I've got to get him back on her so we can have an epic rant, but a war man, of words. Um, yeah. Well, it's hard to get a war of words with Jake human and Jeff Keaton. <laughs> They don't shut up, either of them. Um, would you like to uh, shout out to anybody or like you know, tell anybody upcoming? The, the, up, well, the 28th is what? It's the, the 11th, so we've got about two weeks. Two weeks? Um, yeah. I just shout out to everybody. Stick with us. Um, I know that this year has been a little bit trying, um, but just keep coming. And when we're in our little bubble at the RC tracks, the rest of the world doesn't matter. And we will continue. We'll keep doing that. And just shout out to all the NCT racers because they, they're what make it great. It has nothing to do with the hosts. has nothing to do with the RDs. has nothing to do with us. We, we keep, keep it moving, but you guys are the ones that make the show. And I firmly believe that the racers are the ones that make the show um, far more than us. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, it was great chatting with you. I hope you guys have a great turnout and a great time on the 28th at Yakima. And um, if you guys ever get into Pacific Northwest area and you want to go check out some racing, hit up Brian. Hit up me if you don't know anybody up there. I'll put you in contact with somebody. And, man, if you can make it up to one of these NCTs, I suggest you do it because I am hearing nothing but positive, good things about it, and you will have fun. Thank you. Cool, dude. Well, you have a good one and good luck this in two weeks. Thank you. It is time for the Rob's Oil RC Gypsy Tales. And this week, we're going to tell a, a doozy. But before we get on to the Gypsy Tales, I want to tell you a little bit about Rob's Oil. Rob's Oil is your one-stop shop for all of your AMSOIL needs. Rob's Oil will deliver any of your AMSO oils, filters, lubricants, anything you need anywhere in North America to your doorstep or wherever you want it delivered. And it's just as simple as going to www.robsoil.com, placing your order, and, you know, you'll have your AMSO stuff in a, in a little while. We have to do it here soon for the Jenky JQ van. I wish I was in America. I would order this stuff and have it shipped in for my car because the oil light's on telling me that I need to change oil, which I will later on this week. So, hey, Joseph, before you go to, before we go to America next year, I guess we're probably not going to go to next year now. Remember, go to www.robsoil.com, place your order, and not only do you help Rob, but you help this podcast. Because Rob is a big supporter of the podcast. Him and his son are avid, avid racers, and, you know, this is their business. Why should you use Amsoil products? Because Amsoil makes top quality synthetic lubricants that your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, 
four-wheeler snowmobile lawnmower and anything else with an engine i was looking at some rc boats back in 2003 we didn't have amsoil in bermuda i wish we did and you can use it for your fifth scale stuff Amsoil lubricants are designed to help your equipment run at peak efficiency and last longer. Join the millions of proud Amsoil users to experience the difference. All Amsoil products are formulated, blended, and packaged in the USA. <clears throat> All right, Joseph. So we've been threatening to tell this story for a minute. <clears throat> it is time to do it. We have to play a little bit of audio. Everybody excuse the audio. This was recorded. It's in a, it's in a car. It's a little bit noisy, but it's, pertinent to this story so joseph are you ready to listen to the audio i'm ready you don't sound ready come on okay here here we go the fbi i have to call the fbi All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Just let me let me have a drink of water before I go into this. When I embarked on this JQ journey three years ago, I I was so excited, um, working in RC, doing all this type of stuff. But the the stuff that I've had to go through and been through since working for you is <laughs> incredible. Like honestly, people just don't understand the stress, the amount of bullshit. The amount of dumb shit that I have been through with you in the last three years. I mean, people don't, people just don't understand it. And not only that, I've, I've been people's psychiatrists. I've been, I've talked people off the cliff, all this type of stuff. I love my relationship that I have with people, but oh my God, I remember getting this phone call and just being like, at first I was like, you dumb idiot. What the, I, well, I still think you're dumb for doing this. But I was just like, this is, it's gonna, it's, it was just, it was, it wasn't good for you. It wasn't good. It's funny now looking back on it after I, after I calmed down and thought about it, I was like, this dumb mother, he, he is so stupid. Like, um, I feel like I'm dealing with a, with a freaking teenager right now. Like, you know, honestly, like I just, this is so funny, but at first it stressed me out. And then like, I think Liam was involved. So talking to Liam, Liam's there laughing his ass off. I'm like, you know what? This is funny. Forget JQ. Like they're always doing something embarrassing. If it wasn't the, if it wasn't the um, silence of the lambs, f- tucking your shit between your nuts and JQ, I mean, and the Ghani, tucking your nuts be- behind your legs like that guy from, uh, from what was his name in Silence of the Lambs? I can't remember. No, I can't. It puts the lotion on its skin. And that you, you know, tucking your junk behind your legs like that when Dagani tried to take a picture. No idea why you would do something like that. And then that getting spread I, all around. I, I was uh, in shock because he, like, burst into <clears> the <throat> bathroom when I was taking a shower. So I had to do something quick. So <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't really matter now, does it? But that was, I remember when Lupus Live got that and that was blown out of, I brought, I had saw those pictures, I think, way back in the day. So, uh but little did I know I would get a phone call like this and have to deal with, honestly, like, people do not understand the dumb shit that I have to deal with in your life. Like, not only, and not only do I work for you, we work together, but I'm like your freaking guidance counselor at times. And you for me, sometimes. 
But, oh my God. <clears throat> I get this... I, I get this phone call from, you know, I actually get the picture. And I'm just like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> and then you tell I me the story. Imagine. I can only imagine. I just know, like, my pressure went from cool to like, what the f- Oh, no, this is bad. Like, you know, really the bad. funny thing was that I, it, this stressed me out, like, for five minutes, like, pretty bad. But then <laughs> after that, I was pretty cool with it to be honest that mm-hmm. i think that there, <laughs> there were other people who this affected more than it actually affected me <laughs> that, i mean it is kind of crazy but well it, it is bad opinion. but but before we before we go on any further um i notice if you guys have noticed i have a shirt with joseph's face on it and it has hashtag baby carrot on the bottom this would explain baby what what this it says hashtag baby carrot you never saw that? I'll send oh, you the, the I'll send you a better yeah. picture. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I got this from Tony Keegley. Uh, I bought one and I actually have another one on, on order, the white one coming. And uh, that's a picture where like I'm giving my wife a kiss and you're looking right at her boobs her the other day. Um, but this would explain something that uh, we thought went away but kind of resurfaced last year. And it's just funny. It's an inside joke. But we're going to explain it. I'm sure people have heard it, but it's time to hear your version this mess like it's so like honestly i never thought i'd have to deal with some of this this dumb crap in my life so do you want to do you want to take it over from her oh yeah sure okay hey, speak up speak clearly speak with confidence so this episode occurred about two years ago i think so uh, now some backstory i have basically been in well two relationships but for 12 years in relationships so i i yeah i hadn't really dated or anything i didn't hadn't needed to so then once i was single took a while but then eventually i figured you know what this revirginizing thing it's getting old need to do something about this now i had never actually in my life been on any dating apps because they just didn't exist back when I was dating. Like it wasn't a thing. I remember actually like back then, if people wanted to look for dates, they were like, um, you sent in a short, um, text to a magazine or a newspaper. Do you remember those? Like date? What, what was Yeah. Yeah. Called? Looking in search of, or looking yeah, yeah, for. yeah. That's crazy. So, so, Back then, you would just meet people in real life. That's how you fucking dated or found someone to date with. So anyway, then some friends convinced me, no, no, no. You These days, you need to be on Tinder or you need to be on this or that. Okay. So I joined in the fun on there. <clears throat> and then, well, I mean, there are other stories too, but nothing like this. So <laughs> this is maybe the, this is the crown jewel of Tinder. stories. Sorry, you've Tinder man. That's where your whole nickname I call you Tinder man because you would pre Tinder going into you know just Tinder was your lifeline. You've met <laughs> you've met some nice girls on Tinder. Well, actually, you to know? be honest, I I was Tinder was kind of demoralizing in a sense because I realized that I always knew that I'm not really very good looking, but Tinder kind of really really fucking brought that point home because I wasn't getting any matches really. 
like not good ones. But Maybe you did. My sta- you did. Maybe we met the girl in Colombia. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, yes, some, but in general, especially in the beginning. Not in America. Remember, remember when we went. Hey, like, can, let's stay on point here. Let's let's stay on point. <laughs> let's stay on this one story, okay? I said there are others, but let's let's focus on this one story. But well, that was pretty crazy what we done too. So anyway. Anyway, so I I actually found that I had better luck in in person than on Tinder, but I wasn't gonna give up. So I was going working on my Tinder game. So then this occurred when I was in America. I matched with this girl, but I matched right as I was leaving. So this it must have been springtime. Yeah, it was like March or something, and I was going back to Europe. So I matched. And then I left. So I never met her. So I just figured, you know, well, whatever. That's it. But it was a really good match, actually. She was Latina, really good looking. And we were chatting. So, hey, I've seen pictures of her. She's beautiful. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So we were chatting and I figured, well, now since I left, well, it's pretty much done. But maybe if she's single and I go back, then I could meet her. But we kept chatting and we started video calling and everything. And like we hit it off pretty good. Like So for I don't know how long, like a couple of months or something, we just kept in touch. So then um, I was actually then thinking at that point, like, well, maybe I should just take a short trip to America in August or something and actually meet up and see like, is there something that's, you know, beyond just this sort of weird online thing? Like, is there a future for this? So that's where I was. But then slowly but surely, apparently, I mean, probably because uh, she started developing feelings for me, that sort of dark side of her personality came through. So she, that's an understanding. Like, super, super paranoid, and uh, super paranoid, and what's what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, just like obsessive, really pa- jealous. Yeah, jealous. Yeah, super paranoid and jealous about everything. And I realized, like, okay, now I know why a woman that's this beautiful and 28 years old is single. I know now because she's fucking insane. <laughs> So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was nothing. That was nothing. Now, I didn't even worry about this. I didn't think about this. I, I, I did not. I, w- I didn't fear for this at any point. But then I was in Spain with David Ronnefalk. We were I still remember this. <laughs> My memory is terrible, but I remember this moment. So <clears throat> we were in Madrid. We actually drove from the south of Spain to Madrid. Uh, to Miguelo's track, the buggy land track for practice. Wake up in the morning, go to my phone, and I see that I have like 99 plus of this notification. Like everything was just maxed out. I had missed phone calls, text messages, WhatsApp messages, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, like everything you can imagine. I had a ton of them. So <laughs> I, I just remember, I just remember lifting up my phone and I didn't even need to un- unlock it and open it. I knew, I knew, I just knew, <laughs> I just knew what, what had happened. <clears throat> so something bad had happened. Yeah. I just knew it. I, because I, 
I already knew that this girl was kind of crazy. So I just knew, okay, she did, she, she did something. She, she did something and it's really bad. So I opened some messages and sure enough. So let's go back a bit. So oh what, had happened, what, had, what had happened was, is, you know, it's only natural. You meet someone you can't meet, but you video call, you know, you share some pictures back and forth, you know, um, some, uh, <clears throat> some people just send dick pics that aren't invited even like they asked for, well, I don't do that, you know, but sure enough, if I, if we're sharing pictures and I get pictures from her and I'm going to send some pictures too, and that's fine. That's all. That's, I mean, I don't think that's weird. I, I can't say, I can't say you haven't been in that position. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's mutual. It's, we can't be together, but we can still see each other's junk and stuff, you know? I, I think that's, I don't think that's wrong, but what she did was definitely wrong because I, I actually got lucky here because she must've like in her rage, just deleted everything, but she kept something and I kind of understand why she kept it. But, uh, she, so she posted a picture of my dick on Instagram that and actually she posted another picture too, where you could see me. So it's like, obvious it's me. Um, um, what, oh yeah. So the messages I've got was from people who had been tagged in this. So what happened was she posted this on Instagram and she tagged every single female who liked my pictures or followed me or who I followed. So the, the picture, when you clicked on the picture to see who's tagged, it was just full of tags. This included, you know, this included uh, women who I haven't seen since I went to primary school with them, for example. <laughs> women school. that you just met. <laughs> yeah, all people who I just met. And, and interestingly, it included Ben Sterling. I have no idea why. Like all these women and Ben Sterling. It was really weird. So uh, she did that. So then all these people obviously messaging me and then I just said like, well, just report it, whatever. It's just this crazy person. I don't know. So why, why was this picture so good? What, what's this baby carrot thing? Like, why is this a thing? Well, hold on, but we need to revert. We need to rewind this a bit. Why did she do this? Why did she do this? Yes. Because was that she was getting, yeah, the, the, because she was upset because you didn't answer her or something like that. Was it? I can't remember that. Yeah, you. Well, I. I told I, you my can I, can I in, bad. Can I interject in this too? Because I was okay. like, uh, she tagged everybody on your Instagram. So let's get that right. So let's rewind it a little bit, her, because you was, you was a little bit in love, her too. You was catching feelings too, because you gave, I believe, you gave her your Instagram password to prove that you oh, wasn't no, no, checked. No. That's actually her. that's oh, I dodged a massive bullet there. So no, that was earlier. So. That was before this happened. This was like weeks earlier where this was first bubbling up. And like, it was a big deal for her somehow, like social media, like something's going on. I'm like, I have nothing to hide. So I just gave it like, go and check everything you want, you know? And she went to check everything and there was nothing. And then I fucking actually know there was, there, <laughs> there, there was nothing. Right. And she had no reason to get mad over anything like that. But she didn't post it on my Instagram. She didn't have access to that anymore, you know? 
So that okay, was okay. In the past. But I think the, but it, the reason that was actually posted... like, wow, that was a really fucking dumb That's thing. That's a sign. Do, That's actually. a sign right there, dude. Yeah, it was a stupid That's thing. A... I would never do that again because fuck, imagine if you had done it there or done something worse there. That would have been even worse. So, yeah. so anyway. anyway she um, she did all this because you didn't answer her or something. You fell asleep, you didn't answer her, and she just went. Maybe, in Spain, maybe so but I like, honestly I can't remember. That that may well have been, but it's literally like whatever it was, it was something absolutely harmless and nothing, not a real reason or problem, no reason to do this. It, it was it was kind of out of the blue because whatever issues there had been. You know, after the whole Instagram thing, everything was smooth sailing. Like, okay, like there's nothing now. And then this just happened, you know? So it was, yeah, it was pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, so the picture she posted. <laughs> so um, I, I remember the discussion. It was something like, you know, super lame. It's just how she was worried of obviously that I was would be sleeping around or doing something with someone else and I was just no no it's I don't do that like we're talking now seriously like we're gonna meet so that's it you know I don't need to go sleeping around with anyone else so then she was she asked like so is so you're all mine like is it all mine so what what I did was I wrote her like property of and her name on my dick with a sharpie and that's the picture that she had that's saved a, and posted oh my God. on Instagram. You see, so that, that no, just people, made it you can better. understand. <laughs> you can understand why my my level of stress is so high at this point. Now. So it wasn't just that she posted a dick pic. She posted a picture that I had written with a Sharpie property of and her name. So that just made it like instant fucking fame. In, <laughs> online right so people sharing it and making memes and i will get into that a bit later but let's finish the story first so obviously initially i was like super embarrassed and like oh my god i'm fucking dead but like i yeah, said because that, she said that some nasty of, things like know, that kind of lasted five minutes then i got over <laughs> it and like it's fucking, so what it's my dick like i'm perfectly comfortable with my dick if i don't i honestly I'm fine. I don't care if people see it or what they think or if they think it's small or not. It's not. It's. I know. I've had enough. Se I've had enough sex with enough women that I know exactly where I stand. I know what I have, and I'm completely satisfied. So because of that, it doesn't bother me, not at all. But what bothered me was, she wrote, that, uh, be aware of this guy like tagged me and tagged JQ Racing and tagged JQ37. Be aware of this guy. He's he's a, like a sex offender. He's stalking young women online and and uh, masturbating in front of them or something like that. Like basically she wrote that I'm a pedophile looking for young women. Oh my and God. I'm a sex offender. Like that bothered me. And the reason that yeah. bothered me is because it's like when you get like it's it's the same as when someone gets accused of rape and then they get cleared of the charges in society's eyes they are still a rapist you know mm -hmm. so it's a really bad thing to have someone say about you it you know when it's not true so when when that's not true 
And if it sticks, like if you get that label through no fault of your own, that's fucking horrible. So I've seen, I understand that. So that's what I didn't like. That's what I worried about. That's what really made me mad. Like had it, was it, had it only been the picture? Yeah, just laugh it off, whatever. But with the text that was associated with it, that's really bad because even some of the people that contacted me, they were asking about that also. So there was, there was some doubt, like, what the fuck is this all about? You know, like, and I, me having to explain that it's not true. She's just insane and mad and wrote that to hurt me. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't like that. That was, that was bad. I know because, uh, fuck, fuck pedophiles and all that shit. Like that's, that's fucked up to say about anybody. And we, we've talked about this conversation a lot, like getting accused of raping and, and all that type of stuff. It's so easy to slander somebody. Uh, yeah. but this, I remember this spread, like I, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And like I said, I just ended up laughing. I was just like, Jesus, Lord have mercy. Yeah. It's so, never, I okay, even so told my I wife about it. this to be a much bigger, like publicly than what it was. Like some people would make some comments. Like I basically like, I know that they know, but they wouldn't really make any comment that other people, yeah, people don't would know what's going on would understand. Right. And nothing ever yes. really happened at races or anything. Like it was like everything was just happening completely behind my back. Like I knew it was happening, but it wasn't in my face in a sense. So then because of that, I'm not going to fucking bring it up, am I? But <laughs> then just when we so last time I was in America, so last year. Yeah. And this is what year, mentally screwed of, you at this race. Uh, ah. You say that, yes. I don't think so. No, it was just other frustrations with racing and stuff. It, it, this was like weirdly, <laughs> this weirdly, this is the positive thing from the race. I know that sounds insane, but <laughs> for me, it actually was. It kind of cheered me up. Yeah, it, I was yes. just having such a miserable time otherwise. So, what ended up happening was, I think, yeah, I so. Going back, me and Drake have had a beef. Like he started it basically by just, oh, I don't like JQ. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. I mean, I didn't even know. I just turned up to a race. Oh, we aren't friends anymore. So that had been going on for a year or something, right? So obviously Rhonda also, not my friend. At DNC one year, I remember, um, she was walking towards the track and I was walking away. And I just say, what's up or something? And she said, fuck you. That's all she said. So. The Drakes, it, like a no-go zone, okay? They both hated me now. But then this year... Uh, just, I think that relationship's on icy, on, on thin ice, but go ahead. Right yeah, now. but this year, clearly something changed. Because I think, I think the first thing that happened... Oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember now. What was the first thing that happened? What are we talking about? I'm, I'm trying to think that how did Rhonda let me know that she knew? Um, because the baby, baby carrot thing, I think, came after that. Maybe yeah, not. I don't know, Maybe but not. I no, well, it started. I'll tell you what. Can I can I retrace? Because yeah, uh, remember first you and Drake. I kind of got you guys to talk at RCGP. <clears throat> then you went to this race. It was the uh, it was Miguelo's race. 
What yeah. was it called? That's where it happened, but I'm trying to remember what right. and that's, happened. Well, it can't it started there because you like kind of came out of out of in the air there. You know what I mean? And you sat down, you told everybody the story because no, no, I think I'm, what it was I'm getting to that. But oh, okay. there was a reason I did that. Like I knew everyone knew and they were talking about it. But I can't well, remember. I knew well, anyway, knew because I, I got I'm every- sorry, maybe someone remembers and they can make a comment. I think they just was talking about it remember, at this yeah. race. I don't remember what happened. But anyway, Mayfield and all these guys, they were camping there. So then and Drake was pitting there, Ronda was there, and what's this? Um, Dylan Nelson and his dad. And uh, so it was a whole bunch of people. And so this was in the air, like this story. So then I was over there one of the evenings and we were having some beers. And then I just, I told the story. And it was just fucking so funny to all these people. And, and, uh, yeah, like it's, it just became an open secret at that point. And it was just funnier for everyone, you know? So then after that, what happened the probably the next race then was I find a baby carrot in my pits. And so it was this like, uh, three, I don't know, inches. Let's say it was like uh, six centimeters. So what's that? Three inches, something like that. A three inch carrot and like a fake carrot. And uh, then it had written on it property of and then the name of the girl. Right? <laughs> so obvious, who, who, would, who would possibly do something like that? Like, obviously, it was Rhonda who did that. So Rhonda had bought some baby carrots. And she started just putting them everywhere. The first time, <laughs> first time I saw one actually was she had put it on my starter box, like in the groove for the starter box. So mm-hmm. it was so obvious that I would have to see it. So then I found it. I'm like, first, I wasn't sure who did it. Then I kept finding more. So she just kept hiding baby carrots in all my stuff. So that's when I knew like, okay, so we're cool now again, we can be friends again. She also put this fart bag in my starter box. So when you push down, she hoped that it would engage, but it never did. So it was there for like a few weeks and then I found it. But yeah. Yeah. So, so there was that. But th- this is the whole, the whole baby carrot thing got started. This is why this shirt says baby carrot. Yeah. <clears throat> so and um, why call you defense, uncircumcised heathen? In my defense, I, uh, I don't know if anyone has ever tried writing on their penis, but it's not the easiest thing. And especially because how, I don't know why, but I guess I started on the left side and I'm right-handed and then I was like, this was a mistake. So then I had to keep going, but it kind of took a while. So yeah, obviously it, when the picture was taken, it's not maybe the absolute best angle and I'm maybe not in the absolute, sort of uh uh it wasn't the best timing maybe either so i can understand where where people thought of a baby carrot but i promise it's no no problem there like trump said what did trump say that one time yeah no problems there well you know what um i know people like this has nothing to do with rc but it it does because it's RC related. Well, it happened to me. Any, I had to any RC races over the last two years. Then 
It has to be <laughs> <an arson. laughs> And I, I've been wanting to tell this story for a long time. And I'm glad because it actually clears the air. And it's it's a scary situation, man. We got to be careful with stuff like that. And the funny thing is, like, you actually started talking to this girl again. Yeah, then, so the reason, the reason was that after this race, I was thinking, like, why the fuck did this bubble up again now? And uh, I was wondering, like, is she still... Because she had... she What she had done was... Uh, I forgot this part of the story. So uh, she's literally insane. So uh, well after this, well after this, when I met someone else, right? She was still stalking me. So she contacted wow. this person then. So what I have to do from the till the day I die, I guess, is <laughs> if I ever meet someone, if I'm getting a relationship, the first thing I have to do is basically, okay, so if we're going to do this, then uh, there's something I need to tell you. <laughs> so I need to tell people about this because she contacts them, you know, and tells all kinds of lies and makes up stories and this and that. So, um, not this, I don't think, she, I don't think she has the pictures anymore because she didn't send pictures. She would just tell lies instead, you know, mm -hmm. about me. What did, what did so, the FBI actually do? Oh, wait. So I had a point. Why was I saying this? Why did I start saying that she? Because you said from now on, you're going to have to, she, we st you started talking to her again. Oh yeah, yeah. So I thought that she was being, she was active again. Like she's, she's active again. She's contacted someone like, who knows? I don't know who, maybe she fucking messaged Rhonda. I did. I don't know. So, so I look in my phone and I, and I still have her number. So I'm like, fuck, I'm going to call. Like, maybe I'm not blocked now. Because she blocked me, obviously, everywhere and back then. And if it fucking went through. So, <laughs> so I'm just, hey, you remember me? And she was so apologetic. So she was just apologizing. And uh, I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'm going to try and meet her. Like, if I, I went through all that shit, at least I'm going to try and meet her now. And I, I told it you, was go actually ahead. looking. It was actually looking really good. Like I was gonna meet her, and then I don't remember what happened, but something completely ridiculous, and she flipped out again. I'm like, fuck, and I blocked her instead. <laughs> but oh yeah, so she's good to, looking though. I, I yeah, back to that. Uh, it's this so is weird. When, yeah, this is when you actually said like you had until this point always just made fun of me. I'm such a loser. I'm an idiot. Blah blah. blah. Always just laughing and making fun of me. I sent you some pictures of her and you you went quiet and then I remember what you said. You said, Joseph, I forgive you. <laughs> I'm like, what the, what the fuck do you mean you forgive me? And you're like, she's fucking smoking hot. Huh? I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, what? I tell you, man, you have brought some stress to and crazy situations to my life. Jesus, Lord have mercy on my soul. Oh my God. I'm so glad you're off Facebook and all that stuff now. I don't have to deal with this stuff anymore. Yeah. That what was, was that, funny though. Was that but that is. That you brought up just a while ago. About what? No, you, you went on um, a side, side track somewhere. I can't. Oh, um, side track. I can't remember. <clears throat> just you and your Tinder adventures. Like, you know, just so insane. I can't remember what I was talking about or I'd have to go back and listen to it. But 
Yeah, man, it's just nothing. <clears throat> this is this is just the stuff that I have to deal with on a daily basis when I'm working with you. Like, well, not so much anymore, but this was so funny. Oh, so funny. I'm glad we finally came. You came out of the closet about this. So good stuff. <clears throat> People might be like, these guys just go through some dumb crap, man. Like, this is an RC story. Well, it is RC story, but, you know, just not what you expect. Yeah. Um, In Finland, so, we say, tekevälle sattuu. And that means that, I don't know how to translate that. It basically means that things happen to those that do things. Yeah. Well, let's just take it easy on Tinder and... uh yeah you, you see that's your problem you want to fall in love all the time so that that's you know you don't listen to me when it comes to that but uh i hope you guys enjoyed that story it was uh it was definitely crazier at the time i have all the uh audio from it thank you to that person who saved that audio for me yeah <clears> and, uh, i'm so glad this like, we were there in spain with on the falcon obviously i told him immediately like what happened and then we were at the track practicing and then he <laughs> we were in the pits he's like how are you so calm right now? <laughs> I'm just normally like testing, practicing. I'm like, well, what can I do? What's done <laughs> oh, is what done. Did like, the, what did the I FBI actually say to you? That's, oh, that's what, what I meant to said, ask. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So the reason I had to contact the FBI was because it was a federal sex crime or something. Um, so, and I was also foreign maybe that had something to do with it so basically they just said that well normally these things go away if we contact the person and uh i wonder if they contacted her yeah of course they called her wow a few times she uh, probably moved and everything she probably shit her probably shit herself after that and moved and everything well clearly probably a good thing you didn't link up contacting with people so uh. yeah so i mean i could have sued her or pressed charges or something but I never bothered with that stuff. But that's the only way really to, you know, do something to where, you know, she would have had to pay pay or I don't know what. But, you know, yeah, I don't, other than that, it's just like, yeah, they just get all the information, get the details and then call her and tell her to stop, basically. Insane, insane. Well, thank you, Rob's Oil, for bringing us the... Uh the RC Gypsy Tales, and as usual, it's another crazy story with JQ. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, this is not uh, PG-related, so don't let your kids listen to that. And uh, you know what, Joseph? We have to pay a few bills here, so I want to talk a little bit about Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. <clears throat> Papa Willie's Traction Tonic has been a long-time supporter of this podcast. They are a small company making traction compound for RC use. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic has you covered for all your RC tire traction needs, whether you race on carpet, concrete, or dirt, loose dirt, dry stick, or high grip surface. Papa Willie's Traction Tonic cures poor traction. Joseph actually got some Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, but didn't get a chance to use it. Uh, if you guys would like to try out some Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, you can go to papawillies.net. Use the promo code NNRC on checkout for saving and save 10% off your order. Remember to prepare for victory with Papa Willie's Traction, ton traction Tonic. Follow him on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, he's, he does some great pictures. Show him some love, please, guys. Go and, uh, and get some, uh, some Papa Willie's Traction Tonic. Use it. A lot of the oval guys are using it and loving it. Even the drag guys are using it. 
So let's show him some love because remember, showing the pod, showing the sponsor some love shows the podcast some love. And Joseph, you know what? You've been waiting to to rant on this for a minute. So we're going to go directly into the uh, JQ Racing Rant. We are now at that point of the show where you should fasten those seatbelts and put your big boy pants on. Things are about to get serious. It's time for the JQ Racing Rant. All right. Well, if that story wasn't uh, enough, we have a rant this week. We didn't have a rant last week. Uh, This, remember, this part of the podcast is definitely R-rated. And if you have young children... Please don't let, and you don't want them to listen to cursing and banter and all that stuff. Please do not let them listen to this part of the podcast. But Joseph has a rant, and it's kind of been stewing in him for like two, three weeks. Uh, And uh, we know what it's going to be about. So, uh, Joseph, the floor is yours. Well, actually, you're going to have to give me a minute so I can review what was actually said on that podcast. Then I'll get back to you, because it's been a while since I heard this. Piss poor preparation, dude. Piss poor preparation. All right, Joseph, you've been waiting to do this rant for about two and a half weeks, so the floor is yours. Yeah, so this is the second part of the rant that that we had some weeks ago where I was complaining about the fact that people would complain but then have no solutions or answers or reasons so the the point was people said in this uh, instance it was thomas tran and adam drake said rcgp was awesome it was amazing uh, but uh, neither of the companies that they represent joined in but they didn't give any reasons for it so if it's so awesome and it's the way forward and let's do this and it's awesome why don't you join then what's stopping you like why would you not join how can you have an opinion that something's awesome but then you don't do it what that makes no sense zero sense and i brought up x-ray who they said okay they don't have the budget to do this they aren't focusing on eight scale off-road it's not the money maker for them they do their xrs racing series 10 scale off-road touring car whatever all that stuff they put their, they invest their money and time there. Okay, that makes sense. Techno said, uh, no, we're not going to do RCGP because JQ is involved and he's an idiot. Fine, that's, I think it's a stupid way of, of being, but that's perfectly good reason. That's okay. Maybe there was still someone else I can't remember. But so I just, I threw it out there. I said, hey, guys, give a reason. Give me a reason. And Adam Drake stepped up and he did. He went on this podcast. Uh, what it, What was it? The Extra Lap. Extra Lap. Adam went on the Extra Lap podcast. You can go and listen. With Aiden, with Aiden Joey, and um, Matt. No, Matt. Yeah. So anyway, you can go and listen to that podcast uh, yourself to see that I'm not putting words in his mouth. We're not going to play it here, but here's the deal. So Adam gave a reason for Mugen not joining RCGP. And I just want to go over the reason and explain why this is um, incredibly short-sighted and stupid reason. 
Sorry, before I go on any further, his name, Martin, not Matt. Sorry, okay. Martin. I, I don't know why I got your name mixed up. Martin. So Adam admits that... Go ahead. ...that RCGP as a concept, as an idea, is great. The first year was awesome with great content. Can, great content. It uh, looked impressive. It's obvious to anyone who sees that, who watches it, that anyone new, for example, who watches that, wow, this is amazing. This is the pinnacle of RC. So he liked that. He thought it was good. He said that RCGP needs more support from the manufacturers because everything looks great and it's great, but they need more manufacturers to join so that all the best world's best drivers are there. So if RCGP is claiming to, to be a world championship series, then they need the world's best drivers. To that, I say the only thing stopping that from happening is people like Adam Drake deciding not to join. So it's not nothing RCGP can change or do. Those manufacturers just have to join. But that's not my point. So he goes on. He admits that what is happening currently is not necessarily the best long term for the industry. We aren't bringing in new people. Pardon me. So we need to do something different to bring in new people. He admits that. Um, then he gets to the reason that Mugen doesn't join. Now bear with me. He says, it doesn't make sense for Mugen to join RCGP because the people who RCGP will bring in and influence are new people, according to Adam Drake. So new people discover RC due to RCGP. They go out to buy a car and they won't buy a Mugen. Why? Because Mugen don't have entry level products. Mugen don't have 10 scales. They don't have ready to runs. They don't have the kind of cars that a new person uh, who just discovered RC would buy. So it doesn't make sense for Mugen to join RCGP. I have two major problems with this, but let's first look at what he says that Mugen are doing and what makes sense to them. It, he says that it makes sense for Mugen to go to the races that they currently go to, because at RCGP, there were only about 95 people at the biggest race. Now that's 95 in the open class, RC2. Now, whereas he went to a race with almost 800 entries and that's much better for Mugen because they can be hands-on with more people. So they are reaching more people and they aren't new people who won't buy a Mugen anyway. Now, first of all, it's not, I don't care how many entries there are. There were not 800 people there, more like 300 people, okay, that raced multiple classes. So I get that. Instead of 95, you have... 350 or something. Yeah, that's a big difference, but there's one other major difference. There are thousands of people in RC who follow RC, who watch RC, who are not there present at that race. So you are, you think it's more important to go to a race that has 200 more people those 200 more people are more valuable than tens of thousands of people, thousands of whom are active 
in RC who are racing, who are following the scene, who can be influenced by media that they see, who wins races, who does what, this, these kind of things. Now these races, just like that one uh, Wicked Weekend, no coverage. No one knows anything if they weren't there, basically. Some pictures on Facebook, no good video, no good coverage. Uh, Cavalieri won. What does that do for S-Works? Just the fact that he won his number one and S-Works logo there. There's no, there's no more, there's no videos, pictures, stories. There's nothing, nothing more than the, that result. Looking at a name and numbers and a logo on LiveRC, that's the value to them from that race. Plus those two or 300 people who were present and experienced that, maybe it influences them. So, <clears throat> so let me get this straight. It's more important to go to a race with no media coverage because there's 200 more people present at the event. That's more important. That's more valuable to Mugen. Disregarding the thousands of people who would watch online and could be influenced, who are the kind of people that are present at some other event and can be influenced. These are not new people. They are people already in RC racing. So they could buy a Mugen. So by disregarding the online uh, presence and only focusing on the <clears throat> in-person at the track presence, actually you're limiting the amount of people who could be influenced. And I, I'm not talking about new people now. I'm talking about people in RC who could buy a Mugen. You are limiting exposure by choosing to do things this way. Even though you are claiming that it's more, it's oh, 800 entries is more than 90 people. You know, it's just so wrong the way of thinking. I can't even <clears throat> express it properly. Second, and maybe more importantly, if we take a step back, we forget the numbers. We forget about influencing someone direct directly at the track or online. We just look at the big picture. Let's look at the big picture. <clears throat> Saying that Mugen thinks that RCGP is great. Mugen thinks that it's the way forward. Mugen thinks that um, <clears throat> current status in RC is maybe we aren't doing the right things. We need more people in. But Mugen doesn't have those kind of cars, new people won't buy a Mugen, then it's in Mugen's best interest to not join something like RCGP uh, that could potentially get new people in RC, but that's not a good idea because the products that Mugen sell aren't entry-level products. This is like Ferrari saying that it doesn't make sense for Ferrari to remain in Formula One because Ferrari is simply giving Mercedes-Benz more sales. Why do I say that? Because Ferrari don't have quote-unquote entry-level cars. Ferrari only has very expensive cars, right? You don't see your average guy driving a Ferrari. Well, at least let's say Finnish standards, average guy. But what you do see is you do see your average guy driving a Mercedes, maybe an older Mercedes, maybe a used Mercedes, second-hand one, uh, 
many people can buy, buy a Mercedes. Just go to the store and get a loan and car payments and you have a Mercedes. So what Adam said when he said that RCGP is great, but Mugen doesn't want to join because Mugen doesn't have the products to sell. That's like Ferrari saying, Formula One is awesome. What a great spectacle. But we don't want to join Formula One because we don't have cars that the people who watch Formula One would buy. But Mercedes does. So we're just giving sales away to Mercedes uh, by supporting Formula One. Do you understand how mind-numbingly short-sighted, uh, narrow-minded, ridiculously dumb that statement is? Do you? Well, Did I get through to you? Well, I, I will say this. I said that that relationship's on thin ice. I think it just, you just fell through the ice. I guess line. we're through but, the um, ice and I guess I should be PC and nice and kiss people's asses and everything would be fine and dandy and everyone would be in RCGP. I am not fucking RCGP. I, I did my year. I made it happen. David's ta like taking over that stuff that I made happen in the first year. Like I'm not needed in that sense anymore. I'm just, I'm saying the same things that I've always said. I always state my opinion, this and that. It's, it's, I, I'm not your fucking, uh, what's that book? Like how to get, gain friends and influence people or what is it? <laughs> I can't, there's a book yeah. like that, you know, I should probably read that a million read. times and live by that book. I just don't, I don't. I just want people to, it's nothing personal. We can, Adam, if you hear this, we can be friends. We can go to the track. We can race each other. We can take each other out and laugh about it. Everything's fine. I just think on this point, I think you're wrong. I think this is a ridiculous take. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard and say it's stupid, but I do because I think it's stupid. That's how I think. At least you know how I really fucking feel. Okay. But it's not personal. We, I do like just in the story right now, I did something very, you know, stupid. And look, I paid for it. You know, everyone does stupid things. Everyone has stupid opinions. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone um, has better ideas and worse ideas. It, we all do this. This isn't anything personal. This We are talking about the ideas here. Let's stick to that. Okay. So I want people to really think about this. What's the better idea? If, if we really want to grow RC racing, if we really want this to be better, if we can agree that something's wrong, if we can agree that RCGP would be good, if we could agree that the best driver should be there, and if we can agree that Ferrari turning around and saying to F1, well, as Ferrari, we're going to quit Formula One because all we're doing is giving sales to Mercedes because the people that watch Formula One uh, can only afford a Mercedes. If we can agree that that is a ridiculous statement, then we can agree that I'm still waiting for a reason. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> you know what? I was going to add some stuff to that, but yeah, that's your rant. Um, I'm kind of over the excuses too, you know? I really am. Uh, it, it is what it is. I think if the people want to see it, then they should make their voices known. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fucking, know. 
just like another thing, everyone complains about IFMAR. IFMAR does, oh, why would you have to go to Brazil? It's so expensive. You know what? Next year, they're going to have the Worlds in Brazil. Everyone's going to be there. And then everyone's going to complain yep. again. Like, Hopefully, I will be too. Yeah, it's, it's just insane. You know what, man? <clears throat> when talking about like, online presence and all that stuff, it comes back to what we talked about earlier is that why would Monster, Red Bull, or any of these big companies sponsor? Fuck, why would they sponsor JQ Racing or, or Mugen yeah. or any of these teams I, I, to, cater, to cater to 300 people at... And look, I'm not, we're not dogging PNB. We can talk about DNC as well. DNC, 250 people. Whatever. And then and don't even get me freaking well started on my whole pet peeve of entries. Yeah. Hey, you know, 800 entries. And, you know, don't, don't even get that. If, if you look at that logic, that's exactly why RC is fucked up in the first place. Because people talk about entries like they're people and actual persons and not what they are. Just yeah, entries. This is what you know what I mean? Frustrates me. To try and no boost end. things. That's my biggest pet. That frustrates the shit out of me. Right, I hate yeah. it. It's like we had 800 entries. Ah, fuck! Come on, like, come on, stop that shit! Like, it's so stupid. Yeah, but this so I, 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 this podcast, this this is Sorry. what frustrates me so much because, first of all, it's not either or. It's not like, oh, so Mugen joins RCGP, has a fields a team of Mayfield and uh, Robert, for example. It's not like oh, they do that so they can't go to those other races. It, it doesn't work that way, first of all. I guarantee it's not like that. If they really wanted to, they could join RCGP, they could do those races, and they could do those other races. That's the first thing. Second thing, if you do have to choose, how is it that you think it's better to choose something that you go to a race that has 200 more people and no online presence compared to you saying yourself something that's impressive pinnacle of rc great presence but there's 200 less people online you have thousands of people who are potential customers who are into racing who run kyoshos tlrs mugens x-rays jqs agamas hbs s works they are already in this they are immersed in this they are consuming videos uh, social media content they are consuming all this stuff right and then they base their purchasing choices on this so i don't understand how you conclude that it's better to cater to the 200 extra people locally compared to all those thousands of people plus the people at the race i don't get it because it's like rcgp does all the things that any other race does all the same things plus some extra things so that logic just it just i don't get it uh it's the same logic that brags about entries versus actual participants joseph it's it's nothing new it's the same thing we're st it's it's the same freaking logic hey 800 entries 300 people you know 300 doesn't sound as impressive as 800. Yeah. The, the thing you that know? people fail to see make is... It, make it, it makes us feel better. It makes us feel better. A rising, it's like unicorns and ice cream. A rising tide raises all the ships. It's not selective. The tide rises, every single no. ship is going to rise with it. It's, what, what they are basically claiming here is like, Mugen is anchored and chained 
to the bottom or to the ground. So the tide rises and everyone else rises and Mugen is still chained to the fucking bottom of the ocean. That It doesn't work that way. Every ship will rise. If the industry becomes healthier and stronger and bigger, everyone's going to benefit from that. The people who sell entry-level stuff, the people who sell high-level racing stuff, everyone. Yeah, it's a shame, but uh, it takes time. I think, I well, I think I was told, uh, at peak at the USA RCGP, I think Andrew told me they were checking on Facebook and they had 3,500 people watching at one point during the, the final. That's very impressive. Yeah, but there were 800 entries. I don't know how many were on YouTube. Yeah, I think the 30, you know, you, but I'm just trying to say there's, there's exposed like this is this people are like why don't we get ESPN why don't we get why doesn't Red Bull like I get so sick and I tell people why don't we get our shit product. together Ooh, first. what you mean yeah I said and people what do you mean we don't have a product I went uh, we had I said doesn't matter that doesn't matter it doesn't matter I said there's you go to a when if, when motocross races there may be a hundred entries in there but only forty how many race on the supercross race uh twenty something yeah I think I said only twenty something yeah. guys race. Only 22 guys race in the main show. That's all people come to watch. They come to watch 250. 250 is the warm up to 450. So I'm not saying we're motocross, but yeah, man, we got to stop fucking fooling ourselves with this fucking entry bullshit. Like it's it just, and then to use it, like to use it, like it's just silly. Like, I don't know. I know why there's a big pushback on RCGP. It's budget. The companies are struggling budget wise. So they want to stick to what they know. But then don't you, but don't say we need to change things. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, fuck, like, oh, let's change. Like, oh, let's do something different. Like, really, truly, you're not going to forget. Like, you're not dissing your other, you're not dissing the other people that are into RC if you're trying to grow RC. You know, and I want to grow RC from all I say. I know you don't like the bashing market. I think you're an idiot for that. Because I think it's one of the biggest markets that we can I tap don't have into. to personally and hopefully get people like into it. racing. Yeah, I know it's big. I know, I know it's but important, you don't. You can't understand. I don't need to like it. I don't like it. I think it's lame. Right. That's me. Well, that's your that's your opinion. I fucking think it's awesome. But it doesn't it doesn't mean we can't agree that we need to get those guys over here as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And so what we've been doing now over the past couple of years is things that could potentially bring those people over. Yes. Some and race in I a field have a, that I don't no have anything against about, companies. That's not going to bring any of those people over. Having a six-minute main at 6 a.m., that's not going to bring any of those guys over. 12-minute runtime in a whole day, that's not going to bring any of those guys over. No, it's not. But uh, I don't have anything against companies that cater to the bashing and racing side of things because the bashing side keeps the racing side going. Just to get that. But I am just... It's like, all right... More excuses, more excuses, more excuses. It's great. It's good. Uh, it doesn't cater to new people. It's this, it's that. It doesn't do this to that. Well, I don't see any but fucking body else. Now, that, doing now it's actually flipped. See, before it was, well, I don't see how this can bring in new people. You know, we might as well do what we're doing. Now it's like, oh, 100% of the people who consider buying a car because of RCGP are new people. Therefore, they won't buy a Mugen. I mean, it's just like all over the fucking shop. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think new people are going to go in and drop three grand on a whole new setup. No, but that's not I even think the they point. can get into a bashing. I know that, but that's what they're trying to say. 
I think, in the long run. Oh, not not everybody's going to come in and spend three grand on a, on a new mute. We do this. We do oh, this album. right. It's going to start. It's going to be good for everyone. Eventually, it will hopefully lead to the industry growing and new people coming in. That's it's it's a no brainer. It's this is a simple thing. I'm just tired of the excuses, man. Fuck. Like, sorry, I'm cursing a lot, but that's how I kind of fucking feel about yeah, it. Right let's, we're done. Just come up. We with were it. done like ten like, minutes ago. Like just and it, yeah, just excuses. Like I'm getting over. It. Like it's just getting old. It's getting old. Um, yeah, maybe we're fucking typing. Like I don't want to argue, and everybody's entitled to their opinions, man. I don't want to argue with everybody that has an opinion about RCGP because everybody has their vision of doing things differently. But don't say it's good and it's this and it's that. But we can't do it. Like oh, we we don't have a budget to do it. Oh, well, if you think it's that good and you think it's great, make a budget. Or you just don't think it's that great. Let's put it that way. Or you just don't like it because of, of Joseph. Or you don't like it because of this or whatever. Let's be fucking real with each other for once. Like, and no offense to people. I'm not trying to offend people, but it's just getting, I'm getting tired of it. It is what it is. I want the hobby to grow. You want the hobby to grow. But we, nobody wants to do anything. But when something comes and we try to do something, everybody pulls it down. So do we really want it to grow? Or we just want it to be what it is and be our little RC bubble. And everybody... Brag about their 50% off and 65. I'm 75. Oh, I'm almost 100. I'm 41 years old. I'm on 100%. I'm on the road to being a pro driver. Sure you are, buddy. Yeah, we got to get over that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, guys, um, enough of that. Enough of negativity. It's all about positive. We got to be positive, too. It's We're talking about these races. It's great to see people racing again, though. I must admit. I miss racing. I want to get back to racing and uh, maybe, maybe I'll pop up to America here before the end of the year. We'll see how things go. Uh, tune in to the Facebook Live of Joseph, myself, and Toby. Uh, when we call ins and uh, Facebook questions, I'm sure Joseph will get on his tangent in the soapbox again for for RCGP. But hey, that's what it's all about. That's a call. That's a call show. Thank you to everybody that. Uh, sent in questions to us thank you to everybody man everybody the no name rc podcast listeners from the world and hashtag nnrc squad you guys are awesome please share like um if you don't like our facebook page go to facebook like us instagram twitter uh, follow us please review these podcasts on the uh leave us a review on itunes apple pod whatever platform you listen to this it all helps uh please leave the reviews also shout out to all of our patrons on patreon Appreciate you guys. We're going to fix this little bubble, actually. Joseph, when we get off the phone here. Um, if you wish to be a patron, please go and sign up. The written it, it, Every little bit helps, and I greatly appreciate that. And uh, thank you to um, all of the awesome, awesome companies that make this happen for us and believe in us and use our platform to advertise. Uh, that would be RCMX Online, Techno RC, Beach RC, JQ Racing, Papa Willie's Traction Tonic, manscape.com rob's oil shout out to jq threads and wally builds as well they support us and uh remember showing our sponsor some love shows the podcast some love uh, a few other things um i did say this last week but i just want to say my condolences to the woodyard family and the passing of uh their their mother well while well, austin and his, his mom she passed last week <clears throat> shout out to Eric Reichardt from Vintage RC and um, he does all the vintage he used to work for RC Car Action his mom passed last week 
I also posted on my face on the NNRC Facebook page. I'll go fund me for the gentleman who owns the Ohio RC factory. His house burnt down. Go help. Let's see if we can help him out. Also, the GoFundMe for Buddy to help with his uh, his uh, treatments for for leukemia. Go check him. Check out BeTheMatch.org as well. Become a burn marrow um, donator. Remember, everybody, like, let's just, uh, let's. it's good to be racing. It's good to see everybody racing. I know things in the world are nuts and crazy and shit's, shit's hitting the fan everywhere. But uh, at the end of the day, we gotta we gotta show love and respect to people. So you know, at the, I'm gonna end this with Nitro is the glory. E buggy pays the bills. Joseph's had his rant, and uh, if you ain't grinding and sliding, remember hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. One love. Thank you for listening to the No Name RC Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the support and love from you, the listeners. Without all of you, none of this is possible. Special thanks to our patrons on Patreon. If you wish to support the podcast further, you can at patreon.com forward slash NNRC podcast. As a patron, you will receive early releases, special content, and patron-only giveaways. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, www.nnrcpodcast.com. Remember, Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. If you aren't having fun, it doesn't make sense. And if you ain't grinding, you're sliding lefty out. Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory, Nitro is the glory.